Happy New Year, Leftover Army. It is 2021, and you know what that means? It's the Tuppies. This is the 8th annual Tupperware Awards show, where we're going to be giving out our best for the year of 2020, the previous year. And yeah, what a year it was. We almost didn't do it this year. And we get into that a little bit in the episode. But yeah, we are going to be going over our favorites from 2020. We've got guests, and we had fun. And here it is, the 8th annual Tupperware Awards show. Episode 362. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Only talent. It's the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hello and welcome to the 8th Annual Tuppies, the Tupperware's Awards show, where we hand out fake awards for our favorites of 2020. Woo! You sound fucking excited as fuck, Jake. Oh my god. It's like I just had like 30 pixie sticks or something. Yeah. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. We're the leftovers. We're the leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We in- <laughs> 2020, what a year, huh? Oh, maybe the best. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. This is terrible. Terrible year. Terrible year. I didn't even know if we are going to be doing the Tupperware, uh, Tupperware Award show this year, Jake. Yeah, there was a moment where we were like, what the fuck are we even going to do for this shit? Yeah, I don't know. We're going to keep it loose. We're going to try to keep it fun. <laughs> but it's going to be very loose this year because this was like not a normal, typical year. But we are here to tell everyone our favorites from 2020. And uh, we're not alone. We're joined uh, third year in a row, I think, Rebecca Daling, Queen of the Leftover Army from PicardCast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me for the tuppies. Yeah. Are you, are you super excited for this edition? Oh, boy. Can't wait to talk about all the stuff I didn't get to watch in the theater this year. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a new installment. That's sincere. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I it's ugh, I know it's so hard to get excited about it. I think in previous years I've been like, "Oh man, I can't wait to talk about all the great stuff." And then and not that there wasn't great stuff that came out in 2020. Obviously, that's what we're here to talk about, but um uh, you know, 2020 was a shit year for a lot of us. So, uh yeah, hard to get that excited. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't have been oh man. Wouldn't it have been wild if like all the correspondence from the show 2020 died in 2020? Oh my gosh, that is, would be so weird. Like Barbara Walters. Is is Hugh Downs still alive? Oh God. I don't even know. I'm not sure. I'm guessing no. He I, might not be. I'm I'm you know what? I bet you he's I bet you he's alive. I bet you Hugh Downs is still alive. We don't even know. No, he he died he in died 2020. This year, yeah. <gasps> what the oh, fuck? Shit. Oh my god, that's so weird. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh wow! Hugh Downs died this year. When did he die? July first. Oh my God! I didn't know that. Rest in peace, Hugh Downs. I used to love Twenty Twenty when I was a kid. Ew. John Stossel. 
John Stossel. Yeah. What a weird last name, right? John Stossel. John Stossel. Sounds like Strusel, like something you'd order in a bakery. Yes, I'll have an apple Stossel, please. It sounds like Strossel. It sounds like it sounds like somebody in the dinosaur community trying to be cool, talking about a Stegosaurus fossil. A Stossel. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I pulled that joke out of thin air. Everyone, <laughs> that's it was just, good. That was yeah, yeah. That's best joke of twenty twenty. Lord goes goes to me there. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Chappelle. It just wasn't just wasn't your year here, buddy. <laughs> Maybe next. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty. Hey, so yeah, this year's odd because like usually we do uh, comic books and. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I didn't read a lot of comic books this year. Like even our show, number one comic books has been on a super hiatus. So I have no comic books. I think Paul, you were the only one that said that you read any comic books recently. So yes, I did. And thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be on the Tuppies. Yeah. Did we not introduce you? It's okay. It's 2020. Fuck. It's it's Paul from, uh, from the animated Batcast and movies from the heart, Paul. Woo! I just got done doing a cartwheel. Well, fucking jazz. I don't mean it's your first year on the on, on the tuppies and it's gotta be and we had you come on for for, for the biggest for the biggest and best year ever. <laughs> seems seems appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. What you like what <laughs> Paul, do you have a comic book artist of the year? Yeah, I All right, do. hold on. Wait, I got, I'm gonna play these okay. bumpers. Okay. <laughs> Comic book artist of the year. Picture pages, picture pages, time to get your picture pages, time to get your crayons and your pencils. Picture pages, picture pages, open up your picture pages, time to watch the Cosby do a picture page with you. Still using the Bill Cosby bumper there. Still Uh using the picture page (laughs) one. Yeah, yeah. Not going to waver on that. Not going to waver on that. I don't know. It's super, super inappropriate, isn't it? Anyway. Mm, I think it ages like fine wine. I do too, actually. <laughs> yeah. What, what, do you, what do you got, Paul? Comic book artist. Uh, uh, actually, it's uh, comic book artist of the morning since you read these comics literally this morning. That is correct. It is Dan Mora for Once and Future from Boom Studios. Dan Mora. Yep. From What's this, what's this book about? Uh, it's, it's pretty sweet. It takes place in present time and there's like this really kind of snippy old lady that has a grandson that's an archaeologist and she finds out that like the scubbard or whatever, the sheath that, um, Excalibur goes into has been unearthed. So all these like, uh, monsters and legends from King Arthur's time are coming into our present thing and it's up to this really old lady and her grandson to save the universe. Oh wow, an old lady! You know, you don't see that. In you know, all of our heroes are usually like, you know, young people. People, mm-hmm. you know, you never really see like your hero be like uh, an old lady. Yeah, and it's it's fucking great because one of the, our first introduction is she's pretty much kidnapping her grandson, and she pulls a gun on him, and he's like, "Come on, Grandma, you're not going to shoot me," and she. She shoots his earlobe right off. It's pretty fucking fantastic. It's amazing. What if what if Aunt May got bit by the spider? Wouldn't that have been different? <laughs> she would have died six less times. What if in what the if last what if, issues? <laughs> what if what if well what if dead Uncle Ben got bit by the spider? 
Oh, wow. He'd still be dead. Like, after he died or before he died? Yeah, like, okay, he dies, he gets bit by the spider, and then maybe, like, some webs shoot out of his arm and, like, that's it. He's like a dead party popper. Okay, what if what if Spider bit uh, Uncle Ben after he dies, laid eggs in Uncle Ben, and then like a spider person like emerged from his chest, like a like 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 chest burster style? Oh my god! I think you just wrote the sequel for Junior. <laughs> and I don't want to piss off all the comic book geeks. I do realize that in the comics they were not organic web shooters. Okay, so settle, settle down, slow your roll. Junior, who? You an email? I, I honestly, yeah, I know, I would have gotten an email. I don't think that this will be the last time that Junior is brought up on this podcast. I think it'll probably no, it's not going to show up anywhere else in the podcast. <laughs> All right, Paul, comic book writer of the year. Here we go, bumper for that one. Comic Writer of the Year. All right, Paul, who was the writer this morning that just blew you away this morning? Well, well, I actually have a runner-up for this. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Wow. Runner-up for for this morning's yep. comic this book writer of the year. Read in the, in the bathroom. Totally. Um, I got Scott Snyder and Charles Soule for The Undiscovered Country. Oh, And nice. that is – that's by Image, and I'm one of the biggest Scott Snyder fanboys. I know that's a shocker to Rebecca. Um <laughs> But uh, this one, um, they have to break into a quarantined America. So, yeah, that's that's a brand new concept to all of us. Um, but my winner, <laughs> my winner is James Tinian, the fourth, for Something is Killing the Children. It's a very it's a very uplifting book. It sounds like it. What's yeah. killing them? Spoil it. Um, there is like these monsters that live in the woods that are just killing random kids and they bring in this like emo monster hunter to come in and save the day. And it's actually pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. I got put onto that by Stephen Farshend. He really helped me out with these categories today. So I, I appreciate him. <laughs> Motherfucker, I should have had him on the show. I know I should have outsourced <laughs> my fucking comic <laughs> awards too. <laughs> I didn't know we could get other people to do our homework. For yeah, us. fuck what? it. it just the comic guy just said, "Hey, what's good?" <laughs> that's the that's the only one he gave me. Just fucking dele- you're delegating your fucking yeah, duties. You know. <laughs> oh, man. Have you guys have you guys have you heard about the new book coming out from Scott Snyder, uh, Paul mm-hmm. Noctera? No. Oh. Yeah, Noctera. Uh, it's coming out in March. It looks fucking good. Oh my god, Tony S. Daniels doing the art. It, it, it was a, it was a Scott, it was Scott Snyder's first Kickstarter. And I think this comes out in March. It's, uh, it's going to be published through Image Comics though now. So it got picked up by Image. And, uh, yeah, check out Noctera. It looks, it's coming out March 3rd. It looks fucking, I, that, I am going to be jumping on for this. I am definitely going, I'm, I actually, since the Tuppies came up this year, 
I was like, oh my God, I'm embarrassed. I didn't read hardly any comics. And, you know, honestly, it was one of those things with like finances. You don't know like what they're going to be in a year where we're going through a pandemic. So I couldn't have like a big pull list. And so I actually dropped my pull list this year. Um, I only bought a few comics this year. And so next year I'm hoping this year now I'm hoping to, to get a new pull list and Noctera is definitely going to be on it. It looks really fucking good. Yeah, so. I'm I'm really excited for Scott Snyder to kind of be going away from all the Batman stuff and kind of going back to like, you know, what he's been doing mm-hmm. really good, like his own his own stories. Because I know like a lot of fans were maybe getting Scott Snyder fatigue with everything he was doing. So I think this uh, Undiscovered Country was a great little, you know, little ego boost at like, hey, I'm still able to write really awesome, amazing original stories that aren't tied into, yeah, you know franchise properties he does great horror comics like if you know i oh know my god american I, vampire and i know colin bunn yeah is fan. i was a huge fan american vampire um like i know he's like colin bunn's great at the the horror stuff but it's nice to get scott snyder back doing the horror stuff which is really cool so i, I was actually following that project on the charles soul side because i'm a big charles soul fan and i knew he had this project coming out with scott snyder and then i kind of forgot about it uh because a lot of other shit happened in my life but i'm glad that you reminded me about this this project paul because i was interested to read it and um the fact that you you bring it up here i i definitely want to find it and 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 start reading it myself because i i'm i'm a fan of course of scott snyder but i'm also a huge fan of charles soul's work yeah yeah, and to put them together is just amazing. I found that on my own with no help from Steve, so that's a win for me. Mm. Yay! Wow. <laughs> I'm a big boy now. <laughs> it doesn't really count if it's a Scott Snyder book, though, Paul. That's true. God damn it, Jake. What bring it back to Earth. <laughs> you got an ongoing comic, Paul? Yeah, I actually have a couple. Let me play the uh, bumper here. Best ongoing comic. What do you got for ongoing? All right. Uh, my first runner-up is The Last Ronin, uh, the Ninja Turtles comic hmm. by Tom Waltz, Eastman, and Laird. That one that one is one I was really excited for because they were hyping that up like pretty much all year with the big selling point being the mystery of, you know, uh, Splinter and three of the turtles die in the future and only one is left. And that... Ninja Turtle is now haunted by the three ghosts of his fallen brothers, and he becomes a very hard edge, you know, like it's almost like an old man Logan type of thing. And uh, just the reveal of who it was was well worth the wait. And the way they pulled it off of like who the bad guy is, and you mm-hmm. know, like some ties to like core uh, Ninja Turtles characters, it was a lot of fun. This is uh, giving was- me an idea, Paul, for a book called The Last Golden, and it's about. <laughs> Rose, Rose from Golden Girls, and she's the last Golden Girl. All the other ones are now dead, and we find out that they've been slain by Alf. 
Oh, I was going to say oh, Dan. Shit. My no. elf, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Like, Aided by Vicky, the small child robot from Small Wonder, I assume. She's finally gone rogue. You've basically just spoiled Arc 2, but anyway, <laughs> oh, thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> just sorry. Rebecca with the spoilers. Last year, she gives away the fucking villain of Knives Out, and this year, she gives away my whole fucking... <laughs> You totally did last year. I paid the price for that Knives Out villain. Oh, that's my... I I felt so bad afterwards. I tried to, like, cover it up, but I didn't do a very good job. Oh, my... Yeah, Yeah, you... We got a few tweets, responses about that, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, sorry. The movie just came out in November, and, like, two months later... I don't even think it's out to fucking rent at that point. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, goddamn movie. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that... Chris Evans in that sweater. He's so... Bad. I was, I was, I was, what can I say? I was hypnotized by Chris and the sweater. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm only human, you know. I th- do you think he has a matching sweater for his monster dick? 100%. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, absolutely. He does. He dresses that thing up, you know? <laughs> Just a giant fucking wool mitten. Jesus. That's awesome. Dick Evans. Anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was yeah i was thinking of uh porn names for different like stars in avengers movies not like they're not like they're not like you know like not like a porn name for like scarlet witch or vision or iron man but like their actual names like as actors tell me tell me what you think of these a porn name for robert downey jr is robert go down on me jr Oh, very good. A plus. <laughs> oh, that's very good. Chris Evans, of course, was Dick Evans. But moving on. And then uh, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo is Mark Muffalo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give that an A plus, too. <laughs> oh, man. We, Jake, we, we might, I might have to do some more with that. I got I to gotta, I gotta think of some other names here. Oh, uh, <laughs> Paul Bettany is Paul getting me. <laughs> what about Mark Ruffalo? You got I, there yet? I said Mark Muffalo. Oh, durr. yeah. What, what 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 happened to your memory? I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? No, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like, <laughs> talk about the Golden Girls earlier and forgetting shit. Mm. Who? The Golden Girls. When you get older, you start to forget shit. I don't know. That didn't work. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, what, are we, what, are we, what are we doing here? Uh, what else you got, Paul? Ongoing comic. Uh, and then, because uh, I actually read all 14 issues this morning, is that once and for, um, is that one about the King Arthur? Uh, that one was a lot of fun. So that is my, that is my comic of the year, The Man. Once and Future by Kieran Gillen, Dan Mora, and Tamara Bonvillain. We are just comic book aficionados. You got it. All of Paul's best ongoing comics are also limited series, so. You know it, you know it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you've, you misunderstood what ongoing comic means. No, no, no. <laughs> ongoing is gonna keep going. Like, like, that one is definitely, they got no plans to stop that one, but the other ones, yeah, the last Ronin I think is done after five issues. Who's got, anybody got a, Jake busted me. Anybody got a video game of the year? Oh, I do. Alright, here we go. Video Game of the Year. Welcome to Video Land. Wake up, Kid Icarus. Welcome to Castle Lake. 
All right. So which Nintendo game won it for you this year, Jake? Or was it a was it a was it a handheld like iPhone game? No, it was a Nintendo game. It was this was easy for me. It was Mario 3D All Stars. It was the uh, compilation of the three 3D Mario games from previous systems. Uh, I've been waiting 20 plus years to be able to play Mario 64 again on a modern system without hooking the old N64 up. So, yeah, this is easily my video game of the year. Very cool. Yeah, I haven't played any of those. Jesus, I haven't played. What's the last video game I fucking played? I think it was that Spider Man game. Oh, you played like, that? Huh? You played that? That's pretty new. That's like a year or two years old, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe like three years old, right? <laughs> it wasn't like it's Pong. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's this it's this fucking last decade. So yeah, yeah. All right, toy of the year. Best toy of the year. Get those wonderful toys. Who's got a toy? Who's got a toy of the year? I got I something do. for this category. Oh, everybody's got one. Toy, uh, Rebecca, what's your toy? Well, I'm counting this as a toy because it was a GameStop exclusive. Uh, so take that as you will. Um, if you don't think it counts, uh, too bad. That's what I got. Um, it, this was the Wonder Woman 1984 official merchandise jewelry set. Uh, it came with the bracelets. Uh, it came with an armband that has the WW on it and a tiara as well. It is absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's polished and it's super shiny. The bracelets have like a leather strap that's adjustable. The tiara is adjustable. Um, it is an, and it's, it, it was a limited production. So like when you get it, it comes with the certificate of authenticity as well as like what number in the production it was. I got that as a birthday gift this, uh, in 2020. Um, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I would totally wear it to cosplay. Um, so yeah, that is, that's my toy of the year. There you go. Paul, are you wearing it right now? Yes, I am. I, I thought I you were. Paul specifically. He it really brings out my eyes. He's very anxious to try it on, and uh, I don't know how what condition I'm going to get it back in. Paul gives it. Paul gives it his ongoing toy of the year award because he's because <laughs> <laughs> he can't stop wearing it. Yeah, can't man. It's like a, yeah, just can't. Just can't. Sometimes you can't. What do you got there, Paul? Um, I have uh the the entire first wave of the Lego Mario set, or of the of the, of that whole line, like every expansion that they brought out. I think what they did, being able to combine, you know, the interactiveness of the Lego or of of um, you know, of the Nintendo game Mario, where they give you an oversized figure with the LED, and you connect it to your phone and that maps out the little courses you can make on your own. And it's just, it's given my kids, like it's got them off the TV. It's got them off of uh, the Nintendo and they just come over and they play and we build it together. And I think it was just a great way to really get kids off of the Nintendo and have fun making their own little Lego Mario projects. It's really cool. That's awesome. You're spending time with your kids. Yeah. Fucking Lego tricked me. Yeah. Oh God. Fucking Lego, man. I'm like, I get it, man. I get the, like, I get why people love it. I do get it now, but Jesus Christ, it's so expensive. Oh my God. It's so expensive. 
like you have to like you can't just go to the store because they got like 12 different sets you know like you have to buy the very first one which is like 60 fucking bucks because you that's the only way you can actually get the bluetooth mario and then you can add on you know you get like bowser's castle for like 100 bucks so oh my you can God. get you know like his firepower suit for an extra ten dollars mm. you know at the checkout of walmart but yeah they really but it's it's a lot of fun it's not gone to waste and you can you know you can connect them to each other. You can make Bowser's Castle connected to like Boo's Mansion. It's just a lot of fun. Really cool. Money suck of the year, but it's fun. That's good. Yeah, it, <laughs> I know. Keeping I, them it off of drugs. So there we go. <laughs> I think that I love how oh, I man. I love the personal touch there. That I mean, you get the, your kids are loving it. That's very cool. It's a great toy of the year. I'll I'll go next because Jake's probably got something really cool. I and honestly, it's not even my toy of the year. It's like I it's my first hot toy that I got. I finally got the the Stark Nano Gauntlet. Mm. Oh yeah, that's fucking nice. awesome. Uh like oh god. I'll be honest with you. For as much money as you spend on that fucking thing, I wasn't blown away. I don't. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. It looks fine. It just, it feels cheap, in my opinion. <laughs> I've heard other people say that about Hot Toys when they get, like, their first one, that they're a little bit underwhelmed by the quality. I was underwhelmed. You plug it in, you know, and it's like, it glows and shit, and you can have the, the stones, like, glow at different times and pulsate and all this shit, and I guess, I don't know. I just... I don't know why I fucking got it now. So, <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I know, I know, I know. My toy of the year is just uh that's a money suck. That I don't know. It's 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 whatever. I know. I know. Some people love these hot toys, but man, I don't know. It's all right. I don't think it was worth what they fucking charge you for it. I think it should have been half half the price of that. Hmm. What do you got, Jake? Uh, my toy of the year this year is the one-of-a-kind exclusive clone trooper helmet that Eric Marable made for me. Mm. Wow. So I couldn't think of anything that I got this year that topped that when it comes to collectibles and toys. Um, it's sitting on my shelf right now. I put it on my head at least once or twice a week. So, yeah, thanks fucking badass. I'm sorry that none of you can have one. I got the I got the Mandalorian helmet that he sent me and it's fucking awesome. So I'll yeah, that's my toy of the year, I guess. <laughs> it's no, honestly, it's like way better than that fucking nano gauntlet. Oh, I believe it. It's so fucking cool. You wouldn't think you could see out of it as you well can. as you can. Yeah. But you could see out of it fucking perfectly. And I'm curious if I can, like, use it as, like, my face mask when I go to the grocery store and stuff. I don't know if that would be frowned upon or not. I know that there's a guy here in town that fucking dresses up like Darth Vader and goes around. <laughs> yeah. I should give it a whirl. Yeah, you should try it. All right. Let's move on into uh, Best Animated Television Show of the Year. Best Animated Show of the Year. Thank you. 
what we'll do is we'll go through and we'll give our honorable mentions and our runners up and then we'll pass it off and then we'll f- all give our tops. Then we'll like uh, hand it off and give our top uh, animated show of the year. Um, Paul, what do you got? Honorable mention, um, honorable mentions. I got Midnight Gospel, Bob's Burgers, and Solar Opposites, and then I got the three runner-ups. You want me to do those right now? Oh God, let's let's talk about fucking Solar okay. Opposites. Was fantastic. Oh yeah, it was so funny, man. Uh, I love I love Tom uh, I love Thomas Milditch and um, the the kid from um, the Goldbergs. Yeah, uh, whatever his name is. This is. I kind of put this one off because it just looks so, I don't know, it looked too silly or just kind of, I don't know, but just watching it and seeing like their whole little wall and just, you know, the little jokes, like the first episode, they're trying to be like Frasier and the guy's wearing a Dick Wolf shirt the entire time. Yeah, this one, I'm kind of sad I I sat on it too long. Oh, yeah, and it's from the Rick and Morty people. I love it. I love that. Solar Opposites was fantastic. And I love the Midnight Gospel, too. What a yeah! That was fantastic. Yeah, but that one, you know, like that one, like it's it's only an honorable mention just because I felt like I couldn't like either I could only just really focus on the animation, which was fantastic, and then I kind of had to go back and listen to everything that was being said. Like I felt like I was getting a little too distracted by one or the other. It's wild because it's taken from a podcast. All the audio is taken from a podcast and then, and then they turn it into this animated show. And it was just, I think like my favorite episode was the one where he's talking to his mother who had passed. And yes, that one was just like, that was one that I had to watch twice because it was incredible. Yeah, midnight guys. What a great pick, Paul. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And then I do got the runner ups. Do you want me to do those, or are we waiting? No, go ahead. Give me the runners up. All right. So my third runner up is Hoops with uh, Jake Johnson, oh, yeah. which got canceled. Thank you, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler for villain of the year. Um, my second is a really great. It is a kid show, but it's really great for the whole family. It's called Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast, and it uh, stars. I'm gonna fuck up her name. Um, she plays uh, the female in the boys, uh, Karen Fukuhara. Um, like it is a post-apocalyptic uh, TV show where two young girls are just trying to find their place and realize that they're a lot stronger than everybody gives them credit for. And it's just, it's just been a blast. The animation is just fucking, it's just fucking amazing. And then my first runner up is Harley Quinn. Oh yeah, season two of Harley Quinn. Yes, yeah. everything they're doing. Just, I feel like it shouldn't work, but it just does. Like just everything. I mean, her little like side cast of characters and the way they interact with the Joker and Two Face. Mm-hmm. It, it's just been a. It's just been such a fun ride. Uh, Kaylee and everybody was worried about Kaylee Cuoco being Harley, and I think she does a great job. I think she's had a great year. I mean, post Big Bang Theory, you know, like. Fucking the flight attendant. Everybody seems to like that. I've watched the first episode. I'm gonna get back on it because like all I hear about is how amazing the flight attendant is on HBO Max. And so yeah, she had a great year. She had a really good fucking year, and I love her as Harley Quinn. Well, I think it worked for her because she's not trying to do like 
like an impersonation of all the other Harley Quinns we've had. Like she's really kind of making it her own. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's really working for her. Yeah. No, those are great, great choices. What do you have, Rebecca? I've got two honorable mentions. Um, like Paul, I will also honorably mention Bob's Burgers. Uh, that's an ongoing show, but uh, I, I love Bob's Burgers. I don't know. I feel like every season it just stays so funny and um, – and they're just the the writing is consistently really good. Um, also, honorable mention Transformers: War for Cybertron. Uh, I really did enjoy that on Netflix as well. Uh, being a big Transformers fan, especially the G one. Um, and then I do I do have two runners up and a number one. Um, so my first, uh, I guess my second runner up is going to be, uh, Bojack Horseman season six, part two, which, uh, season six, part one released in 2019, part two released in 2020. Um, but Bojack Horseman was just one of those shows that always dealt with depression and addiction and being fucked up, but still trying to figure out your life in a way that like, no other show I've ever seen as done. Um, and it's animated and it's a fucking talking horse who talks to cats and, and has a friend named Mr. Peanut Butter. Like it, it it's a crazy <laughs> concept, but mm-hmm. I fucking love Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Um, and my other runner up, uh, is also Harley Quinn season two. I, I'll just build on what Paul has said. Um, I think it's such a great show. The animation is great. I will forever give them credit for bringing in Kite King as a character <laughs> that, like, who would have even thought? Um, I think the voice acting is so good on that, and I love how it's just so self-aware and it's almost Deadpoolish in that way. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that, and then I've I've got a number one, which I'll save. All right, Jake, what do you got? Uh, I've just got two runner-ups and a winner. Um, my second runner-up is Duncanville, which was one of the new Fox animated shows uh, created by Amy Poehler and Mike Scully. That was Simpsons surprisingly fame. funny. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, it has been renewed for a second season. I know it's been a long time since the season one finale happened, but a second season is happening in the late 2021 season. So it's not one of those things where you shouldn't watch it because they're just never going to do anymore again. Yeah, it's just that, you know, it's one of these family animated shows if like you have, Simpsons, King of the Hill. If you have Hulu, it's all on Hulu, too. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, and then my other runner-up is Lower Decks, which is the CBS all-access animated nice. Star Trek show from the creators of Rick and Morty. Um this is the best Star Trek thing I've seen in years. I just absolutely love it. Really far out there. Sometimes high science fiction plots, sometimes just silly someone's getting kicked in the balls humor. It can kind of run the gamut of um, just different kinds of comedy that they try on this show. Very experimental, really neat animation style, and but yet still feels very Star Trek at its core. I love this show. Oh, Dick, I'm so happy you said that. I'm so excited that you love that show. Yeah, Lower Decks was fucking great. <laughs> That's awesome. I've got uh, three honorable mentions. Uh, Transformers: War for Cybertron. We already talked about a little bit about that. I loved it. I thought I've just seen part one. I haven't watched the the second part, which I think is what is it? Earthrise. I haven't watched that yet. Um, Harley Quinn season two. 
is an honorable mention for me. I loved Harley Quinn season one, and I still continue to love Harley Quinn season two. And the other honorable mention that I have is Jake Johnson in Hoops, which got canceled by Netflix. So fuck you, Netflix. Fucking bastards. Fucking <laughs> bastards. I've got uh, two runners up. Number three is actually a show that they haven't even completed the first season, but I have been loving it so much. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Which is the, uh, it's basically, it's an anime and, uh, you've got high schooler Yuji who becomes a jujitsu sorcerer and, uh, he swallows the, uh, (laughs) like a, like a monster's demon finger and it gives him the powers (laughs) of this demon when he chooses to let the demon take over. But if every time he lets the demon take over, the demon gains a little bit more power over him and taking control of or over him. So it's a constant battle of when he's going to choose to let the demon fight his battles for him or if he's going to fight the battle himself. And I've been loving Jujutsu Kaisen. They introduced a anthropomorphic fucking Jujutsu sorcerer that's a panda that is, that is hilarious. Um, there's a character named Salmon Roe who only speaks the he's kind of like an I am like a Groot character where Groot says I am Groot, but Sam and Roe only gives when he talks he only gives you the ingredients to uh, a tuna roll, and so like <laughs> he'll come into a fight and yell Benito flakes or or tuna or something. <laughs> so it's very very funny sometimes, but and I love the action in this. My other runner up is Gleipnir, which is another anime. I loved this first season of Gleipnir. It was. So good. Um, people have been uh, turning into into monsters, and uh, our main character of Shuichi becomes this. It's like a it's like a, a mascot suit of a of like a panda or a bear or something, and come to find out that he can have people go into the suit, and then they can take over and use his powers and and. Gleipnir was just fantastic. I absolutely loved this show. It is so good. And they're on a quest to pick up, I think, the, the, like all these coins. So whoever gets like a hundred coins can, can up their, up their group's game. So I'm, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving Gleipnir. So, uh, Paul, what's your number one? Uh, my number one is the second part of the final season of Bojack Horseman. And I don't think there's much more I can say. You know, other than what Rebecca said, which was perfect, but I mean, it was just, you know, the first five seasons, we just seen Bojack, or like even the first six up until the first part, we've just seen him just be pretty much a piece of shit and just treat everyone around him as just an object. And, you know, the the second half of the final season is just like the consequences and Rebecca will testify it really comes down around him without giving too much away. But I mean, there's nothing redeeming about him. And it's for a show that stars a talking horse with, with Mr. Peanut butter and, you know, uh, fucking, um, uh, the guy from breaking bad, uh, Aaron Paul as a stoner, uh, it shouldn't work. And it just, it like, it, like it makes you question the stuff you do. You kind of like, you do a deep dive on like the kind of person you are and the fact that an animated talking horse show was getting that reaction just makes it my winner of the year. Paul, you're going to hate me. I haven't, I haven't finished it. 
I was, you got so much to watch. Dude, man. I'm not in the headspace to watch fucking. It's, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. You, you like have to be in the right mental state to watch that show. Yeah. You really do. Yeah. Or you need yeah. a therapist on standby for when you get done. It's just, it's, yeah. But, but yeah, th- th- like, and it was cool because, uh, they really bring back a lot of characters from the early episodes or like the early seasons. Like everyone mm-hmm. kind of comes back for the shitstorm that's going on in his life. And it's just, it's very like, I, th- I think Rebecca will agree. Like it's very satisfying, but yet it's also kind of sad. Like it's yeah. crazy. No, you're absolutely right. It is very satisfying. It's a satisfying end to the show. But I think I cried more in that in that part in that season six part two than I may have cried in a lot of other mm-hmm. parts of that show. And they've had some really like difficult episodes, like the episode where Bojack's mother dies, and he gives like this. The whole episode is like him giving a eulogy, and. You know, the big joke is like at the end of the episode, he's like at the wrong funeral and he's like, oh, sorry, everybody. And he like leaves. So but like everything that he says and all the flashbacks you watch are so emotional. Like I turned that episode off. I like had to like lay down for half an hour like it and just yeah. think about stuff like it was just it was so deep and moving. And that season six, part two, I yeah, you have to kind of be in the right headspace for that. It's. It's a show you have to like be prepared to watch, yeah, because it's deep. It, it hits you in in like really deep places. Ah, oh, fucking Will Arnett! I love it when they give oh. him stuff. Oh god, to really chew on. I'm I'm a, I'm still upset that Netflix canceled. I don't know if you guys watched his series Flaked on Netflix. It went for two seasons. It's also uh, Heather Graham's in that. No, um, I, I never watched that it one. It went two seasons. Flaked was is... Was he like a rich guy? No, no. Oh. I don't think he was... Ri- no, he was not rich. Okay. Watch Flaked. It, oh, it's hard to say that because they canceled it after two seasons, but mm. it was still fantastic. Yeah. Um, Really good shit, but... um, Yeah, uh, Rebecca, what's your best animated TV show of the year? Uh, mine is Star Trek Lower Decks. <laughs> I had to pick it for my number one show. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's always scary when your franchise kind of goes in a different direction. You're not quite sure. You're not quite, you don't know what's going to happen. And this absolutely could have failed. Um, and I'm sure, and not that I'm sure, I know that there are Star Trek fans out there that do not like this show and, um, they don't care for it or, and that's completely fine. But for me to watch my franchise that I love so much go in this really different direction and just really poke fun at itself and bring name drop tons of stuff from the original series and the animated series as being completely canon is just so much fun. Um, The characters are well written but can be silly and then it's great to have like you know, we had some really great guest stars in this first season. John Delancey came back to voice Q. We had Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis who came to voice uh, um, Riker and Troy. So, I mean, it's got some familiar aspects to it. And it's kind of fun to see, like, a ship that's not the Enterprise just out doing, like, bullshit missions that no one else wants to do. Um and that was kind of the whole premise of that Lower Decks episode that this show is based on. So, yeah, I love it. It's from Rick and Morty people. So, like, 
If you liked Rick and Morty, this might be right up your alley. But yeah, I absolutely love Star Trek Lower Decks. I think it's got enough for like fans of Star Trek and then also the people that aren't Star Trek fans maybe to kind of like be like their gateway drug into becoming Star Trek fans. Mm-hmm. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Smorgasbord podcast hosted by Stephen Farshad and yes. Neil Follander. Yes, thank you. That that's yeah, they they started out to review that show and now they're doing tons of other Star Trek content. So yeah, you should they're, they're great. Neil and Steven, they're absolutely great guys. Yeah, so check out Smorgas Borg. Borg at B-O-R-G as in, yeah, the Borg. <laughs> uh, Jake, what's your number one? Uh, my number one for 2020 is the Hulu Animaniacs reboot series. Um, I just absolutely love this. I don't think there's anything that came out this year that I binged faster than this series. Um just that first episode and seeing Yakko, Wacko, and Dot return to the Warner Brothers lot and just how meta it was and how self-referential it was to all the previous adventures. Um, I just absolutely loved it. Um, the voice actors definitely sound a little bit older, especially when they're singing songs, but it's not too crippling or noticeable when watching and enjoying the series. And, yeah, I can't wait. I'm excited they're doing another dozen episodes of this, and I'll probably binge those just as fast. Yeah, very cool. I mean, I'm glad Animaniacs fans got something finally. I, I mean, when did that when did that show end? I want to say 96. I'm guessing. I thought 98, but you know, like I I didn't watch it when it was on, so I tried that first episode, but like there was zero nostalgia for me. But like you know, because I I think I'd I'd watched one episode while it was on, and when I watched it, I was like, this is super funny. It was it was very funny. I was very kind of like, like what? Oh man, I can't believe what they're doing on this kids show. It's actually it's actually pretty funny. Um, yeah, it was kind of ahead of its time. It was always that show that had jokes for the parents as well that would just go completely over the kids' heads. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. And at first I was really upset that they didn't include all the like auxiliary characters, like the good feathers and all the different characters in the original. But then there's an episode that actually addresses what happened to all of those characters. Hmm. That's one of the best episodes of the series. So it really pays off that they're missing. It doesn't go unnoticed by the writers. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of, that's one of those things that I just kind of like miss the boat on. I, I don't, I wasn't watching cartoons back when that came out and I happened to catch one episode and I've talked about it before. It's the episode with Roger Ebert and, and there's a point in it where like there's butter on his popcorn and like they had plugged something into his stomach that was pulling the lard out of his stomach and <laughs> yeah, I remember that bit. I fucking died. I was like, I cannot believe this show is doing this. And I think it was Roger Ebert, Ebert that did the voice to the character. <laughs> and I'm like, he's I, always a good sport with that kind of stuff. Oh, I couldn't believe that he was a part of it. And I was like, this is, it's, it was a really funny episode. And I was like, it's just nothing that I ever jumped in on, but I can understand the love for it. Um, my number one, this was the easiest choice for me this year. Another anime, Tower of God. Um, this was a Crunchyroll original. And this is the the manga's been going on for years. They have tons of source material, and I watched the first episode of this before the public ever got to see it. I got to see it at the C two E two Crunchyroll panel, 
And that first episode was incredible. I think you have to at least watch the first two episodes really to kind of get into this. But you've got a character here who is trying to reach the top of this tower. And if you reach the top of the tower, you can become a god. But his whole reason for doing this is not to become a god. It's to be reunited with basically the the girl that he loves, this girl, Rachel. And there's twists and turns and she fucking treats him shitty in this fucking anime she's almost like uh forrest gump's love interest in the forrest gump movies how bad she treats him in this sometimes but i fucking i love yeah janae i fucking loved tower of god it is phenomenal so it's a crunchyroll original and hopefully with crunchyroll being bought by did sony buy them uh, Funimation bought them, oh, which fun- is owned by Sony. Yeah, Funimation. So, yeah, hopefully this won't change anything for these Crunchyroll originals because I've really enjoyed them this this year. So, but Tower of God is my number one. Um, let's move on into animated movie of the year. The animated movie of the year. Drink the drink. But I don't want the drink. He doesn't want the drink. He does. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You don't. I do. You don't. I do. You don't. Listen, when I say I do, that means I do. To infinity and beyond. We going in there? Yep. P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney? Yep. We're going to just swim straight. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. All right. All right. Animated movie of the year. What do you got, Paul? Any honorable mentions? Yeah, I got uh, two honorable mentions and three runners up. Um, Honorable mentions says I got Scoob. I thought that was a really fun uh, little prequel to the story of Scooby-Doo. I loved that. Mark Wahlberg in it. And then um, I got Soul as my last honorable mention. And then for runners-up, I have uh, Trolls 2, the world tour, which was really fantastic. I had no expectations for that. And I just loved them jumping to the different genres of music. Uh, my second runner-up is Onward, which was just a fun, you know, quest movie that Pixar, Pixar just, you know, they had two out this year and both were just really great. And then my uh, my last runner up is a Netflix original called Over the Moon, which is if you're into the like kind of older Disney princess type of uh, stories, it's really cool that way. But it's got a twist. Uh, it all takes place in China and they purposely got an all Asian cast to do the voices and the animation is just out of this world where she's, you know, she's flying a rocket to meet her fairy godmother and the and the aliens and the magical creatures that she encounters on her way is just a lot of fun. I know Hazel has had it on like 10 times and is one of those that you kind of do not get sick of as an adult because it's just kind of got something for everyone. So, yeah, that's that's everything until my winner. So very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I remember that one over the moon. We, re- I, we reviewed it on the show. It was it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. What do you got, Rebecca? I just got a runner up and a winner. So my runner up is going to be Justice League Apocalypse War. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked this film and I, I think, um, that, you know, this re- reunites the voice cast 
uh, that's been doing all of these uh, DCEU movies lately. So you've got Rosario Dawson as Wonder Woman, and you've got uh, Jerry O'Connell as Superman, and Jason O'Mara as Batman. Um, I really like this. I thought, you know, all the movies have really connected well together, I think. And then this is – it was great to see, like – basically now the justice league dark come together to fight against apocalypse um yeah i i really really enjoyed this movie i feel like overall dc's animated movies are highly enjoyable usually um and this was definitely one that i very much enjoyed this year so that's my only runner-up and i've got a number one for later very cool yeah uh jake what do you got um, I just have a runner-up and a winner. My runner-up is Wolf Walkers, which is available on Apple TV+. Plus. I believe it had a limited theatrical run before becoming an Apple TV Plus exclusive. But yeah, this this movie really, I had zero expectations and was just, just kind of blown away. It's like a graphic novel come to life. It has very complex relationships between multiple characters in the movie. And I mean, this movie was just a delight. All right, yeah. Um, let's get into our number ones. Paul, what's your number one animated movie of the year? My number one animated movie of the year is The Wolf Walkers. <laughs> um, it, Jake said it perfectly. This movie, I had never heard of it. We sat down and watched it. Um, it's very, it, it dives deep into like the Celtic lore and just kind of the situations that these characters find themselves in. Uh, the animation is just, absolutely amazing i know it's only the third feature from cartoon saloon studios but you know uh, sean bean was a voice in it and just at the end of the day it's just a great tale about you know being there for the people you love in your family and i just i was absolutely blown away by it so wolf walkers on apple plus is my animated movie of the year very cool um yeah i didn't even get into my fucking shit did i Okay. I'll, no. just, I'll give all mine when we when we do, and I'll, I'll do it really quickly. Uh, I was just ready to hear what you guys' number ones were. Um, what was your number one, Rebecca? My number one was an anime that I saw very early this year in the theater. Um, it's called Weathering with You. Um, this was technically a 2019 release internationally, but we didn't get it here in the States till 2020. Um, this is an anime, um, where a, a high school boy, he runs away to Tokyo. He makes friends with a girl who she has the ability to control the weather. And what's really interesting about this film is that, you know, on the surface, it just seems like another one of these sort of lighthearted, like in the style of Studio Ghibli movies where it's like these kids are having an adventure, but there is a deeper message underlying it. And also the movie talks about the sacrifices that people make for their loved ones and for their families and sometimes even to their own detriment, how they um, do things for others. And it was a beautiful story and it was incredibly beautifully animated and voiced. Um, I saw it um, English dubbed. So it had the voice talents of Riz Ahmed, uh, Allison Brie. Um, those are probably the biggest names in the in the movie. Um, if you liked movies like Your Name or um, movies in that style, um, we- uh, Weathering with You is a great choice. It's my number one movie of the year. It's the best animated thing I saw. Very nice. Yeah, Jake, what do you got? 
Um, for me, it was going to be Wolf Walkers until I watched Soul two days ago, and now Soul is my 2020 animated movie of the year. Um, yeah, I was just kind of gobsmacked by this movie. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I just saw the trailer. I feel like I saw this trailer over a year ago, and I knew the, the general premise, but not much more than that. And this is from the same writers that did Inside Out, and you can kind of see what's going on there. It's kind of the same existential plot line where you're putting form and physics to a lot of these ideas that don't really exist on a physical plane. Um, a super amazing, fantastic score from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross here. I, I didn't know they had this kind of thing in them. Uh, really blown away by the music they made for this film. And yeah, I absolutely love this. If you haven't seen this yet, I, I think it's definitely worth checking out. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the other Pixar offering this year. I, I, I don't dislike Onward by any means, but I don't know. It just didn't do much for me. And so was happy to see Pixar back at the top of its form with this one. I enjoyed Onward quite a bit. I, I if I liked it more than Soul, but I didn't like Soul for certain reasons. <laughs> I won't get into them, but uh, I know that like it hit a lot of people. Pretty like a lot of people love Soul, so yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. Pixar doesn't do a lot wrong. Pixar makes some great fucking animated movies. Um, no, it seems like their sequels are where they struggle with the most. If they yeah. could just kind of stop after one movie, I think they'd be in a better place. Or just never make Cars. But Cars was such a huge hit with young... <laughs> he, cars is such a huge hit with young boys. Like, young boys just love Cars. Even Cars 1 isn't terrible, though. It's really once you... Get oh, I fucking hated it. That- I fucking hated <laughs> Cars 1. I thought it was awful. <laughs> it's the whole Larry the Cable Guy factor of it all. I think no, it's it's it it's just not a good movie. <laughs> <It's just terrible>. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. Honorable mentions for me. I'll, I'll get I'll get these out of the way. Superman, Man of Tomorrow. This is a story of uh, young Clark Kent becoming Superman. It's got uh, him taking on Parasite in this one. Some great stuff with Lobo showing up in this one. I fucking absolutely. Loved Lobo in this. Uh, Darren Chris was Clark Kent. Alexandra Daddario was Lois Lane, and Zachary Quinto played Lex Luthor. I love Superman: Man of Tomorrow. I thought it was a lot of fun. Superman: Red Sun, um, the DC animated movie where young Kal El lands on a farm in Russia instead of uh, you know the United States and uh, becomes a weapon for the for the Russian government based on a comic book. It was fantastic. Um, my last honorable mention uh, is uh, Weathering With You. Um, Rebecca already mentioned this one. Mm. I, I, I really enjoyed this one. It's from the same studio that brought you your name, and it was written and directed by Makato Shinkai, and I thought it was awesome. We got a boy who runs away from yeah. his home and befriends this orphan girl who has the, bil- the ability to manipulate the weather and um, I I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Weathering with You is one of those movies I think everybody should watch. I think I own it on Blu-ray. I'm not 100% sure. But if I don't, I'm going to buy it. I loved it. Um, my runners-up, uh, Justice League, Dark, Apocalypse War. Rebecca, this was fucking awesome. This movie was, was so was good. So fantastic. I loved it. I had so much fun with this. Um, it was so much better than Justice League Dark. It just the, that first movie was absolutely yeah, terrible I, with Batman. And then, like, I think, like, this is the 15th movie and it brought everything together and it was so much fucking fun. 
I I absolutely loved Justice League of Dark Apocalypse War. Um, number two, Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. Oh my god. Great pick. Fucking loved this movie so much. Oh my god. It's so much fun. It's the score story. It's brutal. It's gory. It's, it's, it's everything you want from Mortal Kombat. It's got all the blood, the fatalities. I mean, it is so good. It's the story of Scorpion's family being murdered and him coming for revenge. And, but also they found a really good way to blend in, you know, Shang Tsung and, and Raiden and the tournament. And you got Joel McHale as Johnny Cage. Come on. You cannot go wrong. <laughs> With Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. This is one that I own on both digital and physical copy. I love this movie. Um, and uh, my animated movie of the year, uh, I saw this in theaters. It was released in theaters for a limited time. Wolf Walkers. It's shown up on everybody's list except for Rebecca. Who Have you seen it, Rebecca? I have not. But Jake messaged me uh, like two weeks ago and he was like, do you have Apple TV? You gotta watch Wolfwalkers! And I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll get on it! And I haven't watched it yet, but I will abs- I, I have to. You've all mentioned it. Yeah. I have to watch it. Look at you dragging your feet over there. I know. I'm a, I'm a loser. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I love it. I love the take that they had on like the whole, like, uh, it's like a whole different kind of like Celtic take on, on, on werewolves, really. Mm-hmm. And the magic and, the, and, and some of the, the, the art is rough, but it's, but they, they're doing it intentionally and it's, it's just a spectacle to look at. I loved Wolf Walkers. This was fantastic. I'm so glad that I got a chance to see this in the theater. I think I got to see this in the theater a week before theaters closed here. And wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, I'm uh, very this, envious of that, man. I would have loved to seen this on the big screen. It was gorgeous. The sound was amazing. And, uh, Wolf Walkers is, is, is I, I cannot wait to see future installments from Cartoon Saloon. I can't wait to go back and watch the two previous movies, honestly. I, I love Cartoon Saloon. I thought that they did a great job. Um, yeah, so Wolf Walkers is my number one. Let's jump into our hero of the year. Best hero of the year. Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost. <laughs> shall stand, one shall fall. Why throw away your life so recklessly? That's a question you should ask yourself, Megatron. All right, going to start with Paul. Paul, do you have any honorable mentions? I do. I I do have some. uh, The next couple categories, I've watched so much this year that there's so many awesome things to choose from, so I do have... a good amount of viral mentions and then three runners up so I can just go super quick. But, uh, I got Giancarlo Esposito as an hour mention from, um, unpregnant as the conspiracy theory limo <laughs> driver with a heart of gold. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. In a year where Giancarlo Esposito plays the villain in the Mandalorian and he also plays one of the villains in the boys, mm-hmm. you find the one thing 
he can be considered a hero in. That is fucking awesome, Paul. <laughs> he was so great in that, man. I just <laughs> he was he was such a breath of fresh air. Uh I got Brennan Fraser as Robot Man from Doom Patrol. Uh this one was hard. I have the entire Rose family from Shits Creek. Oh um, God. Thank you. Yeah. I, I just um I, I just got onto that last week. I did all six seasons in three days, and it was just my life is better for it. If you go back and listen, <clears throat> I reviewed the first episode when it dropped on the Pop Network. Like that's how I love Shit's Creek. Like you have no like, and I've actually got screenshots of Dan Levy harding some of my fucking Shit's Creek tweets. <laughs> So, oh my god, that's yeah, that's, that's back when he was like fucking like they didn't know, like they didn't know if people were watching. Like I don't think they knew people were watching until the end of season five, to be honest with you, when it kind of like blew up. Yeah, and every season just got better. It was just it was such a fun thing to watch. Um, yeah, Sogatano, Rosario Dawson, Rosario Dawson, uh, Huey, Jack Quaid from The Boys, uh, Luke Skywalker. Um, I got Janice Jones from Borat 2, uh, Pedro Pascal from Mando. Um, one that I really fell in love with, I got Joe Mantello. He played, um, he was in a show called Hollywood. It was by Ryan Murphy. It was kind of like a what if in the 1940s, like if studios actually kind of pulled the trigger on casting more people of color and more LGBTQ actors and embraced that. And he was a big part of that. And then my last uh, honorable mention is Matt Berry from What We Do in the Shadows, but as Jackie Daytona, which is one of the greatest episodes of that entire show. And for runners up, for third, my third runner up is uh, the Disney Investor Meeting Panel. Um, my second runner up is Dave Filoni and John Favreau. And then uh, my first runner up is after forty years, we finally got to see. Boba Fett kicks some ass. <laughs> Very and cool. And he did not disappoint when he did it. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Rebecca, what do you got? Yeah, I've got a couple honorable mentions here. Um, I'll definitely agree with Paul, uh, Pedro Pascal as, as the Mandalorian. I loved him as the hero of the Mandalorian season two. And then I've got two honorable mentions here. Excuse me. I've got two runners up. Um, number three is going to be Ted Lasso. Uh, Paul and Brian, you all raved about that show. Paul was messaging me, I think, at one point almost every day. Have you finished <laughs> Ted Lasso? Have you finished Ted Lasso? Um, because he was so excited, he wanted me to watch it too. I have finally finished Ted Lasso. And yes, he's a hero. And so he's definitely my number three. My number two, this might be controversial for some, but this is really just my personal feelings um gal gadot as as wonder woman um it's not the sequel i hoped it would be but wonder woman is still a hero and i think that gal did the best she could do with what she was given and i think that wonder woman was very heroic throughout the movie at every chance that she could be um and there's probably some people who haven't seen it, so I won't spoil this movie like I did in the previous episode. But um, I, I will just say that even even when she has to make hard choices in the film, she's she's heroic, and so she's my she's my number two. And I also have a, a winner for later. All right, Jake. Yeah, I just have a runner up and a winner, um, and my runner up is also Wonder Woman. I. I 
you know, nice. say what you will about that movie. I, I thought the character itself was very well represented. Um, she really stepped into her role as being a hero for the people. And I thought better than a lot of DC movies, they, they really showed her doing that thing, you know, actually saving people and helping situations out. And I thought the character was very well represented in this movie. Since this is the Tupperwares, I'm going to reserve judgment. <laughs> but I do very, have, very gracious of you. If this was any other episode, I would have a lot to say. <laughs> a lot to say. I have a lot to say back, so don't worry. Oh, uh, that's fine. I'm prepared. I am prepared. I, I would be fully prepared to combat what you have to say. <laughs> Why are we holding back? Because it's the Tupperware. Because it's supposed. To, it's, it's Jake. Fight, it's supposed fight, to be. Fight, fight. It's supposed to be a celebration of what you love, and it's not supposed to be people defending their choices, right? Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, you know, that's how I. That's that's how I. That that that's you know that's how I would like to this to be instead of people being afraid to give their choices and then people attacking. People for their said choices. <laughs> I think that's that's kind of the spirit of this, you know, award ceremony. So I will reserve judgment, like I said. <laughs> um, let's see here. I have uh, I have some runners up. Uh, excuse me. I have some honorable mentions and then runners up. Um, my uh, honorable mentions. Adam Brody as Abe Applebaum in The Kid Detective. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys know that I love a good, you know, um, <laughs> like kind of like a, an underachiever, kind of like a comeback story. Um, oh, God. I, you know, Adam Brody as Abe Applebaum just – I don't know. Yeah, we'll get into it. Probably, I might be talking about it later. Um, Bill Burr, mm-hmm. Bill Burr, Bill Burr as Miggs Mayfeld in The Mandalorian oh, season good two. Choice. Um, I mean, if if it was last year, this guy could have came up as villain of the year, and then going forward in The Mandalorian, he might come back as a villain of the year. But for this year, Bill Burr as Miggs Mayfeld is is a hero for me in Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, I loved him. Uh, Carrie Mulligan uh, as Cassie in a movie that I just watched, Promising Young Woman. Has anybody oh, watched? I wanted to see that. Oh, I so can't bad. wait to watch that. I just, oh, I, I want to watch that movie. Just finished it. Just finished it. Um, I mean, we're talking about. I love revenge stories. I love revenge stories, and I, you know, I love the crow. And uh, this is, uh, yeah, I. You know what? If you've seen Promising Young Woman, you can 100% compare this movie to The Crow in certain ways. Mm. And I loved her character as Cassie in Promising Young Woman. Uh, and then my last honorable mention is, is, uh, Paul, you mentioned Boba Fett in The Mandalorian Season 2. This is another character that could be like next, <laughs> next year. We could be talking yeah. about, how, we could be talking about how Boba Fett's villain of the year. But for this year, but for this year and what we got in The Mandalorian, he is a, he's a hero for me. Uh, I got two runners up. Uh, runner up, The Mandalorian himself, Din Jaren, in The Mandalorian Season 2. 
love Pedro Pascal, everything that he did in this season, taking off the fucking helmet. It's spoilers for, for Mandalorian season two, taking off the helmet and, uh, his love for that love, that little fucking green baby. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> number two, number two, one of the most, uh, uplifting shows of, uh, 2020, uh, that we needed this year. Um, Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso is, uh, my runner up for the number one, but man, what, what a, what a fucking come out of nowhere story, uh, uh, show. I loved Ted Lasso. So let's get into our number ones, our hero of 2020. Start off with you, Paul. Who's your hero? Uh, my hero is Ted Lasso. I, and I don't think there's any more I need to say that I haven't said on Facebook or on this show. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, he was the guy that 2020 needed and just someone, you know, he was kind of like our present day Mr. Rogers and it was just fun to see him make everyone around him their life a little bit better. Didn't this get renewed for seasons two and three? Yep, it got renewed because uh, they realized, I think it went like a 600% jump of of watching from when it first dropped to the final episode. So, yeah, they renewed it up to season three. One of my favorite things that I did this year was I recorded a Movies from the Heart where we didn't talk about a movie, but we talked about season one of Ted Lasso. That was a fun time. That was so much fun. It was just, I'm I'm serious. And it was just, of course there was a lot of us gushing about the show, but like when you break down that show and you break down the characters and you break down the relationships, you can speculate about, you fall in love with these characters and you can speculate about the future of these characters, the future of this show. And that makes it a great show. And I think, I think like some of our th- fan theories, like I loved your fan theories. We both had fan theories. Well, this is, this is one of those shows where like you watch a Marvel movie and you look for like all the things and like, where's Marvel going to go in phase four? Where are they going to go in phase five? I'm telling you, Ted Lasso, you fall in love with these characters and you want to see different things happen to these characters in upcoming seasons. You can speculate just as much as you can with any MCU movie. When you watch Ted Lasso, if you are a true fan of this show, it is that addictive and that fun and that well written. Doll. Amen. <laughs> enough said. Enough, enough said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rebecca, great. hero of the year. So my hero of the year was from somebody way, way at the beginning of 2020. And I'm so glad that you reminded me that this movie still counted for 2020. Um, it is from the movie 1917. It's the character Lance Corporal Schofield as played by George McKay. Mm. Um, I technically saw 1917 in the year 2019 at the early release, um, but it had a much wider release in 2020. Um, and I'm glad that we can continue the conversation about this movie because it's really one of the best movies I've seen in the last 10 years. Um what I love about this character is I love his progression. You know, when we first meet him in the movie, he's this very reluctant hero. He's been given a, a, a medal of valor. He trades it away for a bottle of wine. Like, it means nothing to him. And I, I feel comfortable spoiling this part of the movie because it's been out for way over a year. But him and another character, um, Lieutenant Blake, or excuse me, um, Lance Corporal Blake, are sent out on a mission. Blake dies, like, 
less than halfway into the mission, and now Schofield has to finish it by himself. And watching him be so determined to finish this mission and watch all the different sides of his character really unfold as he meets different challenges and meets different people in the movie. I mean, really culminating in that scene that was in all the trailers of him, like, running across the front with, like, explosions happening because he is just so fucking determined to deliver this message. Um to me, like sitting in the theater, I'm on the edge of my seat and I could, I just, I wanted to see, I wanted him to succeed so badly. And, uh, he is definitely my hero of the year. And I hope that people still are, would watch this movie and would still enjoy it and would still talk about what a great piece of cinema it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic choice. That's a great Thank choice. You. That Thank is, you. That is a great <laughs> choice for hero of the year. That's really good. Um, Jake. Yeah, for me, it's the, the lead of the Mandalorian, uh, Din Djarin himself. I mean, just another outstanding year for this character. I, I think in a lot of ways he became more of a hero in season two than he, I don't even know if a hundred percent he was a hero in season one, mm-hmm. at least not to the extent that he became in season two. Um, just continuing to, uh, you know, be on the run so he can protect the child and all the stuff that comes with that. And, yeah, I just, he was, you know, it's the first live action Star Wars series. We've been waiting for this since we were childs, most of us. And this is a big main hero character leading the show that does it justice. I, I couldn't have wanted for anything more when I thought of a Star Wars TV series. Din Jaren, Din Jaren, fucking Pedro Pascal, a great choice. Uh, mine is also from The Mandalorian, but it's Luke Skywalker. In The Mandalorian Season 2, Chapter 16, The Escape. Yeah, this was fucking... Jake, I know you're not the biggest fan of this, and that's why we got to celebrate these choices, right? Right, buddy? Yeah, I I applaud your choice. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking liar. (laughs) Hey, you want to go... Hey, we can go fisticuffs. You want to go fisticuffs right now? <laughs> we can do this. Yeah, we can. Right now. We can do this. We can do this shit right now on the toughies. <laughs> Mine is Luke Skywalker. I mean, this is like, this, I mean, out of nowhere, Luke Skywalker just shows up and he's fucking crushing dark troopers. I mean, he's fucking, he's using the lightsaber. He's crushing them like a tin can using the force. This is like, this is, this is the scene that we needed at the end of 2020. It was, and how many, how many, how many years are you going to be able to fucking make Luke Skywalker your fucking hero of the year? This year, this year you can do it now. You can do it now in 2020, in my opinion. I think this is a worthy fucking choice. And I will go fisticuffs with Jake, bare knuckle boxing in the backyard with you. If you don't. (laughs) No, I, 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 sincerely, I'm, I'm glad you loved it. I did. I did, man. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Luke Skywalker um, in The Mandalorian Season 2, for me, is the hero of the year. Showing up and then taking taking baby Grogu. Absolutely loved it. All right, let's move on into... I'll tell you one thing I did love. Is I did love the memes that were involved with Luke Skywalker returning and Boba Fett leaving. Yeah, what was your favorite? <laughs> what was your favorite meme? Oh, there was just so many good ones. I saw a lot of great TikToks, too. Just... Lots of comments on Boba Fett's reaction to seeing who is coming to save the day. 
Oh yeah, I love the what was it, the Umbrella Academy one? Yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> hey, could we uh, could we take a quick break? Let's. Hey, you know what, Rebecca? What we're gonna do is we're gonna yeah. take a quick break and come back and give our and give our give our villains of the year. <laughs> I'm actually changing my award. Rebecca is now my hero of the year. Yeah! <laughs> everybody. For those of us that don't need a break, though, Rebecca, you're the villain of the year. Spoilers. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right. Hey, we're back. You know what? Before I jump into the villain of the year, I'm actually, Rebecca, I got your gift in the mail. Christmas. Oh, you got, okay, good. I'm glad I made it to you. Yeah, I got it. So I'm going to open it up right now. Awesome. I hope yeah. you like it. Let's see what we got here. Hopefully it pounds Maribel's toy of the year into the ground. Oh, I, oh it won't. It will not. It's wrapped it will not. in Star Wars wrapping paper. I'm looking at a C-3PO and uh, all the different... I'm looking at... Oh, my gosh. R2-D2, some Stormtroopers and... I thought you would enjoy the, the, the Star Wars wrapping paper. I do enjoy the Star Wars wrapping paper. Yeah, lovely. What do we got here? Opening this up. Oh, look. Look at that. Fancy. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh, this is awesome. Transformers shirt. More than meets the eye. This is classic. This is fucking classic. Yep. Classic G1 uh, Optimus Prime battling it out with uh, classic G1 Megatron. This is fucking awesome. Thank you, Rebecca. And it's great. Awesome. I, I love great t-shirts. Oh, I had no idea. Okay, yeah. cool. I just, I saw that. And I said, "Oh, this is uh, this is a gift for Brian, and <laughs> I got it for you." Thank you so much. Yeah. So. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm glad you like it. I will be wearing that to the gym. Thank you. Lovely. Yeah, I love that shirt. That's awesome. Hey, Becca's fucking killing it. I got a cool Batman apron from her in the mail a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Batman apron. <laughs> What'd you get, Jake? An amazing Mandalorian shirt from Rebecca that just showed up the other day. So. I love how you guys are giving adjectives to her gifts. <laughs> Paul got an, what was it, an awesome? Awesome, yep. Awesome. And, and Jake amazing. got an amazing. You guys are like uh, that fucking, uh, sh- that spider in Charlotte's, we- Charlotte's Web. <laughs> I got a, uh, okay. I got a stupendous fucking t-shirt from her. 
awesome. I'm so glad you like it. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, let's see here. All right. Let's jump into our villain of the year. Best villain of the year. <laughs> Silence, you funny fool. I've had it with your whining and bumbling. Excellent. They have spotted us. Cobra, attack! I would have waited an eternity for this. It's over, Prime. Ancient spirits of evil. Transform this decayed form. We'll start off with you, Paul. Do you have any honorable mentions? I do. I do have a few, and I'm going to go quick on these. Uh, I have Ewan McGregor as Black Mask. Uh, for the most part, he was kind of a comical villain, except for a very disturbing club scene in a restaurant. Uh, I do have Gene Carlo uh, Esposito also as uh, my villain. I've had him as hero and villain for Moff Gideon and Mr. Edgar from The Boys. Um this was never confirmed, but I have a just like one of my villains is the stepdad from the movie Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Oh yeah, because I feel like yeah, I feel like he was kind of responsible for the main things that happened in that. Uh, the Sundown Towns in Lovecraft Country, uh, Sarah Paulson's overbearing mother in the movie Run, <laughs> um, Jim Parson as a sexual predator in the uh, TV show Hollywood. He plays uh, Rock Hudson's agent, and he is just absolutely evil. Uh, I do have BoJack Horseman as a, a, as a villain of the year. I also have Coach Ben Hopkins from Hoops <laughs> as one of the villains <laughs> of the years, just because I know if I bought a prostitute for one of my students, I would be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> locked up that day with no chance for bail. And uh, my last honorable mention is Francesca from Too Hot to Handle. Like, dude, you you just want to get everybody the money. Like, stop fucking the people on the reality show. Let them get their money. Um, my third runner up. My third runner up are all the big cat owners from Tiger King, like Doc Antle oh, wow. and Joe Exotic and. Yeah. Carol Carol Baskins and that Stark guy. Uh, I have Sophie Okanito who played Charlotte in uh, the TV show Ratchet. In our Ryan Murphy uh, show, she is fucking amazing. And all I'm going to say on this one is my first runner-up is Kate Mara as uh, teacher Claire Wilson in the FX show A Teacher. You, 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 uh, man, I think you pretty much, uh, every shitty teacher. Uh, I, I had to find them. <laughs> they really gave us a bad name this year. <laughs> if, if our listeners don't know, Paul is a teacher, so this makes one hundred percent sense. So, yeah, those are those are great choices, man. Um, Rebecca, who do you got for you? Got any honorable mentions? Yeah, I got a few honorable mentions. Um, I will also uh, honorably mention all of the people who own big cats in Tiger King: uh, Carol fucking Baskins and Joe Exotic. Uh, all of those guys and Carol totally killed her husband. That's my opinion. Um, and just for fun, uh, I also honorable mention the shark in the movie Ouija shark because <laughs> I love cheesy movies and, uh, the that shark was a really great villain. Um, I have two runners up. Uh, number three is going to be 
Frank Langella as Judge Julius Hoffman in Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, oh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I watched that movie and like, there are certain movies I've watched that like I have just been left phys- just sh- I um physically angry and shaking and I want to go and shake those people and and he was one of those people that I just wanted to shake him. Um did you feel the same way after Wonder Woman 1984? <laughs> I No, I'm not getting into this. I'm not, I'm not taking the bait. And we're just supposed to celebrate our choices. Yeah, throw that bait to the Ouija shark. <laughs> That's my number three. My number two is going to be Kristen Wiig's Cheetah from Wonder Woman 1984. Um, as much as I do love Pedro Pascal, and I think he probably had the best year ever with all the stuff he was in, um, I, I did like his Maxwell Lord. I probably could have thrown him in with my honorable mentions, but the thing about Cheetah is just I felt like Kristen Wiig really stood out as Barbara Minerva, uh, and then eventually Cheetah in, um, Wonder Woman 1984. And then I've, I've got a number one for later. Ah, uh, res- again, reserve a judgment! That, that's fine. Reserve the judgment over there by yourself in silence. I'm not judging you. Wow. 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 Speaking of cheetah, speaking of cheetah, speaking of cheetah, this kitty's got claws. Wow. That was harsh. I'm sorry. That's right. The, 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 this kitty's got claws. That's a Roger quote from American Dad. So that's the only reason I said that. Anyway, I love it when Roger says that. This kitty's got claws. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Jake, what do you got? Oh, shit. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing. Um, there's no category I struggled harder with than villain of the year, honestly. Um, I would have loved to have given some kind of award to one of my favorite novel villains of all time, Randall Flagg. But unfortunately, um, I've watched the first three episodes of that series now. I, I just can't do it. How about, so you give, how about you give the award to the writers of that show? Uh, that's, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> one of those writers, I think, is Stephen King himself. I never understand how he can fucking mess up his own source material when it comes to shit like this. But he's got a knack for it. Oh, fuck. But yeah, I just have a, a runner up and a winner. Um, my runner up for this category is, is Moth Gideon. He was just such a scumbag. Um, one thing that really cemented it for me was the social media post about his children or grandchildren. I think it was his children, um, asking him not to harm the child and him, <laughs> him telling them that he was going to harm him even more. From from saying that, I, I that couldn't believe great. he would say that to his own kids. That, that, that just so cracked great. me up. It, it takes an ultimate villain to respond that way to your own family when they uh, fall into the fiction so deep like that. So yeah, Moff Gideon is my runner up. Uh, one uh, one of my honorable mentions is uh, Patty Jenkins for her writing on Cheetah. In my winner. Rebecca, I'm sorry. It's okay. We're, I'm not uh, hey, your choices. This is just a celebration. It's a celebration. Celebration of, uh, yeah. Uh, no. Celebrate. Good times. Oh, Come man. on. Celebrate underutilized DC villains. Come on. <laughs> Celebrate terrible exposition. 
Come on! Um, <laughs> honorable. <laughs> I love you, Rebecca. I love you too. <laughs> still, still loving that shirt too. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, honorable mentions, though, my real honorable mentions. Aya Cash as uh, Stormfront in uh, The Boys season two. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. I- I'm a big Aya Cash fan. Um, so just seeing her, you know, get, uh, get this role, uh, as Stormfront in, uh, in the boys season two, I thought it was, I thought she was great. I loved her. Uh, I've got two runners up, uh, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon in the Mandalorian season two. I love this guy. This guy's fantastic. Great fucking villain. Um, number two runner up is going to be, Kenneth Branagh as uh, Sator in in uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. What mm, a good choice. What a piece of shit that guy was. Wow. Wow. And what a fantastic villain for that movie. Um I absolutely thought uh, he had a standout performance. Let's get into our villain of the year. Start off with you Paul. Who was your number one villain of the year? I'm going to go with the racist Nazi Stormfront. Uh Aya Cash just made you hate her so bad and she like you know when you talk about a a scenery chewing bad guy you know you get her she was fucking fantastic the way she played off of anthony Starr, and you know you really you really hated her by the end you were really happy with the stuff that was going on so um yeah it's aya cash's stormfront is my villain of the year it's a fantastic choice rebecca my, excuse me, mine is Moff Gideon, played by Giancarlo Esposito. Um, you, you guys have all pretty much said everything about him. He's great. He's great at everything he does. I really lo- loved him as the villain, uh, in this series. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Him and Breaking Bad. Jesus Christ. Oh, fucking Gus. <laughs> oh. Dude. So good. He's so good. He's so good. And that we get him more in uh, Better Call Saul is just, that's a treat too. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, I think like, you know, Disney, Lucasfilm was like, you know, yeah, let's get, let's get Ben Mendelsohn. This guy's been a, you know, pretty good villain. But I think it really didn't, I don't know, he was alright in Rogue One, but man, you get fucking Giancarlo Esposito. He's just like on another fucking level right now. With uh, with Moff Gideon, I love oh, it. Yeah. yeah, Jake, what do you got? Uh, my villain of the year is COVID nineteen. Um, oh come on, bit, stop! I haven't seen a single fucking Marvel movie all year. <laughs> it's ruined every aspect of pop culture that I enjoy possible. So oh, easy win man. for me. Not an enjoyable villain, though. No. All right, I let that slide. Jesus. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Carol Baskin killed her husband, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) COVID-19 has killed more than one person. Oh, man. My villain of the year is uh, Anthony Starr as Homelander in season two of The Boys. I loved season two of The Boys, and uh, Anthony Starr was just 
fucking incredible. Like I, you know, you talk about like typecasting this guy as a villain in every future project. That's fine. I want to see him as Dr. Doom in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I also want to see him as the Joker in DC. I want to see this guy show up as a villain in all of my favorite properties. I absolutely love Anthony Starr. I love his energy. Went and saw him this year at C2E2. Everybody that went to C2E2 that was a part of that, that went to that panel, you know the energy that this guy puts off and like all the hard work that this guy put in as Homelander. And in season one, we got him. He was a great character. He did a great job. But like they didn't really know the response of like what the fans was going to be until season two. And in season two, they just fucking took this character and they amped him up to 11. And um, I mean, it was he was just uh, brilliant, brilliant. Anthony Starr, fantastic. He's my number one villain of the year. Um, let's move on into our announcement of the year. The announcement of the year. Paul, talk to me. You got any honorable mentions? I do. I do. Um, I have uh, Rhea and the Last Dragon. Uh, it's the 59th animated movie from Disney. Uh, what we got on the investors meeting just looked absolutely beautiful. I got Noah Hawley's Alien uh, TV show that's coming to FX. Um, Christian Bale as one of my all-time favorite Marvel villains as the God Butcher just made me... So excited. Um, and then I have the Lando show and then John Cena's, uh, Peacemaker series coming to HBO Max. Oh, wow. What a, yeah, great choice. I love that one. Yeah, for real. Yeah. And then, uh, for my runners up, um, I have no shame on this. It's a celebration. Uh, one of my all time favorite Disney movies is being made into a TV series and that is Moana. And I am so excited to see what they are going to do with uh that story and all of the cast of characters that they can bring into that uh are you worried that, about how we would respond to that paul you said it like it's a celebration i feel like anybody time <laughs> <laughs> i feel like anybody who brings up something like hey i, I remember this is a celebration remember <laughs> <laughs> you no know, i don't know like moana it's just it's a you know it's Moana. I don't know. I, i'm excited um, too paul they, they said it was going to be a long form storytelling type of series so that makes me even more excited that it's not just going to be a bunch of one and done episodes exactly. they're writing original music for it too and Lin-Manuel is involved again in writing original songs for the series so I have a lot of high hopes for this as well and I'm so glad you said that because like I was kind of excited like I am excited about the Zootopia stuff but that all just seems like almost like little shorts that they're just going to go around this city Correct. but i'm so excited you know like i like i hope we get to see more of like jermaine clement as tamatoa like you know i don't know if the rock's gonna come back but i just i'm so excited to go back to that world because it is one of my all-time favorite disney movies uh my yeah. second runner-up is uh rogue squadron being directed by patty jenkins i thought that was a brilliant way they showcased you know like she talked about how you know her you know 
all the passion she has for the aspect of that movie. And then uh, this is still my writing it, right? I don't know. I don't know. That's why it's still my runner up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, this this excites me to no end. I don't know if this has been put into limbo. Uh, but I am really excited by the Chippendale Rescue. Like, my first runner-up is the Chippendale Rescue Rangers live-action movie with Andy Samberg and John Mulaney being uh, our our main characters. Uh, I know John Mulaney's taking time to, you know, really put his uh, health first, so I don't know if this is going to be pushed back. But That, that was have, a very tactful way of you saying John Mulaney's got to get off the book of sugar. Okay, I... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for covering for me, Brian. I appreciate that. <laughs> I know, honestly. I like. Here's the thing. It's. I think it's fucked up. I hope he does too. I. 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 I hope he does too. I hope he. I, ho- I hope he can get off this shit, and I hope it doesn't hurt his, his 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 stunt his creativity. That's the thing. When you're messing with fucking drugs that mess with your with your serotonin levels and and things like that, man. It. Who knows. I'm really worried about him coming back after this. So yeah, he needs to be in our thoughts, you know, and I, you know, it it really sickens me when I do see a lot of people fucking making, you know, jokes about fucking like Ben Affleck and his alcoholism just because they didn't like his Batman or whatever. Like I wasn't the biggest fan of his fucking Batman, but my God, the guy's struggling with alcoholism and all this stuff. I want him Mm -hmm. to fucking get clean. He's got fucking kids and all this shit. And it's like, you know, that's stuff that's, that's serious to me. And I think some, there's some toxic fucking fans out there saying some evil, hateful Ooh. shit about Ben Affleck. And, and, uh, I'm sorry. I did not mean to, what I said was not intended to be hateful at all to John Mulaney. And I hope that this guy can fucking get his life back on track. I really do. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't a fan of Affleck's Bruce Wayne, but I don't want to see his life fall around. You know, yeah. like around him, but yeah, like I definitely, I was very excited about, um, you know, and I, I don't know, I wrote this down. The guy that's directing is also Yorma. Yes, I just this excites me to no end. One of my all-time favorite uh, cartoons when I was a kid to see Andy Samberg and you know Mulaney take up these guys. Just yeah, that's my first runner-up. I hope it's good, man. I really hope this fucking. I love Chippendales Rescue Rangers when I was a fucking kid. I love. I love the Jake. You remember the fucking video game? Oh yeah, one of the one of the greatest. I mean, all those Capcom Disney Afternoon games were fucking instant classics. They were great. They were so much fun. I love Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Monterey Jack Zipper, fucking uh, Gadget. I loved that show as a kid. I loved it. You know what I want to see? You know what I want to see for Wonder Woman three? I want to see Cheetah come back, and I want to see her be a villain. But I just want to see her like knocking stuff off tables. <laughs> Chasing a laser pen, glasses of water. Yeah, like her. You got it right, Paul. Like her. Like like that's how that's how Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins writes it in. That's how Wonder Woman defeats her with a laser pen. <laughs> <laughs> she's fucking. She's fucking. She's fucking. Makes her run off a fucking cliff. She finds the monkey's paw and wishes for a lifetime supply of catnip. <laughs> I really hope Cheetah can get it off the catnip in 2021. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I hope they have a fucking Cheetos tie-in with Chester Cheetah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a great fan porn. Dude, it ain't easy being Cheetah. Oh, you want to see fucking Chester Cheetah fuck Cheetah from the DC movie? Is that what you're saying, Paul? 
Sure, why not? No judgment. Here. It's a celebration. <laughs> it's a celebration. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I would. I wouldn't look away from that. Thank you, Jake. Thank you. <laughs> oh man. Oh, we find out that Patty Jenkins is going to direct the next fucking Thundercats movie. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Chitara gets sidelined for the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, it's a celebration, isn't it? Um, Oh, it is for some of us. (laughs) Man, making a run for the 2021 villain of the year. (laughs) I'm going to show up on that list. My my 2021 villain of the year is Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers. Yeah, yeah, don't argue. It's a celebration. It's a celebration. Oh, no, I can disagree with me. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, announcement of the year. Do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, I've got some honorable mentions. Um, and, and, and there were so many in amazing announcements, especially at the end of the year with the, with the Disney, uh, stuff and, and the Marvel and the Star Wars. It's hard just to pick like a top three. So some of the stuff that's in honorable mentions, it's like, how come that didn't make it to your top three? Well, because there's like so many good stuff. So having said that, uh, honorable mention, Taika Waititi directing a Star Wars film. Very exciting. I can't wait to see what he does. Um, Fantastic Four being announced as part of the MCU going forward. Very exciting. Um, and also, you know, good or bad, WB announcing that they were going to drop all their 2021 movies on HBO Max, which may or may not end up actually happening. I think that's a very bold announcement and a way for the studio to bring the content to the viewer in a time where we can't go to the movie theater. Um, because let me tell you something. I wish we could have been talking about Dune on this show because I've been super excited for that. Um, but anyway, um, two runners up. Uh, number three, Tatiana Maslany playing She-Hulk. Super, super, super excited for that. I'm very excited for the She-Hulk show, and I love Tatiana Maslany. I can't wait to see her in this what, role. What, 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 did, what did you watch yeah. her in the – was it the new HBO series? Is that what you were watching her in? Um, Which, which HBO series are we talking about? She was doing the uh, Perry Mason. I watched her a little bit in, in Perry Mason. I thought she was I thought she was good in that. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, no. I, I didn't finish Perry Mason. Full, okay. full disclosure. Um, but like I watched her in Orphan Black, and I, yeah. I watched her in. Um, uh, oh my God! Why am I blanking? Um, God, why am I blanking on stuff? All but you I, need I, to say I, is Orphan Black. <laughs> I mean, I, really, yeah, that's like her. That's her big thing, right? But I didn't I, know. I didn't know that you watched Orphan Black, so that makes me happy. Oh, good. I'm glad that that's, uh, glad that that's, yeah. um, yeah, I, I eventually got around to Orphan Black. I did watch it. Um, uh, so that's my, that's my second runner. No, sorry. That's my third runner up. Second runner up, um, is that Nia DaCosta directing Captain Marvel 2. Um, Nia DaCosta is somebody who is not like, done a ton of stuff so i can't say like oh i'm a big fan of her work but i'm excited for her for her because captain marvel one was directed by a directing team of both a man and a woman this is going to be a woman heading uh a a marvel film 
and she is a black woman. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she is the first black woman to direct a Marvel film. And uh, I am very, very excited by that. Whether that, <clears throat> excuse me, whether that will make it a good film or not. Who knows how Captain Marvel 2 will turn out, but that announcement is very exciting to me. Um, and then I have a number one. Very cool. What do you got, Jake? I mean, I just have a number one for this one. Wow. Wow, we can see who's putting in the putting in the time this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a celebration. Um <laughs> Jake, I'm fucking with you. Oh, I, I'm deeply offended. I my finger was hovering <laughs> for the hang up button. <laughs> oh man, I've got uh, I've got honorable mentions here. Uh, so, you know, I think we've heard most of these. Uh, Christian Bale as God Butcher in uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Wow, are you fucking oh, kidding man. me? Are you fucking kidding me? Christian Bale just blew me. He's blown me away as an actor uh, these past few years. Um, just, you know, I loved him in Ford versus Ferrari. I mean, I mean going back, going back, I loved him in fucking American Psycho for crying out loud. That's a, it's a, he's, he's awesome. Uh, Tatiana Maslany is She-Hulk. Jason Aaron. Oh, sorry. Yeah, what the fuck, Paul? What the fuck? <laughs> no, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking about Aaron's God Butcher. <laughs> we're talking about Thor Love and Thunder and you're stealing mine. Buddy. <laughs> oh, but it's a celebration. It's a celebration. Yeah, it's a cel- celebration of me getting cut off early. Um, no, I'm fucking with you, Paul. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> what, 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 no, what were you saying, dude? I apologize. No, I, like, like I just had to echo. I mean, I know I said it too, but like Jason Aaron yeah. just made the God Butcher just a terrifying yes. fucking evil villain and to know that someone of christian bale's caliber is going to be playing that guy when i think don't waste all dude like i I mean don't fucking pull a patty jenkins cheetah oh no um (laughs) rebecca it's a celebration isn't it every time every time you have to bring that up every time no yeah <laughs> really, I'm really excited to get the comic book movie of the year. I, I got to tell you. <laughs> oh my god, you got to be fucking kidding me! <laughs> That'll be the ultimate celebration when we get to that one. Oh my god, you got to be fucking kidding me! If a fucking taste it movie is your comic book movie of the year, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna throw down with you guys. Fuck the ce- <laughs> fuck the celebration! I'm fucking celebratory throw down. <laughs> It's gonna be fucking UFC sixty or whatever the fuck. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm gonna fucking windmill punch you guys in the face. <laughs> I mean, like, dude, did you listen to the tuppies? Fucking Brian fucking donkey punched Rebecca in the back of the head. <laughs> There's by far no award show better than the Tupperware. You bring up a donkey punch. It's just the fucking classiest joint there is. Oh my god! Where my tuxedo shirt to this? Oh man. 
Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk is my second honorable mention. I am a huge fan of Tatiana Maslany. I think she is one of the uh, hardest working and best actors out there. I feel like that she's been overlooked for so many different projects. I think Rogue One would have been a much better movie had they cast her instead of Felicity Jones in the role of Jenner. So I'm going to say that till the day I fucking die. I think Tatiana Maslany is just an incredible actor. And to see her as She-Hulk in a half hour or a fucking comedy that's going to be on uh, Disney Plus. I cannot wait. I want more Tatiana Maslany, and I can't wait to see her join the MCU in the movies. People are going to lose their fucking shit when she shows up in a fucking Marvel movie. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We've already found out that fucking Mark Ruffalo is going to be showing up in the series, and I can't wait. Fucking Tim Roth is abomination. Oh, my God. Jake, do you think he's going to be showing up just as Tim Roth in the courtroom? I hope so. I, like, here's the thing. They say he's going to be abomination, but like, is he, are we going to see abomination? <laughs> are we going to, are we going to see him show up in a courtroom as abomination? I'd like to see both things happen. Like he shows up one day as Tim Roth and then they like, you know, take a break and then he comes back as abomination. Or that he gets pissed off and even though it's a celebration, he comes back as abomination. <laughs> Oh man! Um, donkey punches shield. Donkey punches shield in the back of the head. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I fucking I love Orphan Black. I love Tatiana Solani. I think she's fucking great. Um, Ahsoka. We got a, we got the uh, Ahsoka series um, that that's been announced coming to Disney Plus, and that's uh, that's one of my announcements of the year as well. I can't wait to see Rosario Dawson. Um, reprise the character in her own series. I'm hoping that we're going to get Sabine Wren showing up in that series and uh, tying up some things from Rebels and and uh, maybe we get a live action older uh, Ezra Bridger in that series. I don't know where they're going to go, but I'm really looking forward to it. My two runners up, John Watts directing Fantastic Four. It's it's I'm split on this. Because I'm not the biggest John Watts fan, but I am a fan of the Fantastic Four. Um, next year, I could be praising, you know, the announcement of like whoever they're going to be casting as the lead roles for Reed Richards and, and Sue Storm. Like, like that definitely could be, could be, um, you know, in the discussion next year for next year's Tuppies. But like for right now, even though it is John Watts and I'm not the biggest John Watts fan. I don't think he's terrible. I think he's serviceable as a director. But just the fact that they were, that we're getting a Fantastic Four movie in the MCU, I've got to give it, I've got to give it uh, a runner-up award here. My next runner-up is Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Absolutely. Michael Keaton's going to be coming back as Batman in the Flash movie. I cannot wait to see an older Michael Keaton, a Michael, Ke a Michael Keaton Batman, older Bruce Wayne, where he's lost his Alfred. Where is, where is Catwoman in the scenario? I mean, are they together? Like, I, you know, I, the, all these questions hopefully will be answered in this Flash movie. So Michael Keaton coming back as Batman is huge for me. I cannot wait to see him. This is like, 
this is like a full fucking circle, man. Like, you know, guy fucking plays Batman, goes on, does a movie called Birdman, which is very meta to the character that he played in Batman, then plays an MCU villain, the Vulture, and now is actually coming back and playing a version of his character in in this flash movie from probably like a like a like an another earth and i cannot wait to see this but uh, let's get to our number one announcements of the year paul what's your number one announcement of the year yeah it is that um you know marvel's first family is coming home Mm. uh and kevin feige is gonna be in charge of it just the fact that you know, we've all wanted this and to hear it finally be said, like, yeah, dude, uh, you know, we're, we're bringing a fantastic four. They're going to be part of the MCU just excited me to no end. Uh, they're one of my favorite properties and to know that they're going to be handled by the same dude that gave us, you know, 11 years of awesome Marvel movies just excites me to no end. So fantastic four coming to the MCU is my announcement of the year. Number one. There you go, Rebecca. Yeah, I'm going to get a lot of shit for this, but it's Patty Jenkins directing Rogue Squadron. Um, I think, yes, if you absolutely Wonder Woman sequel was a disappointment, but I still think overall Patty Jenkins is an amazing director. I think she could tell a good story. Um, and I think Star Wars, to be quite honest, in my personal opinion, they're lucky to have her. So I am very excited for her to be doing Rogue Squadron. I love the personal connection she has with the idea of Rogue Squadron. And I can't wait to see what she does with it. Uh, Rogue Squad, Yeah, Patty Jake, I hope. Yeah, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm still. I, I hope I'm right, too. I mean, I. I'm. Ha- I will be honest and say if if it ends up being shit, then it gets shit, and I'll get on here and say that. But the the idea of it is just so exciting to me. I'm not ready to lump yeah. her in with the directors that I think need to be reined in. There's directors that I think I right. like. I'm not quite there yet, and I think Rogue Squadron will be that movie that fucking tells me does she need to be reined in with her storytelling. I think that the the Wachowskis. Need to be reined in with their with with their storytelling and direction. Right. You know, I love the Wachowskis and what they do, but there's certain things that they need to do in their movies. That I think they need to be reined in with some of the, the with some of their ideas, and they've been given complete control and freedom. And I'm, I don't want Patty Jenkins to be lumped in right. with that. So we'll see. We'll see. I think I love her personal connection to the Rogue. Squadron. I loved that video that she put out. I thought it was fantastic. So I'm hoping Rogue Squadron yeah. will be a re- – we need a return to form with Star Wars movies <laughs> after The Last Jedi, in my opinion. No, The Last Jedi was great. We need it after uh, Rise, of, Rise the Skywalker. of Skywalker. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I meant Rise of Skywalker is what I meant. Yeah. You've already written it away. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I don't know, man. I've got problems with both movies at this point. Um Jake, announcement of the year. Yeah, my announcement of the year is the Disney investors meeting in whole. I mean, it's where I feel like 80% of everyone's announcements came from. I, it was just completely took me off guard. I knew we were going to get some major announcements, but I didn't realize it was going to be a half a day affair of learning about so many new Marvel properties, so many new Star Wars properties. I was blown away by all the new Disney properties that were announced. I mean, this thing just... 
I couldn't believe how much they announced. I don't, is this going to be a yearly thing? Is this kind of the new San Diego Comic Con? Are we going to be doing yearly Disney investor meeting episodes from this point on? I, what an amazing event. I'm one of the only positive things that this pandemic brought was how this investors meeting went down. They, I should have brought them up as villain of the year because I had a completely different show set up that week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. I had a I we mean, had we had a whole different show that week, Jake, and then they fucking drop that shit on Thursday and they throw everything out the window. And I've got a day and a half to fuck, fucking to to, <laughs> to break down these trailers, these shows, and everything. Jesus Christ, that was a fucking nightmare. I spent four hours alone on the Loki trailer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I thought we were gonna whatever they said. I thought it would be an hour, ninety minutes max of of converted into talk time for us. But yeah, you you could instantly tell before it was over. You knew it was an entire episode. They threw my entire episode out the window, and I had to do a completely new show that week. But man, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, oh yeah, come at me. My number one announcement of the year is. The Snyder Cut is coming to HBO Max, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck all you haters. I can't wait to see the fucking Snyder Cut. We never thought it was going to happen. You go back and listen to every episode of PCL. I thought, you know, yeah, the Snyder Cut existed. Guess what? I was fucking wrong, and we're finding that out now. But and here's the thing. We're getting the Snyder Cut. It's coming to HBO Max in 2021. It's happening. We're going to get to see it. That's my announcement of the year. I never thought that this was ever going to happen, and I can't wait to watch the Snyder Cut. I cannot wait to watch the Snyder Cut. I think that's a great announcement of the year. As much of a hater as I am of Zack Snyder, I'm right there with you. I cannot wait to see this four-episode spectacle that is the the Snyder Cut of Justice League. <laughs> oh. Can it get worse? I'm on the edge of my seat. It cannot get worse. It cannot get worse. The Snyder Cut, the Snyder Cut, I am going in. I am going in with fucking, with uh, goggles, like the Snyder Cut goggles, the Snyder fanboy goggles watching this. I can't wait. I want to love it. I want to love it. Yeah, I'm so thankful that. I don't have to see this in the theater and take 20 bathroom breaks. He's still talking. He's, he's, dude, he's still talking about this coming out in IMAX theaters. I, no matter what's going on in the world, I, I will never watch this movie in the theater. I know you I will won't. gladly watch it on HBO Max. I will be in the theater watching this if I can. If I have the, if I have the ability to watch this in the theater, I will be watching this in the theater. You fucking, you bet your fucking ass I will be. Snyder Cut 2021. So it's a celebration. Fuck you, Paul. I'm happy that you're happy. Oh, that's yeah. I'm happy that you're happy with your announcement of. Oh man, (laughs) you can tell this just made the cut. Like it almost made Paul's list, but it just missed the cutoff. Oh, it was right there, (laughs) Jake. Fuck all of you. (laughs) Uh, We're all friends here. We can say whatever the fuck. I don't give a fuck. I talked about donkey punching Rebecca in the back of the head earlier. (laughs) That was shocking. That's my most shocking announcement of 20 (laughs) That 
mentioned it being the announcement of the year. Brian, Brian's gonna talk about Rebecca. No, I thought like seriously, like my female actor of the year is Rebecca for saying that Cheetah was one of her favorite villains of the year. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Celebration. That's it. Brian Luke Skywalker is hero of the year. Okay. Oh, okay. I know. That's so out of the realm. That's adorable. I know. I know. The, the, That's adorable. The amount of like respect that they gave the cheetah character in Wonder Woman 1984. Oh my God. Thank you for her being an afterthought to Max Lord and his, and Pedro Pascal's chewing of the scenery in that movie. Celebration, though. Celebration. It's a celebration. Perfect. I'm saying she did a good job as portraying the character. That's what I'm saying. Celebration. <laughs> Deep breath. Celebration. I feel like we're like, at a, I feel like we're like at, a, at a, like a family Thanksgiving dinner. Everybody's just trying to hold it. Oh, I know. I know. I feel. I feel. I feel. I feel like Uncle Earl brought up the gays. You know what I mean? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It reminds me of Seinfeld. Fuck it, me and me and Uncle, me and Uncle Serenity now. Me and Uncle, oh, yeah. me and Uncle Earl are gonna go fucking fucking toe to toe right now, dude. Don't even, <laughs> don't you tip top toes with Uncle Earl? Fuck you, Uncle Earl, you fucking bigot. <laughs> <laughs> dude, just pass the stuffing. Pass the stuffing! Sorry. <laughs> hey, what is your favorite fucking side dish at Thanksgiving? If it's homemade stuffing, then the stuffing. I love the candied yams, man. If it's done right. Yeah, those are good too. Yeah. Talk to me, Paul. Mashed potatoes and gravy. Uh, no, but you know what? If it's if it's homemade mashed potatoes. And there's roasted garlic. It's mashed potatoes. Mm. Uh, yeah. Good hot biscuit. Fuck. It's good too. Oh, doesn't a hot biscuit sound like a fucking really gross sexual thing? Yes, I gave I it. Mean, it probably is. I gave it the hot biscuit. <laughs> I dropped that hot biscuit. Uh, when Patty Jenkins wrote Cheetah, she gave her the hot biscuit. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, it's a celebration, am I right? I know, oh, I know you're right. Did you say that after you <laughs> Guys, let's, uh, let's jump in. What, what have we, what have we got here? Announcement of the year. We're jumping into best, oh my god, this is a big one, guys. We're jumping into best TV show of the year. Best television show of the year. Paul, honorable mentions for best TV show of the year. Yeah, I got some honorable mentions. I got some runners up. I probably could go through my whole list, and people are gonna know exactly where it's going. But I got, uh, I got the Parks and Rec reunion episode. Uh, I thought that was done brilliantly. They brought Paul Rudd in. Uh, Upload 
was such a fun show to watch. Oh God, yes, mean. great choice. I thought that was so much fun. Uh, gotta love uh, a good killing Nazi story, so I'm gonna go with Hunters as an hour mention. Uh, Hollywood Mythic Quest was a lot of fun. Oh um, God, Mythic Quest, dude. You bring, you know, these are things that I should have had on my list. You brought up Mythic Quest. I didn't have it on my list. It should be on my list. And then fucking upload on Amazon Prime with Robbie Amell. Those are fucking great. Oh, they were so good. Uh, then, uh, and it sucked that these are just honorable mentions, but like Dead to Me season two was great. Um, one of the best documentaries I've seen all year is The Last Dance. Uh, High score, which was just fucking fantastic on Netflix about the video game industry. Uh, what we do in the shadows, which is now suddenly becoming better than its source material, which is great because everyone that's in the movie it has something to do with this. Uh, devs, uh, the reality show, The Circle, uh, Good Lord Bird. Uh, Ratchet, Doom Patrol, and my last honorable mention is uh, The Unicorn with Walton Goggin. And mm-hmm. then my runners up, I got three runners up. I got at number three, and these were, man, these could have interchanged at any point, but I got Shit's Creek at number three. Uh, I just thought it was a beautiful send off. Second runner up is The Boys. Uh, I don't think there's enough, you know, I don't think there's any more I can say. And then my first runner up is The Mandalorian. There you go. There you go. Fantastic, Paul. You did your fucking homework. Jake is going to be like, eh, I've got a uh, run, one runner up and a winner. Pass. Again, I'm sorry. <laughs> you better fucking celebrate my two fucking things. <laughs> what the fuck, Jake? Oh my god. <laughs> fucking. I don't think. I don't think throughout your entire fucking, you know, school, like going to school, did you ever fucking hand in extra credit ever? Ever. Doubtful. Doubt. <laughs> Hashtag fuck extra credit. We got bare bones minimum Jake over there. Uh, Rebecca, what do you got? Uh, okay, I got a bunch of honorable mentions and then two runners up. Um, uh, honorable mentions, uh, Ted Lasso, we've all gushed about it. Uh, Mrs. America on Hulu, that was a, a, a miniseries. Oh, that's so good. So good. Um, also Defending Jacob, miniseries on Apple TV with Chris Evans. Uh, Good Girls season three, The Crown season four, also have Hunters on my, um, honorable mentions. And, uh, I, I'm going to throw in Tiger King on my honorable mentions just because <laughs> this was like a complete phenomenon. It was at the beginning of lockdown and everybody was fucking watching this thing. And you couldn't go anywhere on social media without people talking about Tiger King and how addictive it was. And they just had to watch the next episode. And I totally got sucked into it. And all those people are all terrible. But uh, t- Tiger King was incredibly entertaining for me at least on the surface level um first runner up uh is gonna be uh star trek discovery season three um i it's still actually ongoing there's the the season finale is coming up this week um but i really love what they did with discovery this season being plunged uh 900 years into the future and having to deal with uh 
uh, I don't want to spoil too much, uh, but having to deal with the Federation and the state that they're in and trying to figure out this big mystery of some event that happened, um, having seen a lot of character growth um, from all the actors and their characters has been really great. Um, and my other my next runner up is going to be the Mandalorian season 2. I thoroughly enjoyed this season. I liked uh I liked pretty much every episode. I thought everybody um all the actors I thought did incredibly well. And I know like especially for the character of the Mandalorian, it's not just Pedro Pascal. There's like a whole team of actors and stunt people involved in that process. So like everybody involved with wearing the suit and doing the stunts and, and all that stuff, I think should get incredibly high praise um and all that puppetry work with with Krogu is just incredible um and then i've i've got a number one for later uh, you know you brought up defending jacob and i'm yeah. going to say that throughout this episode uh one of my honorable mentions is uh you in uh defending jenkins for all the fucking patty jenkins <laughs> defending jenkins wow <laughs> good one <laughs> so I, Rebecca's so done with me this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is like record time. You made her done with you too. I know. I this is. Oh my god! It was like before first break. Very impressive. <laughs> Jake, I can't wait to hear you rattle off two things. Um, what do you? No, I've got some stuff. This is my easily my most robust category. <laughs> so, Jake, Jake, bringing bringing the heat. What do you got, Jake? Um, uh, I have a couple things that Paul had in his honorable mentions. I have high score. I, I really loved high score. I, it made me so excited for the CBS All Access video game show, which was just pale in comparison to high score. What a fun trip down memory lane and just really well thought out research and all these different games we played as kids. Mm -hmm. um, I also had the Showtime show Good Lord Bird on there as well. Uh, Ethan Hawke just fucking killed it. Finish that series if you haven't. It, it's fucking amazing. Um, the funniest thing I watched all year, um, Auntie Donna's House of Fun. Yes. Is an honorable mention for me as well. Love that show. Um, I've never hated something so much and then loved it so much five minutes later. It was just such a crazy turn of events mm -hmm. watching this. Um, and it's one of those things, if you watch it a second time, it's fucking funnier the second time. Absolutely. I, mean, I think, you uh, got, you, dude, you got to fucking, like, you're so disoriented when you're watching that first episode, right? Yeah, I, I, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. Why am I even fucking watching this? And then the next thing I know, I can barely breathe. Yeah. yeah. So, what a fucking great show. Um, deserves more praise, deser deserves more people talking about it and watching it. Um, another honorable mention for me is, um, this season of Survivor was Winners at War. It was something I never thought I would get. We actually brought back 20 previous winners from the show's history, and they all played a game together. I, it's one of those things that Jeff Probst said would never happen that actually happened. And it's we haven't had a season of Survivor since because of the pandemic. So it could very well be the final season of Survivor. And if that's the case, it really went out on a high note. Um, and then I have three runner-ups. My third runner-up is the HBO Max original series Raised by Wolves. This is the uh, Ridley Scott science fiction drama about the uh, androids raising human life on another planet. Um, oh, yeah, this show is just mind-blowing. Give it at least three episodes. All three of those first episodes twist things up even more the second you watch them. Within the first five minutes of each of those episodes, you're just fucking gobsmacked by what you're seeing. Uh, my second runner-up is my favorite reality show of the year, 
uh, Netflix's The Circle. Uh, I think Paul brought this up as one of his honorable mentions as well. Um, didn't expect much from this, was really blown away, still crossing my fingers we're going to get a second season of The Circle. It feels like such a perfect show to make and produce during the constrictions that we have now. Yeah. So yeah. I'm actually really shocked that we haven't fast-tracked a second season of The Circle. I agree. Um, and my first runner-up is The Mandalorian. Um, I think this was my winner last year, and it, it – Barely missed it this year, and and we'll find out why in a, a little bit later. But yeah, the fucking Mandalorian season two, not quite as strong as season one, but still very very good. Awesome. Uh, I've got honorable mentions out the wazoo, out the wazoo. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, <laughs> what happened? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is it the wine talking? I think it is the wine. I think, I think your wazoo got broke or something there. Donkey punch. I got donkey punched in the wazoo there, chief. <laughs> I got donkey. And what I mean by wazoo is I mean my anus. And what I need by donkey punch is this fucking wine. You know what you need to fix that. It's a fucking hot biscuit. Hot biscuit on my chest. <laughs> I want a hot biscuit on my right on my You're face, right neck, and chest. Biscuit. The old hot biscuit. Uh, chest, Jesus Christ! Yeah, like, um, rub it on like Vic Spapor rub, Paul. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh my God! It's just yeah, <laughs> that's creepy as fuck, Jake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my uh, my uh, honorable mentions. I've got a, I've got a lot of them here. The Umbrella Academy. The, 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 the Academy. <laughs> the Umbrella Academy season two. I loved this fucking show. And these are in no particular order, guys. Like, these are in no particular order. The Umbrella Academy Season 2, Upright on Sundance TV. I absolutely, I, I fucking loved this show. I talked about it on a previous episode. thought it was Tim Minchin's fantastic, and I loved it. Um, Tosh.0, the final season on Comedy Central. Daniel Tosh is one of my favorite comedians, and this season was fantastic. Even throughout the pandemic, it's what I needed to keep laughing. Uh, Alice in Borderland on Netflix, which has been greenlit for a season two. I loved the first season of Alice in Borderland. It was so fantastic. Do yourself a favor and watch this one. Uh, the Mandal- Mandalorian season two is, uh, is an honorable mention for me. Um, we are who we are on HBO. Oh my God. The show that everyone should be watching that no one is talking about. We are who we are on HBO. I absolutely loved this show. It's from the director of uh, call me by your name. And I loved it. The queen's gambit on Netflix, uh, starring Anya Taylor joy. What a fucking great limited series on Netflix. Frayed on HBO Max and HBO Max original. I think they brought it over from the Sky Network. Funny comedy. I loved it. Uh, Ozark season three on Netflix. Oh my God. They brought in Tom Pelfrey and I loved it. Love Jason Bateman. Tiger King on Netflix. Rebecca, you brought this up. Yeah. I don't think 2020. I don't think, I don't think you can finish 2020 without mentioning Tiger King. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know this much is true on HBO with uh, Mark Ruffalo. 
He plays Dominic Birdsey and Thomas Birdsey, and he recounts his troubled relationship with his brother, his paranoid schizophrenic twin brother, and his efforts to get him released from an asylum. This was an amazing miniseries on HBO. Uh, Little America, I'll give it an honorable mention because I loved half of the season. Uh, this is on Apple TV. Highly recommend it. Shit's Creek season six, the final season. I'm a huge Shit's Creek fan. Loved it. Everything's going to be okay. This is on free form. You can also watch it on Hulu. I highly recommend this. You've got a character, Nicholas, his um, dad dies and he had started. Nicholas lives in Australia. His dad started a new family in America. He's got teenage half sisters, one of whom is on the autism spectrum and Nicholas takes over as like their basically like the adult that's going to be taking care of these girls as they're going uh, into their high school years. And it is a fucking incredible show. It did get a season two October faction on Netflix. I loved it. I fucking loved October faction came out very early in the year, but I loved October faction. The circle on Netflix is another one of the shows that I loved reality show. Jake, you're absolutely right. They need to fucking fast track this for a season two. I don't know why they're fucking dragging their feet on this one. And then my final honorable mention is servant on Apple TV. Um, I don't know if this started in 2019, but I know it finished in 2020 and I loved servant on Apple TV. I thought it was fantastic. I have two runners up Ted Lasso on Apple TV plus, and then my second runner up is, uh, the boys season two on Netflix, on uh, Amazon, excuse me, on Amazon prime. I absolutely loved the boys season two. I thought it was fucking incredible. And, uh, let's get on to our winners of best TV show of the year. Paul, who is, what is the number one show? I, dude, I fucking know it. You do, yeah. Everybody knows it. You just already moved to Rebecca. <laughs> Ted Lasso, and there's nothing else that needs to be said. Ted Show Lasso. Of the year. Ted Lasso. Paul's love for Ted Lasso. I love it. I love it. Paul, I can't wait to talk about season two with you. Oh my god! Like talking to you about uh, season one was fucking fantastic. So yeah, we got to do it. Absolutely for season two. We'll just a lot again. of fun stuff. We will do it again, Rebecca. What's your number one? My number one show of the year is Star Trek Picard. Um, the announcement for the show was my announcement of the year back in 2019. I was, this was my most anticipated show for me in 2020. Um, it premiered very early in the year. I mean, uh, and I know again, like with anything, not every Star Trek fan enjoyed this show. But boy, I loved the hell out of it to see Patrick Stewart, <clears throat> excuse me, come back, put on the Picard persona again after he had literally hung up the uniform in a in a social media post and was like, "I'm done with the character." Everybody, um, for him to come back and now be a much older, much more aged Picard. And dealing with all the stuff that happened after he left Starfleet, him now being kind of an outsider with Starfleet, no longer being, no longer having his name carry as much weight as he was used to, um, and the adventure and the, the, 
the his journey on this episode uh, excuse me on this show trying to do justice to an old friend was just to me one of the most beautiful shows this year and one of the most satisfying as a star trek fan so for me it's star trek picard's my show of the year there you go star trek picard i gotta i gotta finish that rebecca i apologize yeah, I need to finish that as well. No, I watched the first three episodes and loved them. There, I think you know. Um, I would be interested to hear your thoughts uh, at some point on the final episode and how it all wraps up. Um, for me, you know, there were things that happened in the final episode that I didn't care for, of course, but there are plenty that I did like. So, yeah, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on on how it all wraps up. All right, Jake, your show of the year. Yeah, my show of the year this year is Queen's Gambit. Um, I just absolutely fell in love with this show. Um, I've watched episodes multiple times now. Um, it, it's kind of brought chess back to the forefront, too, which is really incredible. I, I haven't seen this many people talking about actual chess strategy in forever on social media, and that's really wild to see. And, yeah, I just I fucking love Queen's Gambit. I'll probably watch it again at some point in 2021, just when I want, you know, some light TV, some feel-good TV. I'll throw this series on again. Oh, God. Anya Taylor-Joy. What a great year for her. Like, I knew she was something special when Thoroughbreds came out. I knew she, oh, yeah. I knew she was something special when Thoroughbreds came out. When I saw that movie in the theater, I went and saw that at the art theater in Champaign. And it was one of those movies. And I watched it after, um, oh, God. Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on his name? And I feel so terrible right now. The actor that died from Star Trek that played uh, Chekhov. Oh, Anton Yelkin. Anton Yelkin. I watched it after Anton Yelkin had passed and like, but man, what a fucking, have you guys seen Green Room with Anton Yelkin and Patrick? Yes. Oh yeah. Patrick yes. Stewart. Patrick yeah. Stewart's in that. Yeah. Oh, Patrick Stewart. What a fucking great, Green Room is great. Anton Yelkin taken way too early. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yes. 100%. Amen. Such a, such a promising career, such a young person, really wide range. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, what, I mean, even he did like some TV spots here and there, like before he got really big. Um, if you just watch like his guest appearances, like as like the star of the week on like Criminal Minds, he had an episode on there. Like the range this kid had was just so good. It was so amazing. Yeah, fantastic. So, such a great actor. My best TV show of the year, hands down. The Last Dance on ESPN, which is now available and collected, and you can watch it on Netflix. This is the Chicago Bulls story, and it talks about their final season uh, back in 1998. And it basically, and it, but but what it does is it it goes back to the past. I mean, it talks about Michael Jordan. And his, his early days and then talks about his early days at North Carolina, him being drafted by the Bulls. It talks about Scottie Pippen. Um, it talks about Dennis Rodman. It gets into all facets of the team. And I am like, as far as the Chicago Bulls go, it's a, it's a huge part of my life. I have tons of Chicago Bulls memorabilia. I've been to a, so many games at the United Center. Um, 30 years of my life has been Chicago Bulls basketball. 
And um, this was the culmination of that. And it was a way for people to kind of remember like how special this team was. You don't get a team like this every fucking, you, you get a team like this once every fucking 20, 30 years. You get a team like this. And I'm talking about like, you know, great Lakers dynasties. I'm talking about great Celtics dynasties, Bill Russell. And, um, these, you know, the Lakers with Jerry West and, and Bob Cousy with the Celtics. I mean, you don't get these kind of, these legendary teams and, and a story that's being told this way. A story where Michael Jordan gets the last word. And as a fan, that's what I fucking wanted from this documentary. I've heard enough out of Isaiah Thomas over the past fucking, you know, 20, 30 years now commentating on the Chicago Bulls and commentating on Jordan and bringing him down for Jordan to get the last word it was a beautiful fucking thing you do not have to be a basketball fan to watch the last dance and appreciate what was happening uh during this dynasty i was at the chicago bulls rally in in 98 when they won that championship i got in the car at midnight drove to chicago got in line at about four in the morning and I, I, I was one of the fans that were sitting down in the seats at uh, Grant Park in 1998 when the Bulls won their last championship. And it was one of those things that I will never forget. And to see and to relive all these moments while watching The Last Dance on ESPN was the highlight of my year. This was hands down for me the best and most personal thing that I had watched all year. Um, I fucking i cried i laughed i cried and i loved the last dance on espn it is just it is fucking perfect and um rebecca i don't like i don't know if you you give a fuck about basketball but i'm telling you if you watch this i think that you would even i think even you would get something out of this Mm. i mean i can certainly remember back in the day um I mean, you'd have to be under a rock to not be aware of the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman years. Uh, I mean, even I'm aware of it, of, of the Chicago Bulls. Um, so, I mean, I would, I, it's, I, I know you've, you've raved about it. Um, it's definitely something that sounds interesting. It's and I know incredible. a lot of people have loved this, this, um, docuseries. So. Yeah, I'm, 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 I love that it's something so personal to you that you got so much emotional, like, enjoyment out of it. That's, that's great. I cannot wait to watch it again. If I look to my right, I'm, I've got a Chicago Bulls soda machine <laughs> to my right. If I look to my left, I got a Chicago Bulls locker to my left. Like, I've got so much Chicago Bulls memorabilia. Um, this, like, it's one of the things that me and my family connected with. Growing up, some of my best memories are watching Bulls games with my family, uh, you know, standing up on the couch and fucking throwing our fists up in the air when the Bulls won and then just fucking like feeling like absolute shit when they lost that that 72 and 10 season. I remember fucking when the Bulls lost to the Charlotte Hornets. And they lost their, I think it was their 10th game that they lost. And I was like hoping that they'd get under single digits for the year. But I mean, God, I just, this brought back so many memories of that team. It's just, it was an incredible fucking experience for me to be able to watch this from week to week. So The Last Dance is the best TV show that I watched all year. And I'm telling you, if you're not a fan of basketball, it doesn't matter. 
watch this. I think that, that there's so much drama in this series that I think that uh, it can bring in. Paul, I know you watch this, Paul, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This was one of my honorable mentions. Um, yeah. And I just finally kind of became a fan of uh, of basketball just because Brandon Jennings always used to come to our school and read to the kids. But I, as what you're saying, as someone who really has no history with basketball, this was just compelling uh compelling tv to the point where i almost made the pizza delivery guy in utah my villain of the year um it was just a fantastic tv show well done and you know like i grew up just being told to hate rodman because he was so different but you really end up loving rodman in this series like you get to see his perspective and it was just well done all the way around I do like like I, I used to call back in NBA, back in the old days when they first launched NBA TV they used to have a call-in show there's at least two episodes of the NBA TV where I am a call I'm a caller and you get to hear me you get to hear me call in and talk about the Chicago Bulls and my excitement for that team um I, I, Damon Andrews, who used to do fucking, uh, back when Chicago used to be on Chicago Sportsnet on the, on the Fox network. I fucking, uh, I met, I met Damon Andrews, who used to do like the post game show. And Damon Andrews, um, fucking hooked me up with, uh, he knew I was a super fan. I met him at a Chicago Bulls luncheon and he would, he would give me three tickets every season while he was with Fox Sportsnet Chicago. He would give me three tickets every season to go see the Bulls for free. I just had to go pick them up at will call. I, this, this, it, it meant this fucking docuseries meant the world to me. And, uh, I absolutely loved it. I'm, I'm going to stop gushing. <laughs> but we'll move on into our director of the year. <laughs> the best director of the year. So when I'm on stage, I want quiet on the set. NWA take two. Director of the year, Paul, do you have any honorable mentions? I do. I do. And uh, I was feeling like I just got to warn everyone, like the next couple of categories, I was so locked in until I watched one of these movies for the first time yesterday. But uh, my honorable mentions, I have Alan Ball for Uncle Frank, uh, Gavin O'Connor for The Way Back with uh, Ben Affleck. Oh, great choice, man. Talking about basketball. Jesus Christ. Great choice. Have you ever ever, ever seen what he went through? Like. Oh no, totally. I'm so, yeah. I, I'm cutting you off. Have you ever seen Warrior? Oh god, yeah, with uh Joel Edgerton and uh Tom Hardy? Yeah, same director. Oh, is it? Yeah. That, that makes so much sense. Right? That, that makes That makes so much sense. Yeah. Uh Aaron Sorkin for The Trial of Chicago 7. I know that's been brought up by Rebecca for that piece of shit judge. Um <laughs> I got uh, Anish Chaganati for the movie Run. It's not a perfect movie, but, man, did I have a lot of fucking fun with that Sarah Paulson movie. Uh, here's the one that's kind of thrown a monkey wrench into everything for me. I got Lawrence Michael Levine for Black Bear, uh, Judd Apatow for The King of Staten Island, and um, I do want to throw this in because it is for a TV show, but I got Deccan Loney 
for uh, the Diamond Dogs episode of Ted Lasso, and that is most known for the dart scene episode, uh, which I think is one of the best scenes in TV in, 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 in quite a long time. That is um, like, for me, that was like the best scene since fucking um, You Like Them Apples in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, that, that, like everything about that scene was just uh, done perfectly. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So uh, I got three runners up for my third runner up director of the year. I have Max Barbaco for Palm Springs. Uh, my second runner up is Evan Morgan for The Kid Detective. And my first runner up is Angel Manuel Soto for Charm City Kings. Charm City Kings. Oh, my God. I wish I would have put that on my list. I'm going to throw that on as an honorable mention right now, Paul. There you go. Fucking Charm City Kings. What a fantastic movie. That came out of nowhere on HBO Max, right? Yeah, and it sounded like a cheap, uh, fast and furious knockoff if you read the synopsis. Right, and it was nothing like that. Oh, Oh, fantastic choices, Paul. Fantastic choices. Rebecca, what do you got for honorable mentions and runners-up? Yeah, I got a few honorable mentions and two runners up. Um, honorable mentions, no particular order. Um, Destin Daniel uh, Cretton, I hope that's how you say it right, for his movie Just Mercy. Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman 1984. Gina Prime Blythewood for The Old Guard. Um, Jonathan Frakes for all of his directing work on Star Trek Picard and Discovery. Um Morton Tildum for his work on Defending Jacob. He directed all eight episodes. Um, Makoto Shinkai for Weathering With You. Um, also Aaron Sorkin for Travel Chicago 7. Uh, and Hanel Culpepper for her work on Star Trek Picard. She was also the first black woman to direct um, any piece of media of Star Trek, which was also very exciting. And I thought her episodes were particularly good. Um so first runner-up will be Autumn DeWild for her movie Emma. Uh, that was released quite earlier this year. It was her take on the Jane Austen story of Emma starring Anya Taylor-Joy uh, as the titular character. Um, I really loved the look and the feel that she brought to this story. She made it feel more modern while keeping it set in the period of, you know, uh, 18th century Jane Austen, which is very hard to do correctly. Um, I've seen attempts at it and it's not good, but she really excelled. And I thought she drew some incredible performances out of the actors in that film. Um, my other runner up is going to be Celine Samia. I'm probably butchering that as well. Um, for her work on Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was a French film that was released earlier this year. Um, this was a film that told the story of two women who fall in love at a time where um, that was definitely unacceptable. Um, one of the things that I love and appreciate about her work is that there are, you know, there are certainly some nude scenes, there are some sex scenes, but the the camera never focuses unnecessarily on these women in that really gross male gazy way that so many films in Hollywood have. Instead, these 
it's a it's a celebration and an appreciation of these women's bodies, but more she focuses on how it's a celebration of their relationship um, and their friendship. So yeah, that's my two uh, runners up for you. Can you watch that anywhere? Is that streaming somewhere? You know, I watched it on Hulu ages ago. Huh. I don't know if it's still available on Hulu. It it actually it might be on Amazon Prime. I'll do a quick check while while you guys go, but um if you can watch it, I highly recommend this film. It is one of the most beautiful and well-shot films I've seen all year. It it's in French with English subtitles. But it's just such a such a beautiful piece of cinema. I'll have to check that out. I'll have to check that yeah. out. I, I, I bet you it's still on Hulu. I'm hoping it's still on Hulu. I want to see it that. Could, it, it could the, be. I if mean, it is, I, I highly recommend it. I got to apologize. There's some movies that, like, I didn't get a chance to see as far as, like, the directorial stuff. Like, there's a bunch of movies that came out at the end of the year and theaters haven't been opened here. And sure. so I haven't had a chance to see. And then there's stuff that I just haven't gotten around to, which I feel terrible. I haven't seen The Assistant yet. Which I hear nothing but fucking people raving about the assistant, and that's also in Hulu. So I can't speak to that one, but I cannot wait to watch it. And that will be—I will be putting that on the rotation here shortly. Jake, what do you have? Um, well, go ahead, I'm Rebecca. Sorry, just, just real quick. Um, according to Google, you can watch *Portrait of Lady on Fire* on Hulu. Very, so yeah, uh, check it out. I—it's—I think it's really great. Very cool, uh, Jake. What do you have for uh, honorable mentions and, and runners-up? I got two runners up and a winner here. Um, my second runner up is the great Sam Mendes for 1917. Um, just doing what Sam Mendes does best, you know, those long, never ending tracking shots that you just don't even understand how he was able to film. Um, I've never seen a war movie that looked more realistic than this war movie either. Just seeing those trenches and the way he filmed those shots and just how stark and real everything looked. How would just, you com- I want to know. How would you compare it to Saving Private Ryan then? Steven Spielberg. I think it looks more Steven, real. Steven Spielberg at his best. Yeah, okay. And what I would say to that Jake is like I think that like in 1917 when you're watching the main character walk through those trenches and you're just watching all these people doing and reacting to different things in those trenches, I you could you could literally spend hours, days watching those scenes, and I still don't think that you would get everything out of that movie. There's still so much more going on in that movie when you're wa- like when the characters walking through those trenches. Uh, all those characters are going through like different every every character would like have their own movie in my opinion in that movie. Within that movie, it's 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 so fucking good. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's just such a masterful level of set design too. Like if we did set design of the year, it would probably go to nineteen seventeen. Yeah, I, I've just never seen anything fucking like it. Right. Um, my first runner up is going to be Christopher Nolan for Tenet. Um, I mean, here's a director that just does not give a fuck what the masses want or what the masses think when it comes to how he's going to make his movies. I mean, he, he never really has like he, he's not going to bow to trends. He's not going to make dialogue easier for you to fucking hear. He, you know, he does not give a fuck. And sometimes I think we're rewarded for that. And I think tenant is one of those cases. So I, this movie just, I'm not the biggest Nolan fan. I never have been. Um, this movie just really fucking knocked my socks off. It was just, 
fucking unbelievable. And honestly, I never really had like, yes, the sound is garbled and yes, it's, it's hard to hear what people are saying at times, but it, it never once like distracted me from what I was seeing or made it hard to understand what I was seeing. I always could follow what was going on very well in this movie so that was a complaint i really didn't understand until after the fact and i saw everyone everyone complaining about it but yeah i mean just he really had to plot out so much to direct this movie when it came to what was going on and i don't want to get into spoilers but you know you've got things moving this way things moving that way and it was just a master class of you know storyboarding when it came to figuring out how he was going to direct all this stuff and i think he pulled it off 100 percent. i want to see christopher nolan direct the porno Mm. Watch that shit going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the fake. I mean, the, I the, the, go the, backwards the, myself when I watch it. A rev- so I, a, I, might as, I might as well be Christopher Nolan. A reverse cream pie. <laughs> reverse hot biscuit. Yeah, reverse hot biscuit. Yeah. I'm the Christopher Nolan of my own porn. I don't need him to make one. That's true. Jake, Jake is the master of his domain. Seinfeld. Um. Honorable mentions for director of the year for me, uh, Evan Morgan for the Kid Detective. Uh, that movie just kind of came out of nowhere. I l- saw it in the theater and I absolutely loved the Kid Detective. Uh, Max Barbacow for Palm Springs. This is the Andy Samberg, Kristen Milioti movie, and uh, I just thought that it was uh, a fantastic. Movie. Dropped on Hulu. Jesus, Luca. Great pick. Luca Guad, uh, I can't pronounce his last name and I apologize. I love this director though. If you think, yeah, if I love him so much, why can't I pronounce his fucking name? I sound like such a <laughs> cunt right now. Luca Guad, Guadagnino, uh, Guadagnino for the HBO series We Are Who We Are. Again, I am going to say that this is the show that no one watched that is so fucking good get on it oh my god watch this watch this fucking show rachel lee goldenberg for unpregnant i loved this movie i thought that she's i have like paul we you know you brought up uh what was that movie never sometimes always never what is it called yeah Never, rarely, sometimes, never. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Okay, yeah. Like, that's another movie that deals with, like, abortion, and it does it in a completely different way. This does it in a, in a, it does it in a serious, but also comedic way, and I think it was well, a lighter way, a lighter way, but it was well balanced and well directed. I thought it was fantastic. George C. Wolf for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, wow, this movie just came out of like nowhere on Netflix and it got the eyes on it. I think people that watch this appreciate it and I loved it. And I thought George C. Wolf did a great job directing. Uh, Emerald Fennell, she did an amazing job directing Promising Young Woman. This is, uh, this movie, it premiered in January at a film festival, but it wasn't released. Until de- on, on, until Christmas Day, and I watched it today, and oh my God, Promising Young Woman is absolutely phenomenal. I've got two runners up. Uh, first runner up is Darius Mardar for Sound of Metal, which you can watch on Amazon Prime. This is the Riz Ahmed movie where the guy is like losing his hearing. Uh, he plays in a in, in a band with his girlfriend, and he's losing his hearing. It's a very fucking 
I don't know. This, it's just an incredible story. And then uh, my number two, uh, my second runner-up before we get to our winners here is uh, Sam Mendez for 1917. I, like just the amount of detail and attention that this guy put into this film is absolutely incredible. Uh, the way the movie looks like it was taken in one take, kind of like a Birdman thing, and and used zero, like as far as I know, very limited, if not zero, special effects to make this happen. So, like, if the weather wasn't co- wasn't cooperating with them that day, then they were fucking, they were they were rehearsing lines, and they're waiting for the weather to basically get back to the way it looked, so that they can continue to film this film. I I think that Sam Mendes just made an incredible movie here. So let's get to our winners for director of the year. Paul, who is your director of the year? My director of the year is Eliza Hitman for never, rarely, sometimes, always. Um, you know, you kind of hit upon this with Unpregnant and this one coming out around the same time on the same streaming service. And I was on the episode to review this. And I feel like this is one of the most important movies that should almost be shown in classrooms, but just the way it was directed, you know, uh, you said I'm pregnant was comedic and light. And it, it did have a very serious message to it, but it, did, it, you know, it handled it very lightly yeah, in a way and never really sometimes kind of showed you, I think the more realistic thing that happens in this situation. And I just can't stop thinking about the scene where we get the namesake of the movie when she's answering the those questions where she has to answer never, rarely, sometimes, or always, and just that they never break the camera off of her face. And then at the end of the movie, when her cousin does what she needs to do to get money to come back home, the shot is just of the two cousins holding hands while it's happening. I just thought it was heartbreaking but just phenomenal directing so my director of the year is eliza hitman for never rarely sometimes always very cool yeah that was one of those movies that like uh we reviewed it kind of late i didn't catch it in the theater i think we reviewed it after it had been released on hbo yeah yeah because that's because that's how i watched it and it's funny the week before i watched unpregnant and it's just it's it's crazy. Like I think it's a testament to both both directors to take a topic that they cover and just present it in two you know different ways. And each way you you come out thinking you know about it. So yeah, it was great. Yeah, uh, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, my number one, uh, Sam Mendes for nineteen seventeen. Um, that movie incredibly well shot um there was a i don't remember where i saw this mini documentary it might have been on youtube they talked about how they how he made the film and basically because it's meant to look like it's all one take they could not shoot the scenes out of order obviously as most movies are shot so instead they had to basically wait for the weather and the sky and the clouds to basically look the same as it did the day before so that they could start filming so basically all the actors had to be ready to go into character uh, as soon as everything looked the same and then they just had to go it's such an enormous task that he took on to shoot the movie this way to present it this way the performances he got out of all of these characters even at the very end when blake finally um excuse me um 
Schofield finally delivers the um, the message, and he has to tell the brother of his friend that his his friend didn't survive. And even these small minor pieces, the part where he comes into the woods and you have a soldier who's singing, and they're all like all the other soldiers are just like just in rapture listening to him. It is such a real feeling movie. You feel like you are in the movie and it's so hard to get that done. So yeah, he is my director of the year. That's a great fucking pick. I remember watching, I saw that movie in the theater twice Mm. and, um, I was literally on the edge of my seat the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I was oh, yeah. sitting, fo- I was physically sitting forward to be like, what's going to happen? Oh my God, what's going to happen? I really didn't know what would happen to these characters. And, and it's not that he was telling some original story you've never seen before, but just the way it was shown, mm-hmm. you were just, you couldn't help but be drawn into it. And it was, oh, just brilliant. Just brilliant. Jake. I don't know if Mendez was involved or not, but it was one of the best directed trailers I've ever seen for a movie, too, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Oh, like, it told you exactly what the movie was about, but it really didn't spoil anything, and it just had such a unique visual style. Like, a, a real artsy trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kept comparing it to Lord of the Rings uh, after watching that first trailer. Yeah. Um, Jake, director of the year. Yeah, I'm going to give this one to John Favreau, our our head showrunner and director of The Mandalorian. Um, I know he only directed the uh, season two season premiere, but honestly, that was one of my favorite episodes, and especially with the direction. Um, just loved seeing Boba Fett for the first time come back. I, the choice of having Timothy Oliphant, even though it was a little bit of typecasting, kind of playing a character he's played, you know, in Justified and Deadwood once again as Cobb Vanth. But it worked. I never once, like, thought of it as typecasting or, you know, that he was just doing the same thing over and over again. Um, seeing the, the what is it, Crate, crate Dragon and what Favreau decided to do with that. And um, ever since watching that making of Mandalorian Season 2, I was just kind of blown away with the choices that Favreau himself made on set when it came to the size and the dimensions of that creature. Like, they had one thing on paper, but as he was filming it, he was making the monster bigger right there on set so he could get those shots just perfectly framed with what the size of the creature would be. He did so much of that work, like figuring out that, you know, aspect ratio perspective of that creature during all those shots. And one of my favorite episodes of the series was that season two premiere. So giving it to Favreau. Favreau, John Favreau, my director of the year. uh, It's probably not going to be a surprise to anybody. Christopher Nolan for Tenet. Um, Great pick. I love this movie. I think this is a movie that people will be able to watch and try to dissect for many years. And like, I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's ever going to be able to understand everything that happened. I think he's the closest thing to like, um, Oh God, I've been drinking so much wine. I can't remember the name of the director. Um, the director of clockwork orange, Stanley, Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick. Yeah, he's like the most cu- Kubrickian director. Kubrickian <laughs> director that we've had since Stanley Kubrick, and um, it's I, I like. I was just I was fully immersed in this movie. Like he's a director that demands that you watch his movies twice. And that's so bold. That is so bold. I saw this movie twice in the theater. 
and I've watched it at home, but like I, after I watched it the first time, it was like, it demanded me to go back to the theater and watch it again with the knowledge that I had from watching it the first time. And, um, I don't know if anyone will ever understand this movie a hundred percent other than Christopher Nolan himself. It is just that deep and that well-directed and, um, just a phenomenal fucking movie. I, I thought Tenet was like, and I know it was like, it was supposed to be the movie that like saved theaters and everything. And it didn't quite do that even during the pandemic. But, uh, for those of us that did get to watch this in the theater, like I, this was my favorite theatrical experience that I've had all year and I wouldn't change it for anything. And I've seen, I got, this is the Jake. What's sad is like, I've seen the least amount of movies I've seen in the theater this year. But this this movie made up for it though in spades in my opinion. So yeah, like thinking of all the movies that I saw, if I could pick like the handful of them that I, I had to see in the theater, this is definitely in that list. Like it was just an event. Yeah, like I, God damn it! Like in any given year, I've I've before the pandemic, I'll easily watch like over a hundred movies in a year in the theater, like easily. And this is the first year I wasn't able to do that, but like this movie really stuck out for me. So yeah, Christopher Nolan. Uh, let's see here. What is our next? What do we got here? Director of the year. We got, oh, female actor of the year. Could, could we do another break? I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> well, you're the podcast director. I knew it. I fucking, yeah, we'll take another break. We'll be right back. Jake, did you enjoy your little break there, buddy? I enjoyed it a lot. You I like feel that? like a different person. You do ya? Is it too long? A little, a little over an hour? Are you good? Listen, everyone else was a giant puss. I was the one that spoke up. As soon as I did, everyone else was like, oh, oh my I God. know. I know. You're all fucking pussies. I'm the fucking hero fucking that me. the rest of the guest hosts Oh, he, Hero of the year for, tw- <laughs> for 2021. Mark it down. I'm fucking with you guys. All right, uh, what do we got now? We got uh, female actor of the year. Where's that fucking bumper? Here we go. Female actor of the year. start off with you paul do you have any honorable mentions i do i do um so i got sarah paulson for both ratchet and run i thought she was great um carol kane to me kind of stole the show in the tv show hunters so she makes my list i got charlotte nicado for playing poppy and mythic quest um 
uh, Kristen Malati from both uh, her amazing one episode in Mythic Quest and also in Palm Springs. Christina Applegate just absolutely killed it again in Dead to Me. Uh, Aya Cash, my villain of the year, just absolutely was amazing at being such a hated character. Kate Mara from A Teacher uh, is an honorable mention. Then I got Catherine O'Hare and Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek for just doing fantastic. Uh, I got Sophia Lillis from Uncle Frank. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Juno Temple from Ted Lasso. Allison Bree from BoJack Horseman. Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso. Uh, I only saw one episode, but I got Journey Smollett for Lovecraft Country. And then uh, the two leads from uh, Unpregnant, Haley Lou Richardson and Barbie Ferreria. Oh, uh, she's as- so fu- – I fucking love her. She was – if you've never seen Euphoria, she's so good in Euphoria. I have heard that. Yeah, I have I have heard that. So those are my – those are my Albert mentions. And uh, this was the one that gave me the most trouble. But uh, my third runner-up is Sophie Okonedo from Ratchet. She just plays – she does a great job of depicting uh, multiple, like, split personalities. Uh my second runner-up is Linda Cardellini from Dead to Me. I'm just, I just, she is one of my all-time favorite actresses, and this has literally changed all throughout today. But my first runner-up is Sydney Flanagan, uh, the lead from Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, and it's. I think it's fair. To, like I think it's good to note that she has only has she only has one credit in her entire career, and it's this movie. And I think she carried it amazingly for that being her only film credit she killed it so wow those are my runners up paul i still have not i love dead to me season one i still have not jumped on season two. Oh, you need to jump on that sir did did, did it get greenlit for a final season three i believe so i mm. believe uh season three will be its final season why am i dragging my feet on season two paul i don't know man you just got a lot to do am i a bitch yeah, a lot of you, you watch a lot of stuff I, watch, watch I do stuff. watch a lot of stuff. You're absolutely right. I watch a lot of stuff. I just, I loved that first season. I thought both of them were fantastic. Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. That's so good. Doesn't so Cardellini, doesn't it sound like the name of like a pasta sauce that you would buy in the, in the, in the grocery? It grocery sounds room? so much like that that I knew you were going to say it sounds like that. Yeah. Doesn't well, it like, you know, it's like right next to Bertoli, you've got Cardellini. Well, I, I had to practice so hard because I was on the episode where we reviewed the first season and I said the last name wrong and I got dragged for it. So I really made sure. What? How did you, how did you say, say, how did you say her name the original time? How did you fuck it up? Or Ledini something like something fucked up. He he called her Houdini. I did. Yeah. That's one of the jokes that was said. And then we (laughs) talked about how. It sounds like pasta, so this is all like deja vu. There's wow. a black cat walking. Oh, man, see, seriously, there's nothing new going on in this show. It's just the same recycled bullshit jokes, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a celebration of recycling. It's a, it's a celebration of just me not being able to bring anything new to the table, right? Every year I'm just saying I'm showing up at the same bullshit side dish. Fucking green, green, <laughs> green bean casserole brine is what they call me. <laughs> I'm a little bitch. A I'm a little Thanksgiving bitch. <laughs> what does that even mean? I, no, I think that's why I'm laughing. How absurd that was. Hey, fuck you. It's not it's not the best analogy ever, 
but it was serviceable. It was the delivery for me too. You said it like it was cute. I'm yeah. a little Thanksgiving bitch. I'm a little Thanksgiving bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I say it with my ass up in the air. Like, yeah. yeah with a wink afterwards. <laughs> yeah, bing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Rebecca, what do you got for your honorable mentions here for the best got, uh, female actor of the year? I've got lots of honorable mentions. I'm going to run through them pretty quickly. And then I've got. Two runners up and a wait. Hold on. So the 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 one female feminist we have on the episode has a ton of honorable mentions for female actor of the year. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what? I know. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I'm shocked. Well, at, at least I didn't only pick uh, women directors this year. I did that. Oh my god! Oh my god! You were so pissed. I was. You went, no. You went like you went. You went full Natalie Portman. Like you're at the fucking Oscars that year. Like what the fuck was going on? I had a platform and I used it. I don't know if it did anything, but I I did it. Oh it my! Changed the world. Oh, it I, did. Only. It did. It fucking. I, I don't. I couldn't tell you how many media feeds were reporting on it. Oh yeah. I could, I, leave my house without you know i know paparazzi, you know snapping pictures yeah all right now who do you who do you got for female actor of the year uh so honorable mentions um journey smollett as black canary and birds of prey hold on is uh, if if fucking Kristen wig shows up in this list for, for having fisticuffs you're, you're getting donkey, donkey punched you're getting donkey punched all right calm the fuck down let me read my list um <laughs> Oh my God, Ella J. Vasco as Cassandra Kane in Birds of Prey. I thought she was a real standout in that movie. She was so charming and like um, just real feisty as that character. And I thought she was a real standout in a big cast. Um, and I really enjoyed her performance. Um, Kiki Lane in The Old Guard. Uh, uh, Emma Coven as Lady Diana Spencer in The Crown season four. She really had Diana's like mannerisms and movement down and they gave her like they did her hair just like Diana had they put her in these in these clothes that you would you could easily see Diana wearing at that time period and man did she nail that character of Diana Spencer um Jillian Anderson as Margaret Thatcher in The Crown season 4 Jillian Anderson is practically unrecognizable in that role she looks like margaret thatcher she sounds like margaret thatcher she walks like her she i mean people were raving about like gary oldman when he did that churchill movie and and i agree that he really was absorbed into that role but i think just as much credit should be given to jillian anderson for her work oh you know season four i love fucking jillian anderson let me throw this out there i recently finished uh american god season two oh yeah yeah american god season three is coming out in on january 10th and it was a huge loss to season two to have her replaced as media they brought it rebecca they brought in a new character called new media Mm. And so they replaced Jillian Anderson as media with new media. And it was a, it was, it was one of the most noticeable fucking things from season two that I noticed not having (laughs) Jillian Anderson there. She's such a fucking fantastic actor. You, you know what? Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed all of season one of that show and I did watch some of season two. Um, 
and I I got far enough along that I I know what you're talking about that they replaced her character and I was so disappointed. Yes. I was it was like um it was just such a letdown because she was so good in that first season. Oh god, that like I, yeah. Oh, I couldn't believe they replaced Ugh. her. I was like why she left. Did you she um oh, she I, left the show. I'm oh, pretty sure she I left the show it. because of the original showrunner not being a part of season two. Season yeah. th- season three, I'm looking forward to it. I'm all caught up. I'm ready to go. But my okay. God, they've lost Orlando Jones now in season three. So we'll see no. how. This- I oh know. Oh my God, I'm so bummed. Yeah. I I I got to catch up because I really loved that first season of American Gods. Jump back so. on it. Jump back on it. Fi- I will. Finish it. Finish I, it. I I I want to watch season three and I want to be caught up. The oh. penultimate episode in season two will blow you the fuck away. I promise oh you. Oh my God. Okay. I'm so excited to watch it. Okay. I'm gonna watch it. Oh. <laughs> uh, one more person from The Crown season four, Helena Bonham Carter as Princess Margaret, the Queen's sister. Um. Previously, this character had been played by Vanessa Kirby in seasons one and two, um, and now the character is being played by Helena Bonham Carter for season three and four. Um, as they, as the characters age up, they replace them with different actors rather than do like makeup and stuff. Um, she is so good in this role. She's so dry. She's so biting and and so sarcastic, but she manages to maintain her vulnerability and really just come across really uh, convey to everybody the sadness that princess margaret truly felt in her life of of an unfulfilled life and always living in the shadow of her sister and it's a complex character and i think she does an amazing job with it um and then finally i've got the two uh leads from the movie portrait of lady on fire adele hanel as 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 Heloise and Noemi Merlant as Marianne, the two uh, lead characters, they are on screen probably like they are 90% of the on-screen time of the movie. And the chemistry between them is so organic and so authentic. Um, whether, I don't know how they feel about each other in real life, but as two actors on the screen at the same time, I mean, these two women carried this movie and it, they did an amazing job of it. So those are all my honorable mentions. Um, first runner up is going to be Kate Blanchett as, oh, I forgot an honorable mention. Sorry, real quick. Rose Byrne as Gloria Steinem in Mrs. America. Um, I thought she portrayed that, that real life person incredibly well. Um, first, uh, runner up Kate Blanchett as Phyllis Schlafly in Mrs. America. This was a woman who fought against the Equal Rights Amendment for women. Um, so, like, you you kind of approach the show like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? And, and you almost are predispo- predis- predisposed to hate this person and dislike her character. And as the show goes on, you find yourself questioning, do I really hate her or do I kind of understand where she's coming from? And then you kind of are like, wait a minute, how can I understand where she's coming from? And, and the show is so deep. It really just kind of makes you question all that. I um, watched an episode recently of family, yeah. of family ties. Yeah. And Alex P. Keaton played by Michael J. Fox was against feminism and he was against uh-huh. the, um, oh, oh God, what do they call that movement? I can't remember the, uh, uh, yeah, the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, yeah. and he fucking, and I was like, how did they get away with this show in the in the eighties? Like how 
How did yeah. this, how did everyone not hate Alex P. Keaton in this fucking episode? I was, Rebecca, I was blown away. You gotta watch this fucking episode. I couldn't fucking believe it. Uh, I'll, I'll watch it. I love Family Ties. I watched a lot of it growing up. Um, but like, I, I think the reason why it got away with it was because there were plenty of women that were actually against the ERA. And, and you kind of hear that statement and you go, how can that be possible? But then you you hear their arguments it's or this, how they feel about certain things, and and you kind of understand why. Is it about the family understand. falling apart after traditional gender roles were fine were, were being abolished and shit? I, some of it is that. Yeah, yes. it's fucked up, some, man. Some I, I couldn't believe that Family Ties was fucking tackling this in this episode. But then, <laughs> but then you you also kind of have the issue of like if you don't recognize that you're being oppressed. How do you react when someone tells you you're being oppressed? Yeah. So it's like you've got scenes in Mrs. America where Phyllis Schlafly, played by Kate Blanchett, is like, I don't need an amendment to tell me I have equal rights as my husband. But then in the next scene, she goes to her husband's office because she wants to take out a credit card and he has to sign for her because you couldn't take out a credit card as a woman. Until very recently. Wow. I mean, that's insane that in my lifetime, women could not open, could not have a credit card unless their husband co-signed it. So it's like she doesn't, but in her mind, that's not oppression. It's just the way that it is. So how, and then you've got the other spectrum of Gloria Steinem, who is like championing women's rights. And how can these two women possibly see eye to eye? And you get two incredible performances out of these women. Um, and I'll stop yammering on about it, but, um, definitely watch Mrs. America if you haven't. It is such a good show. That was um, a, that was a, that was a full on yammer. It was. I, I admit it. I was yammering, but you I, know I what? Yammered on. I dropped off of that, uh, off that show after the first episode and it sounds like I need to get back on it. You do. The, the first episode is a bit of a, just a kind of a inch, a slow introduction to the whole thing, but like, you, I, I just, just get back on it. Okay. I really okay. Think I, I love Kate Blanchett. I, I think she's, she's fantastic. Amazing yeah. in this. Um, my other runner up is going to be Mary Wiseman from Star Trek Discovery. She plays Tilly. Um, this character has grown so much from season one to where we are now. Currently in, in season three, uh, Tilly is now the first officer. She's uh, Captain Saru's number one. Um, and to watch this character now have to take on so many things. When, when we met her in the first season, there were people that hated this character. They felt like, is she... And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but there were people who were saying, like, is she on the spectrum? Like, is that what we're supposed to believe about this character? Is she just quirky? Is she annoying? Like, what's her deal? Um, but we've watched Ensign Tilly go from such a divisive character to, like, such an incredibly strong character. Um, I had to definitely uh, mention her for this. So that's my two runner runners up. Very cool. It's a great fucking list, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you so much. I it, it, I worked hard on this one, <laughs> so thank you. Very good. Um, I've got I've got a bunch of uh, honorable mentions here, uh, leading up to my runners up. Um, first honorable mention is Mariel Heller as Alma Wheatley in The Queen's Gambit. Wow, she is a fantastic actor, but. Uh, 
I mean, and, and, and I saw that in this fucking season, uh, in, in this, uh, limited series, what a great actor she is. But like, if you look at Alma Wheatley, just, just as the, as her talent, like not only is she a great actor, but she's also a fantastic director. She's, uh, directed a couple of, uh, great movies here that I really enjoyed. Uh, both of these movies I've, I've, uh, talked about on, uh, past episodes. She directed The Diary of a Teenage Girl. And then she also directed Melissa McCarthy in, uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? And, um, I didn't, I didn't want to leave out those movies because like when you watch her in The Queen's Gambit, She's fucking fantastic, but like, it's like, she's so good at other things too. Mariel Heller. Um, she's a fantastic director, so I wanted to point out that not only is she a great actor, but my god, watch those movies if you haven't seen them. Uh, I didn't realize she directed stuff, those things at all. I had no idea. <laughs> she, Jake, she is so super fucking talented. Like, I loved her in this, in this, uh, limited series on the Queen's Gambit, but like, you know, going back and thinking about like her directorial stuff, she's just as amazing. Um, Zoe Deutsch as Peg Doll in Buffaloed. If you want to watch this movie, you can watch it on Hulu. I highly recommend it. She is so good in Buffaloed. And I also, he doesn't come up in my, um, male actor of the year, but Jai Courtney is also really good in Buffaloed. Um, Aya Cash is Stormfront in season two of The Boys. Aubrey Plaza as Allison in Black Bear. This is a movie that uh, I knew had come out, but like I didn't get access to watch it until Paul hooked me up. Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> um, this may not be one of my favorite movies of the year, but I don't think that you should not watch Black Bear. I do think people should be watching Black Bear, and I think Aubrey Plaza is fucking great in that movie. What an amazing performance by her in Black Bear. Uh, Diane Lane as Margaret Blackledge in Let Him Go. This is, uh, the new, it, like, uh, was it Kevin Costner's in this movie? I gave this a high taste it on, on, on the episode. I'm going to totally change my rating after thinking about this movie more. It's a Tupperware of a film and Diane Lane is one of the reasons that it is a Tupperware. Glenn Close in a movie that's not perfect, but she is awesome as Mama in Hillbilly Elegy. She is so good in that movie. Um, Jordan Christine Seaman as Caitlin slash Harper in We Are Who We Are. This is that show that I talked about on HBO that no one is watching, but everyone should watch. I'm telling you, it is fucking incredible. Rebecca, please do yourself a favor and watch We Are Who We Are. I will watch the show. You have, yes, I will watch the show. I'm telling you, like, this is a show where there, I mean, you've got a young, you've got a young girl who, forms a friendship with a young boy and she can finally be herself and she's think she she there's a part of her that wants to live her life as as a as a as a teenage boy and then maybe as 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 a man and it's this is such a fucking incredible movie and you're talking about this director who did um, call me by your name, which was set in Italy. And then this is like, this is definitely an American cast, but it's set on a, on a American, on a U.S. base that's in Italy. And I was just blown away by this. Um, Martin Scorsese's daughter, Francesca Scorsese is in this and she is super 
good in this fucking series. It's really good. Um, my last honorable mention is Rosie O'Donnell as Lisa Sheffer in I Know This Much Is True. This is another HBO show, uh, the Mark Ruffalo series. Oh my God, Rosie O'Donnell is so fucking good in this. I, I mean, I can, I don't know, I don't know how people feel about Rosie O'Donnell. I don't follow everything that, you know, I mean, she's had some issues or whatever. I don't know. I thought she was fucking great in this series. She was so fucking amazing in this series. So she's my last honorable uh, mention. Um, I've got two runners up. Carrie Mulligan as Cassie in Promising Young Woman. This is the movie that everyone needs to start watching in 2021. If you can find a way to watch Promising, it's out in theaters. If you can find a way to watch Promising Young Woman, please do yourself a favor and watch this fucking movie. Carrie Mulligan is phenomenal in it. Uh, number two is Viola Davis as Ma Rainey in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Oh my God. So good. She is so phenomenal uh, as Ma Rainey in this movie. I loved Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Who on the podcast has watched this movie? Please tell me someone has. I haven't seen it yet. I feel terrible that I haven't, but I have not watched this movie yet. Yeah, I need to see this. Um, I've heard so much good things about Chadwick Boseman's appearance in it. Same. Shame on all of you. No, I know. <laughs> ring the bell. I know. I, 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 yes, ring the Game of Thrones shame bell. <laughs> please, please do yourself a favor. Watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Viola Davis's performance is absolutely amazing. All right, let's get to our winners. Female actor ooh, of the year. Ooh, I have some runner-ups myself. Oh, who are your runner-ups? I have three runner-ups before we get to the uh, the winner. Um, I want to give my third runner-up to uh, Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan in The Mandalorian. I just think it's really fucking awesome that this was a character that she voiced on an animated series. And then almost a decade later, she actually gets to bring to real life in a live-action series. And I thought she pulled it off well. I just think that's really fucking cool how that all worked out for her. I know she's a big fan. I don't think that's something she ever expected to get a play as a live action character. I, I just think it's really fucking cool. Um, my second runner up is Lauren Lapkiss for the wrong Missy. Uh, this is a movie on paper that should have just been dumb as fuck, but I thought it was elevated to another level by how just fucking hilarious Lauren Lapkiss was in this role. She, she just stole this movie for me. And I, I don't know if this would have been a good movie with any other actress doing this, doing this kind of stuff. And, um, my first runner up is Marissa Tomei from the King of Staten Island. She played uh, Pete Davidson's mom in this movie. And um, in many ways I thought was the heart of this movie and just the performance she gave and dealing with the patience of her fucking, you know, delinquent son and all the stuff he was doing and not doing was just such a level of uh, patience and temperament and, I just thought this character was just so great in this movie. So those are my three runner-ups. Boom. Nice. Yeah, Lauren Lapkus, man. I love that choice, dude. Yeah, I think it's so cool. I don't I don't know if any of us had any repeat choices on any of our honorable mentions and runner-ups on this category. So I think that's really awesome. I think some of it is like we all watch different things. Like I didn't watch the – I haven't watched The Crown. I haven't watched any of The Crown, to be quite honest with you. So – yeah, yeah, I've seen it out of the corner of my eye. Michelle loves that show. Yeah, yeah. All right, who is our number one female actor of the year? Paul. 
yeah, I guess I'm going to break uh, everything and I'm going to do a, like a repeat, but uh, I'm going with Aubrey Plaza as Allison and Black Bear. Like uh, you said, is not, she's so it good. Is, dude, it is not a perfect movie, but it doesn't even matter because whenever she she just commands your attention. She can go from laughing to just having a full-out mental breakdown and following her as, you know, April Ludgate to now seeing her just fucking... She put on a tour de force, and I was just completely blown away by it. So Aubrey Plaza is my female act. Dude, it, does that movie not demand, like, a discussion afterwards? Dude, yeah, it does. And I've had nobody to talk to about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those things. Like, and even on this episode, we can't really spoil it. But, like, no, the closest no. thing that I can kind of compare it to – oh, God, I don't even want to compare it. There are twists in this movie and then – there's definitely a discussion that that's to be had after you watch black bear of like, oh, yeah. what and it's one that's going to stick with you for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but she is, she's, she's the best in it. So yeah, she's, it was an easy pick with her. Uh, she's so good. She is so good, Paul. She's so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, who's your number one? <clears throat> Can you imagine if I said it was Kristen Wiig as Cheetah? I'm gonna no seriously. I'm going it's to. Not, it's I, not. I, I, <laughs> you should have kept. You should have kept that up. I, know, right? <laughs> I keep. I keep punch. thinking to myself that she was one of your honorable mentions, and you just said, "Fuck it." I'm not handle. I'm not going to even try to take Brian on. In my imagination, she crossed it off the list too. So I do. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like she was there, and Rebecca was like, "I'm not even going to go there with this." motherfucker this episode not worth it for an hour it's not like pick and choose my battles and this is not one of them right now (laughs) (laughs) i will neither confirm nor deny that statement (laughs) it's true all right my for real though my number one pick um is going to be anya taylor joy as emma in the movie emma um so yes it's definitely a jane austen adaptation which May, some people may be like, eh, that's not for me. Fair enough. Um, but the character of Emma is on the surface a very silly character. She just seems to be like a very almost empty-headed girl who just spends her day doing stupid shit like, like matchmaking her friends. And um, But at the core of Emma is a person who is longing to find someone who is her equal so that she can try to have a a somewhat of a relationship Um, and it's the story of her trying to find that person but also being ready to say well if I don't find you know the guy that is worthy of me as a person then I'll be single for the rest of my life because I'd rather do that than and be with someone who's not who's not for me Um, I think that she does a really great job of bringing depth to this character and I also think that she does a great job of of just having this multi-layered performance. Um, I really love her work, Anya Taylor-Joy. I think she should be in more things. I want her to be in everything. Um, and I really love her and Emma. And if you haven't seen Emma, I really recommend you see it. Um, it's got some beautiful costume work if you're into like costumes and period pieces. Um, and even if you're not, 
I would say go out on a limb and give this movie a shot because it's really got a very modern feel. Um, and I think her performance is just absolutely stand out here. Number one, I'm going to edit this so that it's you just talking about Kristen Wiig in Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> <laughs> just take material from the Wonder Woman episode. Right. Number two, number two, is this, Emma, I did not see this. I remember when it was in theaters, I had ample time to watch this in theaters and I did not watch it. Is this available on Hulu? I want to say yes. Um, It is a possibility that it's available on Hulu. If not, it might be on Amazon Prime. I'm going to have to check, Rebecca. Check right now. Yeah. Um, Hmm. It, it, it's on HBO Max. It's on HBO Max, people. You can watch it's Emma. It's on HBO Max. You can watch it uh, if you have a subscription to HBO Max. This looked like a comedy when you watch the trailers. Yeah, I mean, the story of Emma is is a... It, it is a comedy. Um, it's not as heavy as some of you know Jane Austen's other works. I would say it definitely is presented as more of a comedy. Jake, would you agree with me if I said that the name Emma sounds like an old lady's name, but also a name that women today would like to name their young babies like it's coming back? I would agree with that. I I mean, me and you are the most like professional people to ask when it comes to that type of <laughs> so I think it's set in stone that that is a true statement now that we both Dude, I totally think it sounds like an old lady's name, but on the flip side, like 2021, bringing it back for young little babies. <laughs> uh, in 2013, Emma was the third choice for Hazel, so dad's yeah, definitely a thing. Really, Paul? That was you, you that was the third choice to name your daughter. Yeah, it was Ariel first, and then something happened in Cleveland that we're like, fuck that. And then it was Emma, and then we read uh, Brian K. Vaughn's uh, saga and named her after Hazel. I thought you named it after the 1950s sitcom Hazel after that what? Are you guys familiar with the Hazel sitcom? Yes. Okay. Yes, All yes, right. So. Thank you. Yeah. Was, I thought you just, named it after the Bugs Bunny villain, Witch Hazel. <laughs> <laughs> because for like for like two years, we were asked if we named her after that 1950s TV show. Yeah. Like, she was, yeah, totally. That's what we did. She was the maid on this show. It was like before Mr. Belvedere or something. I don't know. I'm gonna if I ever have a kid, I'm gonna name my child Mr. Belvedere. That's the kid's name. <laughs> Mr. Belvedere. Like, like I'm not leaving the Mister out. Like that's part of the name. It's gonna be Mr. Belvedere, all one word. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, Jake. The, who's your number one? My number one is also Anya Taylor-Joy um, for Queen's Gambit, for New Mutants, for Emma, just for... For New Mutants? Just for her whole year. I, I thought she did fine in that movie. It's it's just her whole, like, elevating year I'm giving it to her for. Oh, God, Jake. I Like, I the respect level that I had for you... Oh. <laughs> it's a celebration, though, right? Celebration. It's a celebration. Yeah. I, I didn't celebration. give it to her solely for New Mutants, but that it's just, you know. I get it. She was the best out. part of New Mutants, right? Oh, easily. 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 Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just got to give it. I mean, I don't know what more I can say that Rebecca said. I mean, just such a breakout year 
for Anya. Um, can't wait to see what's coming in 2021. Hopefully there is stuff coming for her. I don't know if she got shut down and, you know, participating in filming any more shows or movies in the upcoming year. Bring um, her back really- as magic in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Make it happen. Yeah, that's the place to do it. Either there or the Spider-Man movie where everyone is apparently welcome. Yeah, no sh- Everybody's showing up in Spider-Man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Guys, I'm in Spider-Man 3. I didn't want to say anything, but it's been confirmed. I am now in Spider-Man 3. Rebecca, <laughs> listen to this shit. You're in Spider-Man 3. Guess what? Guess who? Uh, Billy Mays from OxyClean, who died fucking 10 years ago. <laughs> is- <laughs> we have some things together. It's going to be interesting. Every anchor from 2020 is going to make their return in the new Spider-Man oh, down. <laughs> <laughs> It was his uh, his last role before he passed in July. So. <laughs> oh my god. Fucking everybody's coming back to Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Somehow the Emperor returned. I fucking, Spider-Man. Yeah, the Emperor's returned in Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Alfred, Mo- Al- Alfred Molina was in, uh, I talked about Promising Young Woman. Alfred Molina is in that movie. Oh really? Yeah, he played Doc Ock in Spider Man Two. I fucking I I, about to say he played Doc Ock in Promise. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dude, it's, wow, it's crazy. It's, it's fucking crazy what the MCU is doing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> They're really branching out. <laughs> my number one, my number one female actor of the year is Anya Taylor Joy as Beth Harmon in The Queen's Gambit. I I fucking think she's just phenomenal. She's she's got like this. Doesn't she have like a classic Hollywood look to her, Jake? I completely agree. I completely agree. I just can't stop thinking about how if we wouldn't have had Paul on this episode, it would have been a clean sweep for Anya Taylor Joy. I, I fucked yeah. everything up. I, <laughs> I, know. I know. He fucking he's got to got to bring up Aubrey Plaza. She was so good. You know, you know, my favorite plaza, my favorite plaza though is Nakatomi Plaza from Die Hard. How did I not see that coming? Check this out. Check this out. This is for a fucking Hallmark card for like the, you know, like, like for a Hallmark card. A picture of fucking uh, Alan Rickman falling off Nakitomi, Nakatomi Plaza, and underneath it says, "I'm falling for you." Yes, yes, I would buy that. <laughs> That's fucking awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it needs to move. It needs to be one of those moving cards. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> totally. No, Anya Taylor Joy as Beth Harmon in the Queen's Gambit. I've been a fan of her since Thoroughbreds. I loved her in Thoroughbreds, and I've always wanted to see her explode as an actor after watching Thoroughbreds, and to see her in uh, The Queen's Gambit, she was just absolutely phenomenal, and I can't get that performance out of my goddamn brain. She was so goddamn good. Best Male Actor of the Year. Best Male Actor in a Film. Talk to me. Who are your uh, honorable mentions? Oh, man, this one is also very tough. Um, I know Rebecca has seen this, and we might have very different 
uh, picks for this one. But from uh, when I think about the trial of the Chicago 7, they had so much stacked talent, but there was two performances that just really jumped out at me for an honorable mention. That is Jeremy Strong and Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, I think they, in a, in a movie just full of so much talent, those two guys just kind of stole the movie for, you know, from like Mark Rylance and, and Frank Langia. Uh, I do got Robbie at Mel for upload. I thought he was really charming that, um, yeah, he's great. I think he, out of the, out of the two of Mel, uh, two, they're not brothers, they're cousins, but out of the two of Mel's, Robbie is like the, uh, is the better of the two, in my opinion, when it comes to acting. Is Steven the other one? Steven is his cousin, yes. Yeah. I've never even seen the other guy, but he's the better one. He's Steven's <laughs> the guy from <laughs> Steven's the guy from Arrow, Jake. Yeah, yeah, I stand by what I said. You talk, <laughs> he was fucking Casey Jones in the Okay. <laughs> you're out of your fucking Jake. mind. Jake and he feuded with uh Stardust in the WWE. Come on, man. You're out of your oh, mind, Jake. That. You're out there of your you fucking go. mind. <laughs> Robbie is so much better. Yeah, I know. I agree. That's oh, okay. I thought you were disagreeing. I thought you were saying I've, said, I've only seen Steven, but I already know that what you're saying is true. <laughs> oh, okay. You've never seen God damn it. You like Robbie is so good. I loved him in uh did you ever got did you guys watch the the uh the the movie The Duff? No. Oh, the designated God. ugly fat friend movie? That's it. Yes. He was so good in that movie. He was also in Desperados this year. Oh, Desperados is garbage. <laughs> I know, but... <laughs> Desperados is absolutely terrible. Is that the sequel to the Robert Rodriguez classic? No. No, it's not. No, no but they have a kid named Nolan Ryan Felipe. <laughs> Nolan Ryan Felipe. <laughs> that was the funniest part of that movie. Oh, man. Okay, I'm just going to keep going here. Um... Uh, I got Jim Parsons uh, from Hollywood, uh, J.K. Simmons from Palm Springs. Uh, you know, I really loved his uh, arc in, in that movie. Uh, I thought Jack Wade and Carl Urban uh, were just amazing in The oh, Boys. Oh, God, yes. Uh, Ethan Hawke, I know Jake hit on it. Uh, Ethan Hawke is doing some of his best stuff in The Good Lord Bird. Uh, Paul Bettany for Uncle Frank. Um, oh, he was so good in that movie. I loved Uncle Frank. Dude, yeah. Uh, I got movie. F. Murray Abraham from Mythic Quest. Uh, I just loved how he was the gay, he was the guy that wrote the scripts from the game that just didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Uh, Jake Johnson from Mythic Quest and Hoops. Uh, Andre Brower from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, Nick Robinson, who's getting a lot of work, uh, but I loved him in A Teacher. Um, oh, he Davidson. was so good. He was good in uh, Love, Simon. Oh, he was. He I've been was. I've been a big fan of Nick Robinson. I'm I'm waiting for this kid to blow the fuck up. Like he started off in in, in uh, Melissa and Joey, the the fucking Melissa Joan Hart <laughs> and Joey Lawrence, fucking uh, you know ABC Family show. And I could tell, like this kid, there was something special with him. And then he gets that gig in fucking Jurassic World, and like he wasn't the best part of that movie, but. I think Nick Robinson is a fucking phenomenal actor. Yeah, he's he, he was fantastic in this. He was this is his best work to date, and I do love love Simon, but he just put on a he put on a fucking clinic in here. Uh, I do got Pete Davidson for the King of Staten Island. Uh, 
Ben Wishaw uh, playing Rabbi in the fourth season, of, the fourth season of Fargo, um, which was absolutely phenomenal. Pedro Pascal in The Mandalorian. Uh, God, I'm gonna say his name. Jahai Diallo in Charm City Kings. I thought he was fantastic as Mouse. Just put on a great uh, show. Uh, last honorable mention is Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Anthony Starr too in The Boys. Um, and now for the runners up, I got Peter McDesey as Walid and Uncle Frank. Uh, Paul Bettany was great, but uh, his boyfriend, played by Peter McDesey, uh, is just fucking amazing. I loved him. He was so fucking fantastic in that movie. Oh, I loved him so much. If I seriously, if I was gay, that's the guy I want to date. Exactly. He was so. He was so amazing in in that movie. Um, my second runner-up, this one was tough. Uh, I have purposely tried to stay away from the King of Staten Island being the son of a deceased fireman. I knew it was going to be tough, but, man, dude, uh, Bill Burr is my second uh. runner-up for uh, the King of Staten Island. That was He was pretty much playing my dad oh, wow. in that movie. Uh, so it really hit close to home, but Bill Burr was just, you know, he was the flawed character that just wanted to do the right thing, and he was looking out for the people that he cares about. And it was just, yeah, Bill Burr did a did a great fucking job in uh, the King of Staten Island. How can you, and, Jake? Uh, how can people not like Paul? Just give it time. Is that a oh, Jake? <laughs> I was about to be like, everybody loves Paul, and Jake's like, yeah, give it Everyone loves Paul. Like, how could anyone not like Paul? Like, I understand why people have such a a hatred for me. I, I... <laughs> I'll give I'll give Paul this. He's he's better than the alien movie named Paul. Oh, thank you know what, Jake? I will take. That. Oh wow, you're, <laughs> will take you're better than the Simon Pegg movie from fucking seven or eight years ago or whatever the fuck, right? <laughs> right yeah, Le- yeah, leagues ahead of that. Well, I appreciate that, but but not as good as the parrot in the movie Polly. I, I I totally understand. Got it. You're um, not as good as Polly from Rocky. Well, I mean, who will be? I know. Yeah, or, just or Polly Shore. Oh God! Oh, come yeah. on, dude! You just come on. We's the juice. All right, we um, ease the juice, buddy. buddy. Uh, all right, my first runner up is Adam Brody in the Kid Detective. Ah, uh, thank you. Where did the fuck did that movie come from? Where the fuck? It, it's such a hilarious yet really fucking dark, twisted right. movie. So I think everyone needs to experience that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Oh my God. Please, everybody, watch the Kid Detective. Make sure that you watch the Kid Detective. I am not even kidding you. This movie kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I absolutely. That's a great choice, Paul. Fantastic choice, uh, Rebecca. What do you got for best male actor of the year? Oh, I got a couple honorable mentions here. Um, Michael B. Jordan as Brian Stevenson in Just Mercy. Uh, this one is kind of a weird one. Um, Colin Farrell as coach from the movie The Gentleman. I didn't really care for that movie that much. I have but I thought- so much respect for you right now, Rebecca. Oh, my God. Thank you. Seriously. Seriously. I know your thoughts on this movie. I've, I've, I've seen your thoughts on here. Oh, my God. I have so much respect for you right now. Well, thank you. 
thank you very much. I know um, your I know your thoughts on this movie, but like like this is also like Rebecca. This is like game recognizing game. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What one hundred percent? Oh my god, go no, keep going. I apologize. Fucking no, that's you're fine. Aw- um, you, Rebecca. You are fucking awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Don't forget, we still have comic book movie of the year. I know, I know. Um, yeah. So, okay, the gentleman. I was not a big fan of this movie. Uh, to be fair, I am not a fan of a lot of Guy Ritchie's work. I felt like this. If you've seen, and you know what, if you want to at me, you can at me. I feel like if you've seen one Guy Ritchie movie, you've seen them all. I'm kind of in that camp. Um, but in a movie full of performances that I was just like rolling my eyes at, at a movie that I was just like, well, why did I watch this movie? Colin Farrell as coach really stood out to me. He plays a character of a guy who like takes in kids from the street and they, they love him. Like they, these kids would give their life for him. And when some of his kids get into some trouble, he gets involved to try to get them out of trouble. And his, his screen time is limited in the movie compared to everybody else. But in, in a movie that I just thought was like a whatever movie, I thought he had a very standout performance and it really surprised me for Colin Farrell because it's Colin Farrell. I'm fucking, and, I am in, I am in awe of you right oh, now. I'm gosh. not even, this is not, this is not hyperbole. I am fucking like, you're, oh my God, Rebecca. Like, seriously, <laughs> like, like, this is why I have you on these episodes. Oh, th- well, for, oh my gosh. Thank you so much. For choices like this, because I, I know this is hard for you, because I know like this is not like your favorite movie, but you recognize Colin Farrell's performance oh, in that movie. 100%. I will absolutely say that in a movie that I did not like, he – I liked him in that movie. Oh my um, – Rebecca, you're fucking awesome. You are fuck- – <laughs> you are the fucking queen of the leftover army right oh now to me. Oh my god. Stop. Okay. I can't, um, I can't say this enough. Like, I am blown away right now by fucking your, your choices. You're awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, uh, let's see. A couple more here. Uh, Pedro Pascal is the Mandalorian. Um, really enjoyed his work, of course. Um, Doug Jones is Captain Saru in Star Trek Discovery. Doug Jones has made a, an entire career of playing like the creature in so many <laughs> films. Um, and he kind of, he does it here again in, in Discovery. He wears like this crazy, these crazy shoes or feet prosthetic, whatever they're called, that he has to wear for his character. Um, and the way that he has again evolved from season one to now but especially this season he's just killing it as captain saru on discovery i really really um i really like like i really love his work in that role um jason sudeikis as ted lasso um and i just want to shout uh, paul i really appreciate that you um gave an honorable mention to sasha baron cohen in the trial of chicago seven because um when it comes to sasha baron cohen i feel like He's like a Jack Black type character. If it's just a little bit too much, it's way too much. And he surprised me in that movie of how good he was in that role. And he, and he was played such a, he played the character by funny, sarcastic and serious. I thought he did a great job. I'm so glad that you brought that out. Um, and then I have two runner-ups here. Uh, I have Chris Evans as Andy Barber in Defending Jacob. Um, 
defending Jacob, and I said it, uh, I said it before, I think it's some of his, I think it's his best work since doing Captain America, and I loved him in Knives Out, but I still think this is his best work since, since leaving the role of Captain America. I gotta finish that series, Rebecca. I haven't, you got to! I know. It's so, it's so good. good! It is so, so good. good. Playing the character he plays, he's a DA in Boston. His son is accused of a crime. Um, and, and the thing, and it really becomes what will a parent do to save their child? And he, will he cross certain lines or won't he? And he's got pressure from his wife. He's got pressure from the community. The son is keeping secrets. I mean, there's, it's such a complex role. It would be easy to just let it fall into a tropey thing. But I think he does a really great job of playing a character and it's such a serious role. Um, I, I just, I can't praise enough. If you've got Apple TV, I really highly recommend Defending Jacob, um, as a miniseries to watch. My other runner up is going to be Sir Patrick Stewart for Jean-Luc Picard. Um, I gushed about Picard earlier, so I won't do that again, but, um, just watching him slip right back into that role, but as an older and a different man is just a treat. It's a, it's a, He's putting on such a fucking acting clinic on that show. I absolutely love him as Jean-Luc Picard. And um, that's it for all my uh, runners-up. Oh, my God. You fuck, You never cease to amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even fucking joking right now, Jake. I'm, I'm, I'm in fucking awe no, of Rebecca I, I, right I now. I took you completely sincere the entire time. You never cease to amaze me. This is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not even kidding you. Rebecca, you're fucking amazing. These are, those are great oh my choices. Goodness. Just stop. I'm, I know, I know. I don't fucking like the gush and gaw, like, like, but here I am doing it. I'm fucking like, I can't believe that I have such an amazing fucking friend that's just so, that's, that, that's a, that, that's critical, but also fucking recognizes just great talent. This, that's fucking awesome. Jake, what do you got? Uh, I've got three runner-ups and an honorable mention. I'm going to throw my honorable mention in the middle here. You'll see why. Um, my third runner-up is going to be Ethan Hawke for Good Lord Bird. I just thought it was a career-defining performance on a show that I don't think many people will even ever see. So uh, I know we've brought it up quite a bit here. People I, need to watch it. It's fucking great. Yeah, it's worth the Showtime subscription, I think, just for Good Lord Bird. Get it for a month. The series and then get rid of it. And then fucking wait for Halo to come out with fucking Pablo fucking Schreiber. No, yeah, Halo is going to be, whether it's good or bad, it's definitely going to be an event. You got to watch it. It's an event. Absolutely. Uh, My second runner up is going to be Jahi Diallo Winston, who played Mouse in Charm City Kings. Nice. uh, Paul brought this up as an honorable mention, too. Um, He was just so good. He, He just carried this movie so well. And I'm going to bring up my honorable mention now, who is uh, Meek Mill, who played Blacks in uh, Charm City Kings as well. I, I thought there was just such an amazing character that was driven by the performance. You kind of thought he was a giant scumbag at the beginning, and he turns out to be something completely different by the end. So just a great performance. And then my, my first runner-up is going to be Riz Ahmed for uh, The Sound of Metal. Um, yeah. I have, wow. Well, thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you. I, I have upgraded this movie to a Tupperware. I, I watched it a second time the week yes. after we reviewed it just to kind of revisit it. And yeah, I mean, man, the sound mixing in this fucking movie too. If we did, a, yeah. I don't know. We, I know we don't do technical awards, but if we did a sound mixing award, the, the Tupperware would go to Sound of Metal. Just fucking amazing sound mixing in this yeah. movie. But yeah, Riz Ahmed just 
what a fucking performance in this movie. Oh, God. Riz Ahmed was fucking incredible in Sound of Metal. Paul, have you seen Sound of Metal? I have not. I am so pissed about that. I have not seen it, no. Rebecca. No, I'm sorry. I haven't seen it. Amazon Prime, get on that shit. Okay. I'm not kidding you. It is phenomenal. It should not be left out of any conversation of 2020. Sound of Metal is a fantastic movie. I've got some honorable mentions. First honorable mention is going to be Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso in Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. Plus. I can't... I, I, Jesus Christ, we've been sucking this guy's dick the entire fucking episode. <laughs> all year. <laughs> shit. But, you know. Uh, Tom Pelfrey as Ben Davis on Ozark Season 3. Oh, my God. I, I'm surprised that Ozark Season 3 didn't come up for Best TV Show. I didn't even bring it up myself. But I loved Tom Pelfrey as Ben Davis in Ozark Season 3. I love Tom Pelfrey. The best part of the Iron Fist series, both seasons. Uh, Mark Ruffalo as both Dominic and Thomas Birdsey in HBO's I Know This Much Is True. Uh, Colin Farrell as coach in The Gentleman, Rebecca. Oh my God, I love that you did the same thing. That's, I was blown away because like, I know your thoughts on this movie. Like, you know, like I follow you on Twitter and I've seen... And I know that you weren't the biggest fan of the movie, and I know you're not a big fan of Guy Ritchie, but I thought Colin Farrell put on a clinic in that movie. He was fantastic. 100%. So 100%. Good. Like, every time he's on screen, you can't help but be like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is Colin Farrell. Yeah. Like, he, where, where's his talent been hiding I know. all this time? <laughs> well, I haven't really been blown away by Colin Farrell in a performance since his first movie that I remember watching, Tigerland. I love Tigerland. If you've never seen Tigerland, do yourself a favor and watch Tigerland. It is an incredible movie. Uh, Have you seen him in Killing of a Sacred Deer? No, I haven't. That's a really weird movie. It's from the same director that did Lobster, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was the same guy that that did The Lobster. The Lobster. He has like a – I think he's he's Greek. He has a – I'm blanking on the director's name. That movie is really weird. Um, but Colin Farrell is in it, and he plays a very interesting character. You might want to check that out. The Just most kind of the most yeah. Greek name that I can think of is Papadopoulos from Webster. <laughs> George Papadopoulos. Probably not that, but um, yeah, it, it, it is an odd movie, and it's 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 purposely done that way. Like the director makes odd films, but like. Um, I, I think his performance in there is very interesting. I love. And I think it's worth checking it out. I love Mediterranean foods. Me too. Gyros. Mm, <laughs> I love gyros, but not only gyros, but I love just like all the different oils and stuff that they put on like the foods. It's good for your skin. It's really good for your skin, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 My last honorable mention is Riz Ahmed uh, as Ruben in Sound of Metal. This movie is phenomenal. And Riz Ahmed uh, elevates this movie um, to an amazing level. I loved Riz Ahmed in this. Um, I've got uh, two runners up. Uh, number uh, my, my first runner up is going to be Jack Dylan Grazer 
as Frasier in We Are Who We Are. And I can, again, I cannot stress enough. This is the show on HBO that no one's watching that everyone should be talking about. It is phenomenal. And Jack Dylan Grazier, you'll remember him as, uh, Billy Batson's friend in the Shazam movie. Um, the, the young kid that had like the, the crutches that he would walk on. Oh and yeah. In, okay. Wait until it too, right? Is he in it? Yeah, I think he's the one that says like those are fucking gazebos. He's the one. He's like he's like what is it? You st- what is it? That remember is that no, that's Faith No More. That's a song. That's Faith No More. <laughs> I'm thinking of a song from Faith No More from like 1989. What the fuck, Jake? I don't know what happened. You want it all, I started headbanging, but I you tried. can't have it. Yeah, 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 it's in your face, but you can't grab it. Jack Dylan Grazer. Um, number two, my, 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 my next runner up, Ben Affleck as Jack Cunningham in The Way Back. Uh, this follows an alcoholic construction worker who is uh, recruited to become a head coach of the basketball team at the high school he was uh, attending and uh, he threw it all away he threw away his fucking um college career and his future maybe as an nba hopeful and um comes back to the team to coach it's an underdog story and he comes back and he coaches the team that hasn't made it to like the um the playoffs and um the you know the state championships since uh he was since he was a student since he played the game Ben Affleck was amazing in this movie and I know that you know Ben Affleck has not always had like the best performances and stuff I mean we can talk about um was it uh what was that movie Gone Baby Gone what was it Jake Gone Girl Gone girl, gone girl, gone baby, gone. Uh, I did. <laughs> gone, gone girl. We can talk about Gone Girl, and like he wasn't the best part of Gone Girl, but he was still good. But like this, Ben Affleck was fucking incredible in the way back. I saw this in the theater early in the year. I think back in early March, and I was blown away by his performance, and it really stuck with me throughout the entire year. This was really hard for me. Um, to, to, it was, it was, it was wild to put him before like Riz Ahmed and, and some of these other people that I've mentioned before, even Jack Dylan Grazer from Frasier, uh, as Frasier in We Are Who We Are, but Ben Affleck's performance as Jack Cunningham in The Way Back was just absolutely phenomenal. So I've got to give it up to Ben Affleck. I think he did a great job in that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of this year. And it's on uh, HBO Max. If you have not seen this, I would highly recommend it. If you love underdog stories and if you love basketball, I highly recommend that you watch The Way Back. It is really good. Let's get to our best male actor of the year. Paul, who do you got? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I This one took me by surprise, but it was a performance I could not shake it uh this movie came out perfectly when uh quarantine was kind of in full swing and i remember just being a fan of the lonely island and uh you know serenade live and then watching to see him just 
go toe to toe with Andre Brower, but my male actor of the year is Andy Samberg for Palm Springs. Uh, I think it was a tough, you know, like when you hear the synopsis, you automatically get Groundhog Day in your head and the charm that he had in that while also being so serious of his situation, just I could not stop like wanting to see what he was going to do in that movie and his whole scene with uh, him and J.K. Simmons at the end at his house. I don't know what like, you know, I've always been a fan of the dick in the box, but to see him just kind of come full circle to now being like a pretty goddamn good actor, I got to give it to Andy Samberg as my actor of the year. Wow. That's awesome, Paul. That's awesome. I'm shocked. Wow. That's a a bold choice, sir. Yeah, I love that movie. It's a great movie. Rebecca, who would you give it to? Yeah, my number one is going to be George McKay as Lance Corporal Schofield in 1917. Um, You know, I there's so many good performances to pick from this year, but his performance just stuck with me. Like, when I when I wrote notes on 1917 when I saw it at the at late last year I went back to those notes and the thing that just stood out to me was how often I talked about this guy and this character and this actor and and what his performance meant to me and um, so yeah I, I had to give it to him um, I I hope we see this guy in more stuff um, because I just thought he did such an amazing job he is on screen by himself for a lot of the movie and or even just interacting with other characters very minimally he's really the guy who's carrying a lot of this movie and he did it i mean he did an amazing job of it so yeah he's my number one number one awesome uh jake who do you got Uh, i've got bill burr for my actor of the year for both king of staten island and the mandalorian i, I just who knew yeah. this guy had it in him i mean i honestly i hope he gets a nomination for real like a real oscar nomination for at least king of staten island uh, he was just so fucking good in that movie um his performance honestly brought me to tears and i don't even have anywhere near the connection to this you know story that like paul has but yeah, just what a fucking moving performance. And, yeah, I mean, you kind of brought it up talking about him in The Mandalorian earlier where, you know, he's a villain in season one, but maybe the biggest hero of season two. Yeah. And just the look in his eyes, that whole scene when they're, you know, having coffee or whatever with the other uh, Imperial officer and just the look on his face, you know, mm-hmm. kind of getting that PTSD going on and just – what a fucking performance. Like, he d- doesn't even have any lines, and you can see exactly what's happening inside of this character's brain. If you're not well, if you're not listening to the Monday Morning Podcast with Bill mm-hmm. Burr, you're missing out. You're missing out. You are missing out. He, it's a one-man podcast. Every once in a while, he'll have somebody on with him. A lot of the times, he'll have his wife on with him. And, I, Paul, do you listen? Yeah, I, I haven't listened to anything recently, but, yeah, I always used to love – listening to at work where he would just, you know, kind of go on his screaming rants for a while. But Jake, they're a fucking great pick, man. You know, honestly, I've never even been the biggest, I don't dislike Bill Burr by any means, but I've, he's never been one of my favorite comedians. And it's kind of taken me by surprise how much I've enjoyed his acting in the last year and a half. He is probably my favorite stand up comic working yeah, today. I- 
I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It just has never been my cup of tea. So I, I wasn't preconditioned to just love this guy when he started doing these, these acting jobs. He's now, you know, he's got, Boy, he's, I do. He's got a beautiful wife and now he's got a family, uh, you know, recently had a child and everything. And I love listening to the, mor- the Monday morning podcast. I, you know, I don't even follow football when he starts, but when he starts talking about football, I fucking get a kick out of it. The same thing with Daniel Tosh. Like Daniel Tosh talks about football and shit. I don't follow football, but just their passion for it. Just, I love it. I love Bill Burr. That's a great fucking pick. I love it. I fucking love it. Oh, so great. Oh man. My number one pick is going to be, uh, Chadwick Boseman as Levy from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Nice. Um, this is the last year that I'll ever be able to choose Chadwick Boseman for anything. Yeah, we'll get to see a little bit of voice acting from him next year in the I know. Uh, What If series. I know, but like, is that going to be like to, to the level of what he did in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? Most likely not. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's going to, it's probably going to devastate me hearing him and stuff like that. But like, man, his performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was just absolutely incredible. Um, and if you know the scene, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where he's talking about his past and, uh, he's talking about, you know, like the, the men coming into his home and, and the scene with his mother and stuff like that. Like it is, uh, one of the most, um, uh, incredibly acted scenes that I've, and, and to think that this guy put on this performance knowing in the back of his head that like he might not win this battle with, uh, pancreatic cancer is just like how in the world did this guy have the year that he had like with the five bloods and then this and just just this guy is just taken from us way too fucking soon he is my black panther and he always will be my back black panther i don't care who they cast as the next black panther to take over the mantle chadwick boseman is my king of Wakanda, and he always will be. And he was just masterful in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And this is a movie that anybody can watch right now on Netflix. And I highly recommend that as soon as this, as soon as you stop listening to this episode, that you get on Netflix and you give this a chance. You're going to see some amazing performances. Um, in that, uh, in that movie, it's, 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 it's really, it's, it's really awesome. It's really good. Um, so Chadwick Boseman is my, is my male actor of the year. Um, what's, uh, somebody got something to say? No, oh, that's a great pick. All right, cool. I thought so. Let's move on. We got two more. <laughs> we got two, we got two more left. Let's, uh, let's knock these out. Best comic book movie of the year. Pop Culture Leftovers, best comic book movie of the year. Big man in a suit armor. Take that away. What are you? Genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. <laughs> Why are you here? There must be a reason for you to be here. Yes. I'm here to fight for truth and justice in the American way. I want you to do me a favor. You to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. Other than our comic book selections, this is probably the saddest category of the fucking oh, year. man. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> right? We don't have an end game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
I don't know. Let's do it. What do you got, Paul? I just have a runner. I've only seen three comic book movies. Did you watch them all this morning? No, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jake. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, Jake. Oh, Jake, you rascal. Oh, you you little scamp, you. You little scamp. Um... My runner-up, I've only seen three, so I have a runner-up and a, and a winner. So my runner-up is uh, Red Sun, um, the animated Superman movie. I had a, you know, I'm not the biggest Superman guy, but seeing the whole what-if thing of him going to Russia and, you know, Batman really giving it to him and his whole thing with Wonder Woman, it was just a lot of fun uh, to watch. So Red Sun is my runner-up for comic kind of movie there. There you go. Um, Rebecca. Um, I have a, I have one honorable mention, uh, and I've got one runner up. Um, honorable mention, I'm going to give it to the old guard on Netflix, the, uh, movie based on the graphic novel of the same name by Greg Rucka. Um, I thought it was a really great story. Um, I do enjoy Greg Rucka's writing and, um, I thought the performances were very good. I mean, not sort of your typical comic book movie. It's not a Cape and Cow movie, but I thought uh, for a movie based on a graphic novel comic, I thought it was very good. Um, and my runner-up is Wonder Woman 1984. You don't want to elaborate a little bit more on that one? Uh, well, I... <laughs> <laughs> is one of my favorite comic book writers i need to see red sun i it's one of my favorite i've read the book multiple times i own the hardback of it and i still haven't watched the animated movie and to hear you guys bring it up a couple times now means they must have did it justice it's really fucking good dude so good man i need to fucking check that shit out um i've just got a runner-up and a winner here uh my runner-up is bloodshot um one of the biggest surprise movies of the year, honestly, that it was enjoyable at all. It Just was, yeah. so fucking fun. Um, I don't think we'll ever get a sequel, but I would sure be there opening night for Dude, if we did. There are fucking articles that have come out within the past three weeks. They're still talking about a bloodshot sequel. Yeah, I, I hope that's true. I think any chance it had got kind of destroyed by by the pandemic, it feels like. So um, I don't know. Maybe we'll get lucky and it'll kind of become a bigger cult classic in the next two, three years and help like catapult that into reality. And to I all the love that. And to all the people that fucking hated Bloodshot, fuck you. That's all I'm going to say. Fuck. Yeah, they're cap- they're Captain No Funs. <laughs> so yeah, like I th- honestly, and some of the people that I think hate Bloodshot. I'm gonna call you out. I don't even think you fucking watched it. So shut the, f- shut the fuck up. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> it's the same people that hate Robert Pattinson for being Batman. Thank just you. Because he was in Twilight yeah. without he's even a, fucking scene. He's a sparkly vampire. He can't do Batman. <laughs> you fucking watch, basic. You're a basic bitch. Watch Good Times and shut the fuck watch up. Watch Good Time and shut the fuck up. Paul's it's right. It's still okay to hate Twilight for being Twilight, though, right? Oh, totally. One hundred percent. Absolutely. But totally. fucking, you. That's I want you to watch. I want you to fucking watch Good Time, and then I want you to watch High Life, well, High and then Life. come back to me and tell me that fucking Robert Pattinson can't act. 
and even Robert Pattinson hates Twilight. Yeah, thank you. Of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> fucking Good Time was one of the fucking. I watched that movie based on uh, Neil's recommendation, and I watched it this year, and it's fucking phenomenal. And I went and saw. I went to the art theater, and I saw High Life, and that movie is one of the best fucking sci-fi movies I've seen in a long ass time. It is so good. People are out of their goddamn minds for saying that Robert Pattinson can't act. He's great in Lighthouse too. Fuck the lighthouse. That movie can. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Fuck that movie. That movie can eat my dick. Fuck that movie. Oh man, seagulls can eat your dick. Celebration. What was fucked up about that movie? What was fucked up about the lighthouse is like that movie. Like the you know when they kill the bird in that movie. Yeah. I was driving home after seeing that movie, and I fucking my car hit a bird on the windshield on the way home. That is fucked up. It was fucked up. Didn't make the movie any better. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> fuck that movie. Oh, my God. Fuck that movie. I hate that movie so much. Oh, God. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Celebration. It's You know what? That's for, that was a last. It's was a 2019 that, Yeah. So, not, fuck that not, movie. You can shit on it all you want. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Fuck, fuck the lighthouse. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hated that movie. Um, I've got uh, two runners up. Um, the old guard, Rebecca. You mentioned the old guard. I loved it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a fantastic movie. I love Greg Rucka. I've met Greg Rucka at C two E two and had him sign my copies of the old guard. Had him sign my copies of Lazarus. I think Greg Rucka put out the best fucking uh, run on the Punisher ever. And I loved uh, loved the old guard. Can't wait for the sequel. Number two is going to be Birds of Prey with Margot Robbie. And uh, the rest of the cast there, I, I, I did enjoy Birds of Prey. And I know not everybody liked Birds of Prey. Not everybody liked Birds of Prey. They didn't like... Fuck them. They didn't like the Birds of Prey. And I don't know, not fuck them. I mean, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. I loved Birds of Prey. I loved Birds of Prey. I thought it was a great fucking movie. Everybody's like, uh, you know, where's Batman throughout all this shit? Oh, maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out why Batman was tied up and couldn't fucking... Handle what was going on in Gotham and blah, bitty, blah, bitty, blah. Just settle the fuck down. I loved it. I thought Birds of Prey was a lot of fun. Let's get to our number one. Paul, what's your number one comic book movie of the year? It is the Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. First off, that movie made me so hungry with what should have been the hero of the year is that fucking egg sandwich. Oh my God, that fucking egg sandwich. <laughs> dude, dude. But you know, like, yeah, like, Fuck the haters. I mean, you know, ooh, she walks into the police station and still like, no, nah, you know what? It's a fucking comic book movie. It was a fun time. Uh, Margot Robbie had a lot of fun doing it. You could tell everyone liked it. Um, just had a, I, I had a blast watching it. It's the last movie I saw in the theaters. Uh, but yeah, I fucking love that movie so much. It is my comic book movie of the year. There you go. Comic book movie of the year. Birds of Prey. You're still calling it the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. They changed that title. To. They changed that title, sir. It's just called Birds of Prey. I I had to just because of the animated backcast because I would always purposely just try <laughs> to say the name of that movie as many times as I could. I was a, um, it was a dumb title, wasn't it? Yo, super stupid. The Emancipation of One Harley. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. What the fuck? Great movie, fucking terrible title. Rebecca, number one, number one. 
it's also Birds of Prey for me. Um, I enjoyed that movie quite a lot. Um, it was the last comic book movie I saw in the theater this year. Um, I thought, you know, um, I, I don't think it's a perfect film, but um, it was incredibly enjoyable, and it was a fun watch. Um, I've watched it again since, and I still like it. So that's my number one. Number one. Jake's going to give it to New Mutants. I'm kidding. Jake, what are you going to give it to? Number one. No, I'm giving it to Birds of Prey as well. I absolutely love this movie. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, you guys have pretty much said everything there is to say. Um, I will add that this movie has an amazing soundtrack as well. Mm. Um, top to bottom, just such a great uh, curated list of songs in this movie. So, yeah, Birds of Prey, the trifecta winner. Uh, it, is, it is not the quad winner. No, I knew it because you already gave it a runner-up. So my winner pulled it up. My my winner is Bloodshot. Yeah, <laughs> woo! I don't blame you. It was it was a tough choice between the two. Bloodshot had the better of the two villains for me. I loved. I love you know as lo- as much as I love you and McGregor. I thought Guy Pierce was a fucking great villain in Bloodshot. I loved him in Bloodshot. I th- Bloodshot was just so much fun for me. I saw it in the theater and I was just blown away by how much fun it was. I had a blast with Bloodshot. I'm praying we get a fucking sequel for this. I'm praying that we get a Valiant Universe. I want to get a Shadow Man movie. I want to get an Exo Man of War movie. I want it all. Give it all to me. Give me the expanded universe for the Valiant universe. I want the Quantum and Woody movie. I want it all. Give it all to me. I but want it, it all. I want it all. <laughs> I fucking, I loved Bloodshot. I thought Bloodshot was fun. And to all the haters, you can go, you fucking eat a dick. I fucking loved Bloodshot. <laughs> eat a bag of dicks. Eat a bag of dicks. I get it. Whatever, man. Get I, donkey punched. I fucking, I thought. While I, eating a bag of dicks. Exactly. I fucking, <laughs> I loved Bloodshot. I thought it was a ton of fun. Vin Diesel was great in it. I thought the twist was well done for a fucking, for a movie that should not, this movie had no right to be this good. And I love the fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out, you know what, I'm gonna throw out props to my boys that I love, that love this movie, Dan West and Joe Stark. Those are my boys. They fucking love Bloodshot, and you guys are my Bloodshot boys. My Bloodshot boys for life! Bloodshot boys for life! Alright, sorry. my chest for your boys. <laughs> my Bloodshot boys. Your bloodshot boys. <laughs> My bloodshot boys with a Z, boy. <laughs> Let's jump into our... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> let's, let's jump into the best movie of the year. And we're going to end it with this one. Best movie of the year. Pop Culture Leftovers Movie of the Year. Spoilers, my best movie of the year is not Bloodshot, okay? So let's, let's, let's get that out of the way. It is my best comic book movie of the year, but it's not my best movie of the year. Honorable uh, mention, at least? What? No, it's not even an honorable mention. No, oh, no. That's how thin the comic book movie category is. I know, dude. I know. I know. <laughs> you know You know what I'm happy, though, is that I haven't, and I haven't heard it yet, but I might hear it now. If somebody fucking gets on this episode and says... 
Bill and Ted face the music. You're fucking dead to me. You're fucking. <laughs> you're I would fucking be up. the one to do that, and even I knew that wasn't there. Thank you, Paul. Jesus Christ, you're, you're fucking so welcome. You're fucking dead to me if you see Bill and Ted face the music. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's jump into our uh, honorable mentions and runners up. I'll start with you, Paul. Yeah, uh, so I know they got like almost my best actress and uh, best director, but uh, never rarely, sometimes always is an honorable mention because that's one I can probably only watch once in my lifetime. Uh, I got Run because I had a great time with that with Sarah Paulson. So it was good. just a, it was just such a great like you didn't have to think. It had a really cool twist to it. Uh, just there was tension the whole time. Uh, it was just so much fun. Uh, I am going to be that asshole and say Birds of Prey is one of my movies of the year just because I had such a fun time with that. It was it was such a blast. Uh, it was good to see Margot Robbie kind of redeem herself. Do you after. think the people that didn't like that movie call it Turds of Prey? Now they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now they do. <laughs> How about um, Curds, of, Curds of Way? Ooh, oh, listen to you, little Miss Muffet, who sat on a tuffet. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm gonna start calling Jake Little Miss Muffet. <laughs> That's all I got out of that. <laughs> oh, no. Along um, came a spider and sat down, sat down beside her. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Sorry, Paul. No, 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 no. That's okay. Uh, you know, I, I've said before that knives out might be one of the biggest ensemble movies in our lifetime, but uh the trial of the Chicago seven is definitely in that conversation with just such a stack cast and, you know, Aaron Sorkin, you know, doing his directing and writing his really, you know, mature script, uh Trial of Chicago Seven was a lot of fun and you know, Rebecca and I kinda talked that the thing that really made it even better for me was just seeing Sasha Barry Cohen really fucking bring it uh really bring it you know to the level of like mark rylance and uh joseph gordon levite uh, i do got black bear on there and as i said before like i don't i don't know if i'd say it's technically a fantastic movie but man it's one that like you just need to experience because yeah. it just has you thinking afterwards in fact I almost wanted to rewatch it just kind of try to pick up on some things like oh shit is this supposed to mean this um, it's almost like, like, I almost like am tempted to do like a Patreon episode for Black Bear. Just a fucking, would fun. I would, I would listen to that. <laughs> talk about it and break it down for the people that have seen it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's it. And I mean, like, and just based on performance alone, Aubrey Plaza is worth the five ninety nine it is to rent it. Uh, she's fucking great in that. Uh, King of State the King of Staten Island, again, one that I really tried to avoid, but I'm really glad. I did. Uh, I love seeing Steve Buscemi, who actually took a year or he took a couple of years off of acting to go back to be a New York fireman uh, after September 11th. So it was great to see him kind of be in his wheelhouse. Uh, Unpregnant was such a fun was such a fun movie. I know that's weird to say about an abortion movie, but it was just like the relationship between the two leads is fantastic. I don't know, Brian, if you remember, but uh, the pawn shop scene is one of my favorite movie scenes. Yeah, it's really good. Of, of 2020. Um, and then I got... Uh, I think, I like, really I'm met- Pregnant. I'm Pregnant is what one of those movies where it's like you watch... Um, 
fast times at Ridgemont High with the with the abortion scene and how like scary and dark and like mm-hmm. you know like if you compare the the uh, the abortion scene in in fucking fast times at Ridgemont, Ridgemont High and how clinical and cold it was compared to like the scene that you get in Unpregnant it's two completely different experiences and I, I am glad you brought that up because, like, it was like it was, I'm not going to get too much into it here, but just like when they kind of really explain what's going to happen at the end, I thought was a very bold choice for a movie to do. Um, and of course, we got Brecken Meyer as a crazy Christian evangelist. Yeah, uh, here's the thing. Like, I, I honestly, think, I, I for as much as I love Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I think that that movie still shames women. In that scene for the choice that they make. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Am I crazy to think that? You're talking I, about the Judge Reinhold scene? I'm, I'm talking about the scene where fucking he picks his sister up from the abortion clinic. Oh, oh okay. I think yeah. it shames women into, I, I, it makes that a, I don't know. I know. I'm, and I'm well, here I am speaking as a guy. Like, I don't know. Exactly. Rebecca, have you, se- Rebecca, have you seen Unpregnant? I have not. It was it was on my list of things I wanted to watch, but I, I just haven't watched it yet. But he, hearing you all talk about it is definitely. I, I, it's always been on my radar. I would love to hear what your. Th- I would uh, love to hear your thoughts comparing the abortion oh, scene 100%. in in fucking um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High compared to the abortion scene in this movie and what, okay. because like I'm a guy and I'm just like, like, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't, ha- I will never have that kind of like personal connection to like what a woman would feel or what, what a woman would be going through while dealing with this kind of thing. And I still feel like for as much as I love fast times at Ridgemont high, I think it's a great movie. It's a great comedy. And I think it is tackling some like, like some serious issues back in the eighties that fucking like, I don't know, in a, in a way that even the sitcoms back then just did in like a comical way. Like if you, if you watch anything like it in a sitcom where they're trying to deal with like anything serious, they're still trying to make laughs out of it and shit. Sure. But anyway, like there's something, there's still kind of like, I feel like there's like this, like there's like this shaming that's going on in Fast Times at Ridgemont High for like this young girl, you know, taking control and getting an abortion. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's, there's so much more being explored in, in, in unpregnant to the fact that like, why do these, why do these girls have to go to these links and drive out of state yeah. to fucking yeah. do this? Why can't she do this in her own state? Why can't she do this? It's her body. Why does she have to like go to a state where like, you know, she doesn't have to bring her parents into this and all. I don't know, Rebecca, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because like, here I am, I'm a fucking, just a dude. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear a woman's thoughts on like the comparisons to fucking, um, fast times at Ridgemont high abortion scene to the impregnant abortion scene. I don't yeah, know. I will, I will definitely move unpregnant to the top of the list here. And I will, I will, I wanted to watch it. Um, I, I will definitely watch it, and I'll try to, you know, get get you my thoughts uh, on that. I don't know. Yeah. I I just think and, like and, and, I'm pregnant handled it in such a in such a way that it didn't, it, was, it didn't feel shaming to the mm-hmm. to the girl. No, no, like and okay, like whatever. I don't even care. Celebration, like 
when that actually unfolds, like I literally broke down. Like I, I didn't like full out ball, but like I got teary. Like it yeah. was like, and I'm thinking to myself, first off, as a teacher, I think a movie like this needs to be played in a health class in, in high school. And this is without a doubt as a single father, which is scary as fuck to a little girl, you better believe this is a movie that we're going to sit down and watch when she's at that age. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I feel like it's such a great way to kind of have that conversation. And it's done between like this amazing, this just like, it's such a beautiful story because it's two people that were just the best of friends. I just don't think, I don't think that women should think that like like girls, young girls should think that their life is over because of this. No. No, And I think like, I think like that's the way it's set, that's the way it's set up though in this country is like, like their life could be over because of this. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, but, but like think about all of the, all of the, um, all of the laws restricting Thank you. our yeah. rights on yeah, on, on reproduction and women having to. I mean, there. If I, as a healthy woman, go to a doctor tomorrow and say, uh, "Hey, doctor, I would like to have my tubes tied. I've decided I don't want to have children." Um, Depending on my age, the doctor will not perform that surgery. Mm. They will say, you may change your mind later. I won't do it. Um, if I'm married, there are states that I have to get my husband to sign off that it's okay how I administrate my body. That's wrong. So, of That's course bullshit. it's wrong. Of course it's wrong. Well, but- it needs to be said. Yes. Yeah. It it has to be said because there are a lot of people that don't think that that's wrong. It's wrong. There are plenty of people that don't believe that women should have autonomy over their own bodies. And and welcome to being a woman, literally for fucking ever. Well, this is this is why this is why we're fucking having uh, girls not thinking there's a way out and fucking like leaving their babies in dumpsters. And I think I know that's fucked movies. up. I know that's a fuck. God, this is like a celebration of an episode. Uh, <laughs> but like I some, we're some deep, we're some deep shit, right? But now. seriously, Whoa. but seriously, man, it's like these are fucking. These are fucking kids. These are fucking. Oh. These are our children, and like, I don't know, man. I just want to. I want to see things. I want to see. I want to see things change. I want to see movies be able to fucking change the way that people feel and the way that we look at. At these things. And I think this was a good first step, like, yeah. especially with these two movies. And if you think back to like, uh, you know, never always some, you know, never sometimes I'm already forgetting. I've had some <laughs> but, but, but like a big plot of that is that she's being lied to because the agendas of these clinics don't want her to have an abortion. Yeah. So they tell her if you go here, like Rebecca, they lied to her. They tell her she's only like, seven weeks pregnant and then she goes to the place where she can get it done they're like oh wait no you're like 12 weeks pregnant right. oh my god oh like, my god yeah it, it gets pretty intense so like, like uh like do they do they lie to her or they like make a mistake and they're like oh we they 100 percent lie to her yeah they lie to her because they're like you know the christian backed like clinics and, right. and stuff like that but, you know, Unpregnant definitely doesn't have that grim of an outlook, but it's it's a great way to just have 
you know, like again, I said I'm, I'm going to watch it with Hazel. I just really, I, I just that want movie was great. I just want women to be able to watch these movies and not feel bad about the decisions that they're making about their own bodies. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I feel um, like there's certain things, there's certain things in media that that. And as for as much as I love Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I think that that movie does it does shame women, and it makes it feel like it's like this evil thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, you could certainly have a bigger discussion about how pretty much every movie in the eighties uh, really portrayed things that happened to women. Like, okay, in and not that it's about abortion, but like in The Breakfast Club, which a lot of people love that movie. Um, there's a scene where one of the, one of the girls, um, is, is, she's touched in a way that she didn't consent to. And it's played for a laugh. And these are the movies we all grew up watching. And they, oh my gosh, it's such a coming of age story. And oh, it's the teenage experience. And oh, it's okay if you touch women, you know, on their vulvas without their permission. It's hilarious how they react. And, there's a bigger discussion to be had there, obviously, but I am happy that in 2020 and going forward, we're having these movies that are making these discussions easier to have mm-hmm. and and to be able to bring it in, in a way that it's presented in, in a form of a film or of a TV series because it, rather than – rather than like a political discussion but this is rather more of a social discussion of of women and their and their reproductive rights so yeah yeah i am i i have to watch this movie like i don't know why i haven't watched it you've got to watch both of them i think you should watch both you should watch both thank you i I absolutely will i'm i'm really glad that you you brought them up so many times in this episode i'm i'm gonna watch them oh they were so good i would so good i would love to hear a woman's perspective on like all of this you know well you know what was great, Brian, is I reviewed this movie on uh, the Scenic cast and Cindy was on. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, she's kind of echoing everything, you know, that's been said. And, if, you know, it has way more weight because I am not a female and I, right. you know, but I really, I think, you know, as a teacher and all this stuff, you just want, you want your students and your kids to know that they're going to be loved and all that. And, you know, like there's safe options to do what you need to do. And I think that movie really presents that. But, uh, and now I'm kicking myself because I forgot two actresses. Uh, but, uh, my last honorable mention is happiest season, which I thought was just such a fun film. Uh, I would have given honorable mentions to Kristen Stewart and, uh, Mackenzie Davis, for uh, their performances in this and even Aubrey Plaza does a great job in this but my runners up uh my third runner up is Uncle Frank which was just you know another very important uh social issue that gets brought to light from the viewpoint of uh you know in the 70s and just how painful some people can be and how to get over that uh number 2 is Palm Springs uh, fucking had so much fun with that. I loved all the acting. I thought the story was a very awesome spin on the Groundhog Day. Uh, it really kind of made it seem scientifically yeah. possible, if that makes sense. 
Uh, and then my first runner-up is because of you, Brian, the Kid Detective. Yes. That movie just came out of fucking nowhere, and I'm so happy so that I was able to experience that movie in my life. Fantastic movie. Everybody needs to watch The Kid Detective. I was, uh, this movie came out of nowhere and just blew me the fuck away. Uh, Rebecca, um, honorable mentions and, uh, runners up for best movie of the year. Yep. Some honorable mentions here. Uh, Just Mercy. We talked about that earlier. Um, Trial of the Chicago 7. Absolutely. I think that's definitely a must, a must watch on Netflix. Um, and I didn't even think about this, but it definitely kept popping up on lists of movies that were released in 2020. Um, Hamilton on Disney Plus. Um, it, it, I guess this technically is a movie. Um, I, I would throw it out there as an honorable mention. If you're even a casual fan of Broadway or musicals, um, or if you're a fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, he wrote uh, the play and the raps that are in it, and he stars in it. This is like the original cast. It's filmed in New York on Broadway 8,000 years ago when we still could go to Broadway. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's an absolutely really... I mean, I, if you don't know about Hamilton, I don't, I don't know where you've been living, but you know, it's, it's the story of one of our founding fathers set to a rap style musical. And, um, he made the choice to cast all of the white founding fathers, um, with actors who are people of color. So black, Latinx, um, Asian, that was a choice he made as sort of the representation of all of the people of color who never had a voice. Um, back when this country was founded so um but you know again beautiful uh beautiful lyrics beautiful performances i think it's absolutely great it's on disney plus you might as well watch it you're already paying it to watch the mandalorian but you know, i want to watch it i want to watch it when it comes to my town well you, you can wait if you want to wait that's totally fine but if you don't want to wait then watch it on disney plus i know it won't be this cast when and it brian it's it will be, not i know but when it's i saw the v digs man when i know i love i love the v digs but here's the thing like i've i'm 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 one of those people that when i see musicals it's very hard for me to appreciate them when i watch them as they've been recorded like the only musical that i really love is um as far as a movie is um, Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. Every other musical that I've loved, I've always seen it as a live performance. And I'm talking about like Spamalot, you know. Um, That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, the Book of Mormon, which I saw. Sure. Wicked, which I saw. And, oh yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. And so, and so, Hamilton is one of those things that I've been dragging my feet on because I want to see it, even if it's not David Diggs and it's not like the Lin Manuel Miranda. I still want to see that as a live performance before I see that on Disney Plus. I get you. I get you. If you want to hold off, that's fine. But um, I would say for anyone out there who has not yet seen Hamilton and would like to. Um, it's absolutely a great uh, production. Yeah. There is one F-bomb, and I think, because well, it's on Disney+, Plus, they, they actually bleep it, which is hilarious to me. They did, but, yeah. Um, yeah, they bleep it. You're pussies. Um, you're, you're pussy, Disney. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're fucking pussies. Um, and I, I've just got two two runners up here, um, uh, and we've talked about these movies, definitely. Uh, Emma, 
with uh, Anya Taylor Joy. I gotta now. see that, I, Rebecca. Gotta see it. Gotta see it. Um, and my other runner-up is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I cannot say enough how good this movie is. Um, it is a it's a French film. I get it if you're not really into foreign films, but the performances are so good, and the story of these two women is beautiful and heartbreaking and beautiful again. And and just go and watch it. And that, uh. that's it for my runners-up. Oh man, French! Are you? Would you recommend eating a, a baguette while you watch it? And, and drink a bottle of red wine. Drink 100%. a bottle of red wine and eat a fucking baguette That's while you right. watch Make it. Some cheese while you're at it. Answer. Dip the fucking baguette in the red wine. There you go. Just there get the dunk do action it, after it. Soak that shit up. Give it yeah. the full French experience. <laughs> Maybe wear a beret, do some miming, oh my you know, God. to really throw shirt. yourself into it. Yeah, striped shirt, smoke a cigarette, you know. Give up it. whatever you're going to do next. Yeah, surrender to the Germans <laughs> the whole night. Just be French, you know. Oh, my Sorry. God. That's I love it. That's a political joke for you there. <laughs> my hot take. <laughs> what did you kill me? <laughs> Jake, what do you got for your... Uh, what Shit, you got every for time best? it's my turn, you guys have me fucking dying. <laughs> Fuck. Um... I've got some honorable mentions and two runner-ups. Um, there's a couple docs I wanted to bring up as honorable mentions. Um, I really loved Class Action Park on HBO Max this year. Oh, yeah. So much fucking fun. It's great. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the Beastie Boys story on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, this was just oh. one of the one of the feel-good movies of the year for me. Um, I've watched it like seven times. I absolutely love it. I don't think I liked it as much the first time as I did like the fourth time I watched it. But I, I just put it on all the time now. It's just like a background movie when I'm like playing video games or doing something else. I just absolutely love it. Um, I want to give Sound of Metal an honorable mention. Um, that movie just really won me over. I mean, I, I by no means hated it the first time I watched it, but I was just a little mad on it. And now it's just like one of my favorites of the year. So far. fucking good. It is so fucking good. Uh, Charm City Kings. Yeah. I'm going to give an honorable mention to as well. It's one of those things that we brought up a lot of these kind of things this episode where I don't think this is on very many people's radar and it's just, just worth watching. So it's worth bringing up three or four times throughout the episode in the hopes that other people will, will check this out. Charm City Kings, everybody watch it. It's on HBO Max. It is a fucking Tupperware. It is so yeah. good. Fantastic. Um, my second runner up is Tenet. Um, you know, I, I've said already, I'm not the biggest Nolan guy. I almost go into a Nolan movie wanting to hate it. So when I come out and I absolutely love it, it it's, it's well fucking deserved. It's, I'm like, God damn it. I love this movie. <laughs> and and ten, 10, it's that Nolan movie, man. I, as, as hard as I wanted to go in and hate it. And boy, did I hate it for about the first 45 minutes. Didn't we all? We all did. I think we all did, Jake. <laughs> but yeah, by the end, I'm like, motherfucker. It turns so you around. Yeah. Um, and my first runner up is a movie that I'm surprised I wasn't the only one to bring up. Paul's brought it up at least a dozen times. I believe Brian's brought it up once. Um, Palm Springs. This yeah. movie fucking blew me oh, away. Yeah. It's, it's easy to say, you know, a new take on Groundhog Day on paper, 
but it's so much more than that. And it, it just has so much heart and it's such a hilarious and fun movie with a lot of poignant points thrown in there through all the wackiness of the whole thing. But yeah, Palm Springs is my first runner up. I was very close to making Palm Springs my winner. It was a tough contest for me. Oh my God. I'm dying yeah. to hear who your fucking winner is, Jake. I'm, I, I have no idea. I really don't. I don't know who your winner is. It's because you're drinking. You you won't be surprised once you hear it. <laughs> oh God! If it, I God damn it! If it's fucking Wonder Woman or Soul, I'm gonna blow my brain out. <laughs> I, I promise you, it's not Wonder Woman or Soul. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Put the gun down. <laughs> oh man, um, I have uh, I have some uh, honorable mentions. Palm Springs is one of my honorable mentions. I loved that movie. It was a huge surprise to me how much I was going to love Palm Springs, and I highly recommend that you get on Hulu and watch Palm Springs immediately. Number two is going to be Unpregnant. I loved Unpregnant, uh, one of the first like HBO Max original movies that I think just kind of like took me by surprise and i loved it um the kid detective paul yeah buddy i love you boy i love the fact that you love this movie dude oh my god dude it was oh it gets so dark but there's just some like i mean it's not giving away but when the kid's like do you feel like a man slapping around a kid yeah i do (laughs) I have to see this movie. That, that, my one takeaway from this episode is watch Kid Detective. You gotta watch the Kid Detective. Oh my god, Jake! I need to hear what you think about that when and you if, see it. And man. once you watch the Kid Detective, I uh, I implore you to listen to the uh, Smodcast episode. It's a podcast Kevin Smith does. He uh, interviews um, the director from the Kid Detective, and he in- interviews uh, Adam Brody from the Kid Detective. And it, it came out a few months ago. And I, uh, if you've watched The Kid Detective and you want to learn more about it, listen to that episode of Smodcast. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the King of Staten Island is another one of my honorable mentions. I love that movie. I love Pete Davidson. And I think, you know what? Fuck it. I think Pete Davidson, if given the right role and put into the right movie, is a really damn good actor. Oh, yeah. And... Bill Burr. Yeah. Fucking huge standout. Loved him. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is another, um, honorable mention for me. I loved that movie. Promising Young Woman. This, uh, film stars Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham, the director from Eighth Grade, also a stand-up comic. I love him. Allison Brie is in this. Clancy Brown, Jennifer Coolidge, Laverne Cox, Connie Britton from Friday Night Lights is in oh this. Oh, my God. And uh, it follows a woman who takes revenge against men who have wronged her. And um, I compared this to The Crow. It is an, a fantastic revenge story. You've got Cassie. She lives. She's 30 years old, lives with her parents works at a coffee shop. She was previously uh, in a medical school. She dropped out after her friend Nina was raped and nobody believed her. Nina later committed suicide. Every weekend, Cassie goes to bars and pretends to be extremely intoxicated. Every time a man takes her home and tries to take advantage of her, she confronts them about their behavior and writes their names down in a notebook. This is a fucking awesome movie. 
It is incredible. That it is. That, that's like a movie I would write. You, like, that's an amazing you, movie. <laughs> you would love this movie, and it's not a, it's not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like every time she gets these guys alone, she's just going to like go like full Dexter and murder them. That right. is not the case here. This movie is so much more, and it is so powerful, and it is awesome. I loved Promising Young Woman. Uh, I'm also going to throw into my honorable mentions the wrong Missy, Jake. Nice. I did not forget about this movie. I loved this movie. David Spade, Lauren Lapkus, hilarious. I loved this movie. Thought it was so funny. Uh, Blood Quantum. If you have a Shutter account, watch Blood Quantum. This is a zombie apocalypse movie, and people that are bitten by zombies turn into zombies. But you know what? There's one race of people when they're bit by zombies don't turn and that are, that's Native Americans. And it is such a cool twist on the zombie apocalypse genre. And it's so awesome to see Native Americans star in this movie and do an amazing job in this fucking film. And it's like, we get all these, like we're getting all these fucking like, you know, like you talk about diversity in movies and stuff and we're getting a lot more diversity in movies and, and, and things like that. I love like Kevin Feige has been speaking out about diversity in Marvel movies, but there's like one race that has been kind of like, in my opinion, kind of left out and it's native Americans. And it was nice to see native Americans being taken seriously and given a great movie and I love Blood Quantum and um, me being like, I have like, <laughs> I am part Native American, very low percentage. <laughs> Thank you, Ancestry.com for confirming that. But like, um, <laughs> it's it was nice to see um, Native Americans highlighted in Blood Quantum and it's a great fucking movie. It's so, it's such a great movie. And if you have Qu- uh, Shudder, a Shudder uh, subscription I highly recommend this one if you've got zombie fatigue um, throw that out the window and watch Blood Quantum it's really awesome uh, The Way Back is another uh, one of my honorable mentions I love this movie that's the movie where um, Ben Affleck plays Jack Cunningham he's an alcoholic and uh, he's a construction worker who is separated from his wife. And then he has been asked by uh, this, his uh, high school team that he played basketball for to uh, play for the team, uh, to coach for the team. And uh, it's a wonderful underdog redemption story. I highly recommend it. Color Out of Space with Nicolas Cage. This was like... Oh, wow. Great choice. <laughs> oh, I love this movie. I love this movie so much, Rebecca. The fucking, uh, this, uh, meteor falls in this, uh, family's front yard and it starts to, um, terraform their little area there, but it also starts to, um, make the family change and, um, a lot of body horror in this one. Nicolas Cage goes full Nick Cage. In this movie, it is such a fantastic movie. I've got two, uh, so that's Color Out of Space. I think you can also watch that on Shudder. And if you haven't is seen- Is that based off the Lovecraft story? It's very, yeah, it's Lovecraftian, 100%. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've got two runners up. Number, my, my, my first runner up is gonna be 1917 by Sam Mendez. We've talked about that ad nauseum. I love 
1917. Uh, and my next runner up is going to be my octopus teacher. This is the doctor documentary that came out on Netflix. I loved my octopus teacher. It's a filmmaker forges an unusual relationship with an octopus living in South African kelp forest learning as the animal shares the mysteries of the world of her world. I fucking cried over an octopus while watching this movie. This movie really touched me and it, it's a beautiful documentary. It's on Netflix. It's called my octopus teacher. I absolutely loved it. I want to know what is your number one movie of the year, Paul? Yeah. Uh, I know Jake may not love me, but I love him so much because I agree with him so hard. But, uh, when you asked me to come on a couple months ago, the only thing I knew for sure was my movie of the year, and I'm going with the amazing movie that is based on the 12 O'Clock Boys, and that is the Charm City Kings. Uh, nice. This movie came out of fucking nowhere. Uh, when you read the description, it sounds like a knockoff of a knockoff of Fast and Furious. Um, it is not that. It is like a very nature versus nurture it's pretty much a battle for this kid's soul and just the acting is top notch. Um, you know, when you think you're going to watch a movie about a motorcycle gang, you think it might get a little too much with the action, but the one major scene they do have with a motorcycle chase is just fucking brilliantly shot with a, with a drone cam. Um, I just love this movie so much. The ending will have you choked up scene, you know, Jake kind of alluded to it, but there's a kind of a big twist where someone's not who they really are or they're not really kind of, you know, they're kind of portraying themselves as a different way. And then some things come to light. But, uh, yeah, hands down, Charm City Kings is uh, my favorite movie of uh, 2020. It's a great fucking movie. Nobody's talking about it, Paul. Nobody's talking about Charm City Kings. I That's never would have watched. It's a great I pick. never. I never would have watched it unless I was on the podcast that week. Yeah, yeah, everybody. It's HBO Max original, everybody. Charm City Kings, get on it. It's fucking phenomenal. I'm not going to lie. On Tuesday, I watched a YouTube video to make sure I could pronounce Jahi Diallo Winston's name correctly. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> I wish I would have done that. Man, sure when, I heard you, when I heard you say it the first time, I was like, whew, thank God I watched that oh, YouTube God. video. I remember, I remember back in 2013, I fucking had to get on the internet to f figure out how to pronounce Chewetiel Ijiafor for 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, yeah. So thank God for YouTube. Thank God. Yeah. Um, but Rebecca movie of the year. It's going to be 1917 for me. We've talked about it. I mean, what else can we say? Um, it's just such a visually stunning film, great content, great performances. And, uh, I don't know. I, it's absolutely 100% worth watching. I mean, to the point that I, it's the best, it's my movie of the year. So it is. Where is that playing right now? Who's playing 1917? Where can I watch uh, that? Because I want—I I seriously want to watch it again. It's I'm, on Showtime. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. I believe, yeah, it's on Showtime. It is on Showtime. Yeah, you can watch this on Showtime. Yep, absolutely. Holy fuck. Well, up. I don't know if this is true, but it also apparently you could watch it on Hulu with a premium subscription. Uh, you have to have a premium subscription to Showtime. Yeah, well, there Brian, you go. It's, it's, it's also on our shared movie account, Brian. Oh, yeah, I'll watch it on that as well. 
But I'm, yeah, for the listeners, if you want to watch it, you can watch it on Showtime. <laughs> uh, Jake, movie of the year. Yeah, my movie of the year is The King of Staten Island. Ah, uh, oh, that's man. what I thought. Fuck yeah. Uh, such a shame that we didn't get to see this movie in the theater. It's one of my biggest regrets of the year. I would right? love to see how a full crowd would react to this and just like, what what are the moments that really hit a full crowd as far as laughs? What are the moments that hit for shocks? I feel like this would have been a really engaging movie for an entire crowd, and it's a real shame. I kind of hope that when we get past all this, maybe this can see a limited re-release, but it still won't have, you know, the full house that this would have had opening night had things gone as, as planned and as normal. So, yeah, I just absolutely love this movie. Everyone in the cast was just fucking amazing. Um, just so much fun. It felt like a bunch of mini movies all crammed together into one giant plot. So it, a very long movie, which is unusual for me to get movie of the year, but I, I never would have guessed it was over two hours while I was watching it. Time just flew by. Jake, I, I need to show you they, uh, when we ran the contest for it on the, on a previous episode, they sent me a swag box. Yeah. Have you seen the picture of the, uh, of the, um, hoodie that they sent me no but i'm I'm super jealous already (laughs) they sent me they sent me a hoodie for uh that they sent me an art print and they sent me some tattoos they sent me a oh uh, my god temporary tattoos yes they sent me temporary yes you got dude i'll show i'll send you a picture of all this shit they sent me temporary tattoos for it they sent me um a uh like a not a thermos but like a water bottle that says FDNY for the New York um fire department. Yeah. They sent me so much shit for that movie, dude. It's fucking I love that movie too. It's so god. Oh my god. That's really cool that they sent you all that swag. Yeah. Um please t- please tell me one of the temporary tattoos is the fucked up Obama. <laughs> I know what Brian's number one is by the way. I figured it out. Just say it, Jake. It's Tenet. <laughs> My number one is Tenet. <laughs> My number one is Tenet. I cannot not make nine number one for 2020 Tenet. I love this movie. I think it is fucking brilliant. It, the rewatchability on this one. And like, I was even as of like early as of today, I'm like watching Tenet videos on like, um, you know, uh, you know, like, what does this movie mean? What, you know, like all the different shit in Tenet. I, I love Tenet so much. Um, yeah, I gave, I gave Nolan director of the year. Of course, I'm going to give movie of the year to fucking Tenet. I love Tenet, Jake. I loved it so much. I cannot stop thinking about this movie. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it was, it's it, sadly, it's not the movie that saved theaters this year, but I think like it gave it a valiant effort. Yeah, yeah. He tried. It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work, but yeah. Guys, that is the Tupperwares. That's all I have. Nice. This was a really fun episode. I, I didn't know how it was going to go with the year that we had, but I yeah. had a lot of fun tonight. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, thanks for having me. Paul, are you going to come back next year? If I'm invited, I would love to. You're invited right now. Rebecca, you know you're always invited. <clears throat> well, thank you. I Thank you so much. Oh my god. Oh my god. I want to you know what? I want to thank all of our listeners for uh for 2020. 
Honestly, like the listeners are the best part of 2020. Getting to hear from all like the diehard listeners throughout the year, keeping us going, Jake. I agree. I agree. It's one of the things that just keeps us going during one of the most depressing years I've ever lived. I'm telling you, man. Oh my God. This year. So I like, I think I hit my limit like a month ago. A month ago, I was just like, Oh my God. I can't believe this is still fucking going on. (laughs) This is Mm. killing me. I know a lot of people have had a lot worse than I have this year, but like last month, just like, you know, there's, I just, it's just, Oh, I want to, I want to live in a world again where we can walk around without masks anymore. I know we got to do it right now, but my God, it'd be nice to just be able to, to go out and be in public. I I don't think we're ever going to get back to the way we were, where we were just like shaking people's hands and all this other shit. And I don't know how comfortable I'll be going out in public again, not wearing a mask, but my God. Ooh, it's going to take some training to uh, get my mouth not to make some of the faces it makes behind that mask when I'm at work dealing with fucking stupid people. Though. I bet. I bet. <laughs> it's easy to get away with it right now, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh my I, God. I am very expressive with my mouth behind that mask because I know I can get away with it all the time. And I, I, I fear for the smirks that I'll be making that people can see once it comes off. Mm-hmm. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> 2020. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, hopefully 2021 is going to be better for us. Right guys? It's got to be, right? It has to be. It has to be. We're going to get at least one Marvel movie next year. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, two weeks we're going to be talking about, uh, WandaVision. WandaVision. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That, that'll be exciting to, uh, to see and to talk yeah. about. Yeah. 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 So, uh, huge thanks to Rebecca and Paul this episode. Thank you so much for everything that you brought this episode. You guys did a great job. Thank you. I, I loved hearing everybody else's picks. Like I loved getting, um, more recommendations and just reaffirming stuff that I to watch being like, okay, yeah, this is definitely worth watching. So yeah, I loved everybody's picks. My biggest takeaway, like my biggest thing that I would like to have people communicate with me in the future is that they got on HBO, they watched We Are Who We Are or later on down the road when it's made readily available for everybody, they watched The Kid Detective. I would Mm. love to hear people talk about their experience with My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear more people talking about Charm City Kings. Jake, what's the one show that you want people or movie show or, you know, that you want people to watch after listening to this episode? I mean, Charm City Kings is probably at the top of my list, followed by Palm Springs, if you didn't watch that. Yeah, Hulu, Palm Springs. What about, what about you, Paul? Uh, I would say Unpregnant. Unpregnant? Unpregnant. I would mm-hmm. also, I'm going to throw in Promising Young Woman when it's available for everybody. Oh, that's what I want to see so bad. Promising Young Woman. Rebecca, what is your, what is like, you know, give me like your, you know, one, two or three favorite things that you watched this year that you want everybody to fucking take away and say, and, and tweet at you and be like, yo, I watched this on your recommendation. This is the fucking shit. This is what I, thank you so much for recommending this. Yeah, I would like people to watch Emma, and I'd like people to watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I talked about both of those movies. Um, I think they're both 
really good pieces of cinema. I would like people to watch Mrs. America. If you would like mm-hmm. to know more about the history of feminism in this country, I think obviously it's it's a fictionalized show, so they're going to take liberty. So don't watch this thinking like it's a fucking history textbook. But I think it's a great place to start. Um, and just, I don't know, expand your horizons. Um Try to find shows and movies that are hiring people of color and hiring trans actors and are hiring non-binary actors. Star Trek Discovery right now has a non-binary actor and a trans actor right now. And and look for shows and movies like that and support them if you can. Uh, if you're talking about trans actors, watch Euphoria, everybody. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Watch Euphoria, and also I would highly recommend, again, we are who we are on HBO. Please watch this fucking show. I don't want to be the only lone voice on this, and uh, I don't know if it's going to get a season two on HBO, but my God, it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Some amazing performances. Tupperware's eighth, Jake, eighth. This is the eighth annual Tupperware's Awards show. It's crazy. It's wild. I'd love to go back and see what like all eight of my movies of the year were. Well, you weren't on the first one. Oh, I missed the first Tupperware. Yeah, you weren't on the first Tupperwares. No, that's right. Shitty Steve was on that one, right? <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not let's not go there. <laughs> I meant that with all my heart. No, it the first Tupperwares was. Um, Oh, it was a Lil. And, it was a Lil and, uh, and Sean. Oh, yeah. Shitty league. Sean. Not shitty Sean. <laughs> I fucking, I still text Sean. I love Sean. I love Sean too. I'm just being an ass. Jesus Christ. What are you trying to do? Um, yeah, but. Sorry, I thought it. we were done recording. No, we are not. We're still recording. I have an end to this fucking thing. Jesus. I know. Another joke. Don't turn into France, Jake. <laughs> oh my god. Alright guys, just like all good left over. Jesus Christ, well, I can't believe we we're ending it on that. Jake, you're an asshole. Uh, <laughs> yes. Just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 363, the first regular new episode of 2021. And you know what, Jake? I have a feeling that it's going to be underwhelming. Yes. Uh, <laughs> get ready for more mediocrity in 2021. I can't make any promises anymore, Jake. I'm done. I'm done trying yeah. to. I'm done. Yeah, people have seen all that they're going to see from this fucking show. Yeah, we peaked years ago. Uh, yeah, we. There's. We're not going to hit any new heights. Nothing's going to happen. There's nothing new coming from PCL. You're going to get the same bullshit that you've gotten from fucking the past fucking eight years or whatever the fuck. Nothing's, nothing's going to change. Jesus Christ. Yep, yep. Get prepared. 2021, the year of lots of 80s sitcom references. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. We'll see you next week. 363. See ya. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com.
You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a Womp Brad, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers, uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers, podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers We love it, hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers, uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers, pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.